0: Are you seeing beatings even when you're a kid?
1: So there was this guy Bab Asherbeli. He was a boss in Springfield for a while, and his brother was Skyballs. They had a real good nightclub. I wasn't there the night this melee started. They said, "Well, who was in the car waiting for him in front of the bar?" And it was a heavy-set guy driving a white Cadillac. My whole life, I had white Cadillacs. There was a heavy guy driving a Cadillac. That's chicky. So my friend goes, "They want to see you too." I wasn't even there. So we got word to a son of one of the organized crime guys. They're gonna crack you good. You're gonna get it. So me, my friend Anthony, and another kid I won't mention, we say, "We ain't going to this." We jump in my Cadillac. We drive to Fort Lauderdale. We're there about a month. We call home and they got us. They go, hey, it's over. Come back. You guys are idiots. We go to the meeting, and I said, this don't look good. So we pull up. We go in this room, and he says, come on in. They're just going to talk. Don't worry about it. So all of a sudden, we hear the garage door in the back go up. (laughs) What a crew. These guys are legitimate stone-cold animals. The nephew of this guy goes outside and shuts the door and stands in front of the door so nobody can get out or in. So I said, Houston, we have a problem. The guy starts talking. He says, you guys think you're gangsters, huh? You want to be gangsters? I'm going to show you how gangsters act. He goes up to my friend. He starts giving his kid Punches, any one of these punches would have knocked anybody out. 10 or 12 punches directly in the face. Nose splits open. And every time that he hits the kid, the kid's going like this, but then looking him right in the eye, which even made him matter like, oh, you're a tough guy? And then he goes after this other kid, Anthony Errolata. He destroys Anthony. I mean, really got him good. When he goes to throw the punch, he went like this. One of the other guys says, did he just put your hands up to you? And the kid goes, no, I didn't put my And They really gave it to him. Now it's my turn, I'm bracing. He stood up and he goes, and you, you want to be a tough guy too? And he goes to throw a punch and his nephew stops him. He goes, Uncle Tony, don't hit this kid. This kid's a good kid. He's just a jerk. He drives them around when they do all their craziness. And then this guy took out a knot like this wide of money And he says, hey, go get us coffees. (laughs) So I don't run down the street, get them coffees. And it was completely a switch.
0: Chicky Chicatelli, thank you so much for being here, man. I really appreciate it. You have an absolutely fascinating story. You were a bookie for the mob for many years. You spent time in federal prison. So let's just start at the very beginning. How did you get into this?
1: Okay, um, we have to go back to about um, 1989 um, well, let me just tell you, I graduated high school in 1985 and, uh, I'm 55. Like I said, old enough to be your dad, but whatever, you're better looking than me. <laughs> but anyways, uh, um, I ended up going to the military and, uh, I got hurt in the military and, uh, I almost was at four year mark. You know, I was going to probably make a career of it. I might've, mm-hmm. i pretty, yeah, I probably would've. And I got hurt on a ship. It was an accident and, um, they retired me. And uh, so I came out of the military. I joined in 1986, and I came out in 1989. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't fully retired at the time. They were still working it through the legal channels in court. And uh, so what happened was um, I grew up in Springfield, Massachusetts, okay? It's western Massachusetts. It's an hour from Boston. It's pretty much centrally located. Providence is an hour. New York City is maybe two hours and 20 minutes. Hartford is... 25 minutes away from me, 30 minutes. So um, I grew up in a tough area. Springfield Mass is a tough area. It's like I had said on, on another show on uh, our friend Ian, um, it's it's ranked like one in two for the, in New England. It's, it's a real tough town. Mm-hmm. Boston ain't even in the top five, so it goes to show you. Springfield's one, and then one mile up the road from us, Holyoke Mass is number two. Mm-hmm. Between the murder rate, the gangs per capita. And um, so I grew up in this town, and I grew up in... Uh, in a, um, a neighborhood of called East Springfield, Hungry Hill. The Hungry Hill is the Irish, home of the Irish, that's what they call it. It's a real tough Irish neighborhood. And then Springfield, I was in East Springfield, right on the line. So I grew up with the Italian kids, I grew up with the Irish kids playing sports and, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, so what happened was, I was around the alleged gangsters my whole life. You know, I mean, since a little kid, I was working at my friend's uh, father had a fruit stand. And uh, all the guys would come there on Sunday morning and get their vegetables and fruit for the for the Sunday day for the Sunday sauce under dinner, and uh, they would always meet other guys there and go up in the back room and have their little discussions. And me and my my friend um, at the time would hide behind the banana boxes and watch them. And we would say, "Oh my God, you know, look at this guy! Oh, look at he came from New York plates! Oh, he came from Providence!" And we want to know who they were. And then the organized crime guys would leave and his the kid's father would say oh that was this guy from providence oh this guy came in from new york we know
0: oh wow and, yeah did so, you have any awareness what they were doing or what that was at that time Oh well, yeah we
1: knew because you got to understand as kids i remember 15 years old my friend we were close close friends since probably six seven years old playing uh little league soccer and hockey and baseball he was a degenerate gambler and they knew his voice. Too. All, all the bookmakers in our area knew his voice. So when he called, they would say, Anthony, we don't want your business. And he, they would hang up on him. So he'd say, Chicky, do me a favor. Call up and bet these games. Now, we're 14, 15 years old. We don't even got our license. So I'd say, OK, what do you want me to say? And he'd say, just here. I'm going to give you a list, and you say this. So i call up, and it was a Saturday college football season. The kid would bet a 1,000 a game, 15 games in one day. Fifteen thousand dollars at the fifteen year old kid. He would make me call up and bet the games. Gino done this, Gino, UCLA, Gino Ohio and State. How's he getting this money at fifteen? Well, that's another thing. We as kids, we were hustling. We were young kids, but we were hustling. He was hustling. He was a huge marijuana dealer. Even as a kid, mm-hmm. all the whip. he became a million dollars on making on marijuana. So uh but he got he had money. And you know, like I said, sometimes he would pay and sometimes he wouldn't, depended who it was. And know, this it was, is
0: late seventies? Yeah, no, this is like,
1: um, I graduated in 85, so maybe like 80, okay. 81, 89, 70, right around there, you know, 10, 12, I, and I graduated when I was 17, 18, yeah, 17. Gotcha. So, on um, but, but you were never in the marijuana game, like... No, 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 I never, I never was in that drug business, I've, and I'll go, I'll tell you in a minute where that, where, how I, you know, whatever. So there was an in particular guy that used to come in the, um, fruit stand all the time, his name was Adolfo Big Al Bruno, and uh, you can Google him out of Western Mass. Uh, he ends up getting murdered at our social club in 2003, November, I believe November 23rd, 2003, he gets murdered. Uh, you know, there was a little bit of a rumble in our area and uh, allegedly, but people were convicted of it, so that's the only reason I'm talking about it, um, an order came from New York and said, you know, this guy got to go, so allegedly, but people were put in jail for life for it, so, it, you know, whatever. Mm. So, uh he was a, our guy. He would friendly with us, uh, bust chops with us. We go to his house, and eat. He, he liked us. So uh, 1989, he approaches me and my two friends, childhood friends. We had to be like 20, 21 tops. And uh, he says, I'm going to give you guys an opportunity of a lifetime, a million-dollar opportunity. I want to see what you're going to do. Yeah, wh- what's up? He goes, I own a bar, restaurant, and venue where bands go play. Uh, bands from New York. It's empty now. The guy, you know, we threw him out for whatever reason. I want you guys to take over. You, I'll get all the connections with the beer companies, the food companies, what, liquor, whatever you want. And I'll give you the connection in New York with the guys who get the axe. Back in the late 80s, it was the Clubhouse music. I don't know if you know what that is. Mm-hmm. Clubhouse was like the real thing, like... Johnny O, Lizette Melendez, uh, Valent, all these groups, TDK, all these different groups in the 80s. It was huge in Brooklyn right here. It was huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, Old school Clubhouse. It's called Clubhouse. Clubhouse, or uh, they called it another name, Clubhouse, whatever. But it was good dance music. A lot of Spanish people would sing it, you know, like the bands. So I got connection with the guy in New York, and I used to call the people and say, listen, Bruno gave me the number. Oh, you know, they talked to their people. Can you come down? Well, it's going to be 2000 No problem. Come on down. So we'd have to pick them up wherever, you know, whatever we got to do to get them there. Yeah. And we'd pay them, and they would do a concert outdoors on our venue, like it had stage outside. And the place would be packed. It was a beach, too. So you could go swimming there. It was a big lake, beach, and volleyball, drinks. Wow, this, is
0: this is a great gig. million-dollar
1: joint. It was a great gig. Great deal. Needless to say, we destroyed the whole thing. <laughs> we were there one summer, maybe maybe not even two, one full summer. Forget about do it. Do you know what
0: happened to the guy that was running it before you took it over? No, I
1: have no idea. Uh, it was in the family, and he had one of the cousins running it. And I don't know. I, I, the way I took it, but I don't know for sure, guy was robbing him. And he said, get, you know, see you later. I'd rather get nothing than you robbing me. Yeah. So th- he got thrown out of there. So we took it over. And we had, like, he said, whatever you need, just do and take it off the top. So I had, like, all sand brought in, new sand on the beach— Look, it was funny.
0: And and who are you doing it with? It was I'm doing and... it
1: with uh, two friends of mine. I'd rather not mention them sure. right now because one's still around, and the other one, I don't want to. You know, it's no big deal. Is one me.
0: of them your gambling friend from when you were younger, yes. Anthony? Yes, There's Anthony. A...
1: Well, you already. He's out on the podcast, and you know, and I could talk about him because he ended up cooperating and leaving that life, which you know, whatever he's doing, God bless him. But now,
0: now you you mentioned he's a degenerate gambler, yeah. which is a which is a funny term. What yeah. makes someone degen- a degenerate gambler versus just a gambler?
1: Well, a gambler, I, I guess. I mean, I was never a degenerate <laughs> gambler because I seen all the years I bookmaked, I seen people get stuck and lose cars and houses and wives, so it really deterred me from that. So thank God, you know. Mm. But uh, it just was crazy. I mean, I could go on and on. I'll tell you stories. But
0: a degenerate would be someone that he, is he like, don't lo- stop. He's, he's losing. He's losing his life.
1: He's lo- yeah, but he sometimes he pays, sometimes he did. But he he bet games. A fifteen-year-old kid. Don't get stuck. I think at one time, I think he was 16 or 17, he blew 80000 70000 in one week. And they had sit-downs over it. Like other guys, other organized crime guys, he owed. And they were talking it out. Well, can you cut it in half? You know, or maybe we'll go see the father because he owns a fruit stand. We'll get it from the father. That's a degenerate gambler. When you're putting people in risk Whoa. like that, it's okay. bad. And um, the friend that my guy drove me up here today, Anthony Grasso, yeah. but you talked to him. Great that's guy. a different Anthony. Great guy. Harder goal. Another degenerate gambler, and I'll t- to go into him later. But uh, great, great. These, you know, Anthony uh, Grass was a great guy. It's just that, you know, some people drink, some people do drugs, some people whatever it is. That yeah. was his thing.
0: Yeah, his thing is gambling, and he don't
1: drink or do a drug. Him, but he gambles. Forget about
0: it. Now, did gambling Anthony ever have any big wins?
1: Oh, I'll get into that. I can go there now if you want me to. Well, well, when you were younger. Yeah. Well, he always won and lost, won and lost, but he always lost a lot more than he won. But uh, I'll go into his story first. So. There was probably like, I was I was probably looking back the biggest bookmaker in probably all of Western Mass for sure Western Mass maybe even outside Western Mass, and uh, I had a lot of lot a lot of customers and we didn't edge off to nobody. Edge off means you got so much on a game. I would call Vegas or I would call someone and say, can you? If I say I got hundred, say I got fifty thousand on a game, maybe we only want to take half of that, take twenty five thousand. So I would take twenty five thousand and bet it through somebody else or you know, get, get a connection in oh, Vegas, wow. you know, because they don't want to get hammered, but Bruno, our guy, didn't care about chopping it up. He said, we take everything. So we're not chopping it up. If you get 100000 in a game, we go. He's good It's $100,000. It. we are good. So I had, like, sheets with, like, on a Saturday. You know how many college football games are on a Saturday, never mind other sports going on at the same time? We must have had – there's a lot of games on a Saturday. I can't even know the number now. But – you know, you have twenty thousand, ten thousand, twelve thousand, six thousand, ten thousand, fifty thousand. Add that up in a week. Uh, well, when I got pinched, when I got pinched for the FBI, for the um, for this organized crime case for bookmaking, uh, um, they estimated I think in less than two years, three million dollars. It was averaging about three hundred thousand a month. Three hundred thousand a month. That's what that's what I got convicted of. If they really knew, but 300000 <laughs> I got
0: convicted of, let's keep it there. Yeah. <laughs> Hypothetically, it could be more. Oh, who's who's to say? It. Yeah, but
1: that's neither here or there. Wow. But, um, yeah, so Anthony got stuck. If there was, just say there was seven bookmakers in my area, eight bookmakers. I was one of them. He probably owed seven of them, okay, at one time. And he owed 100000 on the street gambling to 10 to this guy, 20 to this guy, 30 to this guy. So. And how old is he? He had to part? be maybe I want to say late twenties.
0: Okay, so now he's an adult. He's, he's an man. adult.
1: This is going to a little story, a little headbutt. Sure. So uh, they start calling him, you know, and he, you only lasts about a week with the weasel talk. Well, I'll see you next week. <laughs> oh, Thursday I get paid. I'll get you then. Yeah. Two yeah. weeks, they know something's wrong. So certain ones, you know, they wanted to play the role and oh, Anthony, you better pay me, or you're gonna have to, you know, blah blah blah. blah. So he didn't even get to that point when they started calling him. He uh, borrowed a thousand dollars from his friend and he went to Vegas. Again, we're talking about a general gamble. He lost everything he had. He bars 1000 and goes to Vegas on a one-way ticket. So if he loses that $1,000 in Vegas, he's staying out there. He said, I'll be a parking attendant, a cook at a buffet. I'm there. Now, at that time, he leaves his wife and kid in Springfield to take off because he don't want to put them through that. So he gets there. <laughs> He'll tell you the story if you ever do. Him. He's funny. He goes in his hotel room. He got comp rooms because he spent so much money in his life in Vegas. They give you a free room yeah. and meals and drinks. And cards. Right. So he's in his room, and he says he gets down on his knees on the bed, and he prays to God. God, if you turn this out good for me, I'll be a good husband. I won't gamble no more. I'll be a good person. Meanwhile, when I get to the studio, you will laugh because that only lasted two months. <laughs> but anyways, so— He's got a thousand dollars, and he starts betting like five hundred. He likes sports, so he bets like all the hockey games. He knows all these crazy sports, you know, all the different. Oh, this guy's playing, that guy's playing. I don't know. Like I know some things from years ago, but not like him. And he loves boxing. The boxing they had boxing matches. So, anyways, he starts winning. He he gets on a, now a thousand dollars. He starts winning. He's up to ten thousand, fifteen thousand, thirty thousand, fifty thousand. Wait. 70,000, 100,000, everybody, he's calling his father. Dad, I'm up, I'm on 120,000 is in my safe. Come home. You think he's coming home? Of course not. He's a degenerate gambler.
2: He's <laughs> <That's> a degenerate <laughs> gambler. You can pay everybody you
1: owe and still have 50,000. I'm staying. So he's there a month, okay? He's there a month. He can't do nothing wrong. He's Now he's up to 200,000. God is my judge. He starts sending now. I don't know if you know it. I don't know about now, but back then you couldn't send ten thousand or more, Russian Union, because then they red flag. Right. So he was sending $9, 95 and he, little by little he was sending it to his brother, his father. They were paying these guys off, going, "Oh, Anthony, here, here," and they're just happy to get their money. You know, yeah, well, don't I don't care where he is. Thank you. Yeah. And if he owed you twenty thousand, he gave you twenty four thousand. He always he put like three 000, four thousand extra just for hey. That's why he can walk around with his head held high anywhere in our area. Mm-hmm. So. They were little by little every weekend paid. You know, if he owed you 40, he gave you 10 one week, 10 another, 10 another. And he had all these people running around paying people. But he stood out there. So he went to the uh, Oliver McCau- McCauley fight. I think he told you that story mm-hmm. where the guy had just got out of a drug rehab. And he should have never been fighting. Against Lennox Lewis. Yes, yeah. Lennox Lewis. And he's in the fight. And sit sitting front row next to Lionel Richie and Johnny Mathis, the singer Johnny Mathis from the 50s. They're saying because you know when you bet that kind of money, he bet forty thousand on just a boxing match. Take a seat. forty thousand. So he says he's watching the fight now. He bet the guy that fought Lennox Lewis, what's his name, Macaulay, whatever his yeah, name yeah. was, was going to lose. So he's happy if the guy loses. It's like the third round, they're fighting. He raises his hands, Macaulay, and says, "I'm done. I quit." And he cr- starts crying hysterical, and Grasso's laughing at him, ah! you know, abusing him because he's going to win. The auditorium bet on him, some on him, I mean, yeah, on him. No, I think, no, no, Grasso bid against him, so a lot of people wanted him to win, and they went crazy. He, the, the, the his trainers are yelling, get, stay in there. You gotta stay in there, because I guess you gotta make it to a certain amount of rounds before the people get paid. They get paid for the fight. Mm. You don't just get paid walking in the ring. You gotta make it, I think they had something with three rounds, or, he didn't even make it to what he, where he was gonna get money. Okay, I think they give you so much, but you then. You gotta hit a minimum. What? Yeah, exactly. So, all the people that bet for him to win is throwing popcorn at him and soda and drinks because he literally walked out of the ring. The the trainers are holding him to stay in the ring and anybody can go on uh, YouTube and pull up that fight and watch the fight when he walks out, he's hysterical crying and he's saying, I can't do it, I can't do it. He had just got out of a 30 day or two month drug rehab place. He wasn't mentally ready for that pressure. That's crazy. So he walked, the trainers are chasing him and he walks out of the thing and Lennox, was his name, Lennox Lewis Lewis, Lewis, wins. It was the biggest thing. Grasso was laughing, ah, because he won. Yeah, but and your boy Anthony, right? Well, who knows? Well, I don't know about him. If he bet that, he wasn't there. But yeah, Anthony Grasso uh, yeah. Won, won the bet. So, to fast forward a little bit, because I could be here three days. Um, he turns a thousand dollars. He's there two months. He turns a thousand dollars into four hundred thousand, <sighs> and he comes back with four hundred thousand. He pays the hundred thousand that he owed, and he comes home with a bag with three hundred. Now, I guess in the plane, you, it's hard to get money. You can't just come on a bag a plane with three hundred thousand. Yeah. So I don't know what he did, but this was back, you know, I'm talking twenty years ago, twenty five years ago. A little easier. Maybe a little more. But so we grew up around these kind of kids, okay? And um, I remember at a young age, we got in a lot of trouble with the with the organized crime guys because you're supposed to kind of listen to them, and we did what we wanted. Like uh, I'll give you an example. Um, we used to go to their nightclubs. They had a lot of the nightclubs in our area, mm-hmm. strip joints, restaurants, dance bars. They really ran the town, huh? Oh, Springfield, Western Mass, forget about it. And and I'll get into it. What makes Springfield unique compared to Boston, Providence, is um, allegedly, but it's out there on YouTube. It's not like I'm giving secrets. Um, Western Massachusetts, just Western Mass, is a um, uh, it's like a satellite unit. Of the Genovese Crime Family in, out of New York. Oh, interesting! Right, Boston is patriarca. and then they had the Irish crew back in the day with Whitey Bulger, who, um, which I'll go into that. Whitey Bulger was the notorious Irish gangster that they found in uh, Boston. Which the kid we hung around with, that was our child, you know, friends through our whole teenage years, eat dinner with him, is on trial right now, allegedly for killing Whitey Bulger. Freddie G is. Him and his brother, Freddie and Ty, they got life sentences because of uh, some cooperators in Springfield,
0: Why did did Springfield become this hub? Did they have like a capo or a boss move down there? Well,
1: since 1930, it's been. I mean, there's three different reasons why they say they did. But, I mean, if you read any newspaper or anything, it's always the Springfield, Genevieve's crew, all this craziness. But like I said, that's allegedly. But this is what's out there. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so. Uh, we, came to New- we came to New York quite often, you know, we'd bring, uh, I-, I went a couple of times, but a couple of my friends used to come out all the time, but we take rides down here and bring, like, uh, during holidays, a whole van full of, like, the best liquors and the best food, because we come down to, you know, Harlem and different places where they had social clubs, and I, you know, whatever. But my friends went a lot more than me. I only went a couple of times. Mm. And, but but uh, your
0: family, your direct family, was never affiliated? No.
1: No, my father was a hard-working guy. He worked in a... uh my father was in the Marines. Mm-hmm. My whole family, my, my father had uh, with him, there was seven boys and four girls in this family. And they all were from the Bronx, Arthur Avenue, mm. a, a two-story walk-up, fifth floor. Uh, my grandmother didn't speak English. My grandfather didn't speak English. Seven seven total boys and four girls. Two stayed in the Bronx. My father went in the Marines and the rest of the boys and four aunts came to Western Mass because their um, thing they did was um, auto body business. Ah. So they opened a string of auto bodies in Western Mass, like Ludlow, all the different towns around my area, Springfield, West Springfield, you know, they own all the auto bodies. So I think today there's still three open.
0: And your grandmother immigrated from Italy. Yes, my what? grandmother and grandfather, Where? Dominic and Ada. Where in Italy? Um, uh,
1: uh, uh, Marchegiano. Markegiano. Markegiano. Yeah, it's a, uh, I, I don't know exactly, I never went there. I went all over the world with the Navy and never went there. Yeah. I should someday. But Markegiano, they, they cool. came from, yeah. And um, so they moved to Western Mass, opened the auto bodies. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so my father was never involved in that. He worked hard. My mother, 45 years, was a crossing guard. You know, when you cross the kids? Of course. She was there so many years. Num- she had a badge that had number one on it, a badge, because she was there so long, the cop badge that said number one. Yeah. But she was a crossing guard. That's great. And uh, she crossed the kids, then she crossed their kids, and even at the end, their grandkids. Three generations. Just a staple of the community. Oh, the, the mayor came, when she did her last day of retirement, the mayor, all these officials came, took her picture. She thought she was like a movie star, you know. She she was funny. My she, mother. She's she a, sweet, a sweet woman, huh? Sweet woman. Uh, listen. What we'll cook for you? Well, we put. Do oh, look at me. Does it look like she cook for me?
0: <laughs> but anyways, well, uh, I'm yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm well What but, what was she making? What what, what oh, kind of
1: back then it was crazy because it wasn't just Italian. My mother made everything. You know, Wednesday was macaroni and meatballs and sausage. You know, Friday was takeout night, pizza. Uh, Sunday was taco. She made everything. You know, she was Italian, but she made everything. Soups. And my grandmother lived with us for the whole time since I was born. Oh, wow. So for, my grandmother passed away, but she, when when I was born, I had two mothers and a father. I had my grandmother and my mother and my father. And my grandmother was the head of the kitchen. You know, my mother and father could only go in there if she authorized it. And then if she got tired of cooking one night, my mother would do the cooking. But my grandmother would do all the sauce, the soups. Do everything. And, and my father was funny because he would come home. My father wanted to eat at 4.30. I know that's early for people. He wanted to eat at 4.30 because he went to work 5 in the morning, come home at 3.30. He's hungry. So we were eating at 4.30. So, you know, it didn't help me too much that I was eating at 4.30. And at 7.30, I was starving again. You know, normal <laughs> people eat 6 o'clock, five thirty, seven. Go to sleep. So uh, we had to be there at 4.00. And if my father went in that kitchen before 4.30, like to dip the sauce or something, it was the funniest thing. My grandmother was the best. And uh, we had a lot of fun. And she was like a second mother to me. You know, we'd fight and laugh. And see, I was almost like, I had two brothers and a sister. So there was four of us. But my brother, my my youngest brother to me, up from me, because I'm the youngest, is like, you know, almost 10, 11 years older than me. So they were gone already. When I was 10 years old, they had their own kids and their wives, and they were gone. Uh, so I probably pretty much grew up just me my grandmother my mother and my father baby chicky yeah baby Ch- well yeah back then baby <laughs> chicky no, know. but anyways uh yeah yeah so it was fun and um yeah my father was a hard worker my mother hard worker and it was funny because um I had told this before to and it you got to kind of get where I'm going with this mm-hmm. you know how people got pictures of like Grateful Dead or Boston Red Sox New York Yankees A-Rod in their room the kids yeah not me since 11 years old John Gotti Sr uh This one, that one, local guys, the news articles on my wall. Listen, you're going to laugh. I think I was doing it before the FBI when they put that poster up and it says (laughs) this guy's a captain, boss, uh, soldier. We were doing that as kids. Oh, my God. You better put him up there. He got promoted. We, You know, it was funny. Those are your trading cards. That was our thing. That's what we grew up around. They were running the town. We wanted to be like them. OK, and the guys that were around me, anybody says they didn't is a liar.
0: Did your parents ever tell you, like, hey, you know, the, these crime guys, like, they're sketchy, don't whatever,
1: no, whatever? No, I mean. Were they aware oh, of what was going on? Yeah, of course, of course. My father knew guys and the Bruno and he, you know them. But they never, it was weird because they just accepted it. Like, I mean, they'd say, be careful. Mm. Or later on in life, when I started getting pinches and picking up cases, you know, they were like, you know, and, uh. It was just crazy. Like, my nephew is in, was in trouble too, a lot too, and uh, that's the thing I'll get into in a little while. But my nephew, uh, uh, allegedly, uh, he just got, he's in jail. five years, he's been in jail. But uh, I, in 2019, I was picked up on my second case. Where everything was going good and then i got picked up in that big indictment it was the biggest indictment in the east coast history of the latin king and queen nation allegedly all
0: right. which is interesting we can yeah. get into that we'll get
1: into that later but i just want to give you a little yeah. little preview but um yeah so he was around as a kid too and my mother was funny because he would have all these alleged latin king kids around him now he's mm. italian a lot of them were spanish but they would come to my mother's house and he was like oh you know, this is my friend from school and they're all kids and they would eat at the kitchen table with us. My mother would put pasta fuzzle or meatballs and they, there'd be seven around my table. Now, meanwhile, I'm laughing because I know who they are. My mother's isn't they great guys, they they good guys? Right? She don't know if she ever turned around. They they, 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 they would think not of eating and cutting your head off. <laughs> but it was funny. <laughs> but but they, your mom is just such no, a loving person. She, they, she's loved like, they used to call her Mrs. Chick, yeah. they loved
0: her. If you're coming to the house, you get in a yeah, seat at the table. Yeah, come on,
1: sit down. And, and, and I'd say, my mother would say, and he got a lot of friends. And I said, yeah, they play baseball. He never played a sport in his life. I said, yeah, they play baseball. They go play racquetball. I made up stuff. Oh, see, you should do like them. And she's telling me. I said, <laughs> yeah, oh, she you really can... <laughs> know who they are. But anyway, my mother was the best. So, oh, that's um, wild.
0: So, yeah, you're just around it all the time. You see it coming up. It's, 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 Cops it's...
1: come into the house, under uh, organized crime task force, state police organized crime task force, FBI. They'd come to the house, and my mother got so used to it it would be like if a milkman came to a regular person's house. You just don't even think that. My mother would be sitting on the porch back in the day, cutting out the um, paper, what do they call them, the coupons? Yeah, you yeah, get yeah. The f- dollar off. Yeah, yeah. She'd be at the thing with her little house coat on in the front porch, boom, boom, boom. And woo, woo, Mrs. Chicatelli, yes. And she said, say, who are you here for, my son or my grandson? It got to that point. And uh, we would laugh, and they'd say, no, we're here for, where's Chicky? Oh, you know, whatever. She And she, you know... It was funny. She would say, come on, leave him alone. We, 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 don't these guys who deal drugs you should go after. And then she just gave up at the end. Did you, they, did you see The Godfather as a kid? Yeah, yeah, i seen all them God movies. Did, did those influence you at all? Nah, or was I mean, it just the guys you were around? They were around? entertaining, but they didn't like the actual real guys. That's what we were around it. So it wasn't like we were in Omaha watching <laughs> Godfather saying, oh, wherever, saying, what the hell? Oh, my God. We were around it. We were with these guys. We seen things. We seen beatings. We seen guys get in trouble. We were around it, so it was natural. We watched a movie. Oh, that's entertaining. Be like if you were a skateboarder, a great skateboarder. I'm just giving you a, a little thing. Mm-hmm. And you watch a skateboard movie. You're like, oh, that's cool. But I go do it myself in a park. The movie's actually not that accurate compared to what it's really like. And, and let me tell you, with Goodfellas, great movie, great movie. Yep. Okay. Made Henry Hill like he was a hero. He was a Between you and I, he was a garbage pail from day one. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't this big gangster. You know, he hung around with real guys, but the movie made Ray Liotta good looking and he's winning and gambling. I mean, from what I heard from real people that knew him, Mm -hmm. the guy was a stump, stump bum, stumble bum, from what I hear. And I'm talking about guys that knew him.
0: But the movie's got to, you know, embellish it, it's got to make it great. It
1: was a great movie. Bronx Tale, great movie. All these movies were great movies. Casino go on and on
0: mm-hmm. um but the movies are not always accurate reflection no of what's
1: going no on. it's not well they a lot of them they um they want to show the glamour and the girls and in the car and joe pesci and casino the girl come on what they're talking about veal next thing you no know, she's in his lap they want to it's beautiful yeah. but you don't see the part some you do but you really don't see the part when your friend walks into a room and you don't come out your best friend Come on, let's go have dinner. You walk in a room and somebody puts one in your head. You don't see that. Uh, Sometimes you do in a movie, uh, uh, Goodfellas, you saw that with Mm -hmm. Joe Pesci. Mm -hmm. That was based on a real guy, you know?
0: What's up, guys? We're going to take a break from this amazing conversation with my friend Chicky Chicatelli, a bookie for the mob, because I need to tell you about some good old legal advice. Yeah, as you can tell, Chicky has had a road of, you know, small small criminality allegedly as you can tell you know just a little wrong place wrong time situation you understand you know chicky he's at the wrong place he gets he gets nabbed on a federal indictment all right that's gonna happen but getting out of federal indictments is very hard that is extremely hard you know what's not hard hiring morgan and morgan yeah hiring morgan and morgan is easy morgan and morgan here's what i love about these guys there's a couple things one It is America's largest injury law firm. That's right. Over 100 offices nationwide and more than 800 attorneys that are sitting there waiting to hear from you. Here's the other thing I love about Morgan & Morgan. Not only are they the largest and the most reputable and have recovered billions of dollars for their clients, getting a claim submitted with Morgan & Morgan has never been easier, truly. If you go online right now, you have a problem, you you slipped, you got rear-ended, who knows? To get an attorney, it is truly terrifying. You're gonna go on Google, you're gonna search something, you're gonna see all these attorneys, you're gonna be like, is this guy gonna rip me off? You're gonna call three people, this guy's golfing for the next two weeks. No one cares about your case, and that's why Morgan & Morgan is so important. Because with Morgan & Morgan, you can submit your claim in eight clicks or less. Yeah, it's like ordering something on Amazon or getting something on Uber Eats. That's how easy it is to submit a claim to Morgan & Morgan. And now I know what you're thinking, Mark, what is the catch? I'm sure it's gonna be crazy. I'm sure I'm sure these guys, I mean, if they're the biggest, they're not gonna have time for little old me. Here's the crazy thing, You don't pay a single cent unless they win your case. That's right. If you win, they win. Your mutual interests are guaranteed. So if you're ever injured, you can submit a claim to Morgan & Morgan in eight clicks or less. It is the easiest way to submit a claim. And yes, that Morgan & Morgan, that's what I'm talking about, You know, the largest injury law firm in the entire country that's recovered billions of dollars for their clients. And yes, you pay zero dollars unless they win your case. There's truly no better way to submit a claim and get fair compensation for your injuries. If you're ever injured, you can go to for Gagnon. That's correct. For the people, F-O-R, the people.com Gagnon or dial pound law. If you want to, you can dial pound five, two, nine from your cell phone, or you can just go to for the people. That's for F-O-R, the people.com Gagnon or dial pound law from your cell phone. This is a paid advertisement. Now let's get back to the show. Are you seeing beatings even when you're a kid? Yeah, oh
1: yeah. And the We used to go to bars. We gotta keep in mind now, these guys own these bars. We didn't have to wait, oh, 21, we're gonna be 21 in a month. We can. We were going to bars at 16. 15, 16, 17, walking right in the bars. Bouncers, Chickie, Anthony, come on, whoever. Grasso, come on, we're right in the side door. 16 years old, we're all with twenty, on and up. So we didn't know what it was like to wait, oh, 21, I can't, I'm gonna have my first drink. Mm. By 21, we were done with bars. I ain't going no <laughs> more. But so going back to the beginning, um, where I was, we had a men- venue. I told you about the venue with Bruno set up for us, and I'm telling you we could be multimillionaires today if we would have done the right thing. But we were partying. 21 girls. We used to have the. There was a strip joint in our area called uh, 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 Anthony's. It was a strip joint, and uh, it was literally a mile from our beach. So every day all the dancing girls would come with their little skinny bikini and play volleyball and drink because they didn't work till then at night right and you know that was like putting gold around <laughs> people that are gold miners <laughs> you know we're, woo, you know we're ready to go right? <laughs> so and uh, so it was it, we, we had so many stories uh, 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 people would come in and then we started fighting our which was ridiculous and you're gonna laugh, but uh, if somebody didn't pay their bill or some guy came in with a muscle on the beach walking, like, get out of the way. Tough guy. Bang. Knocked out. Our own joint. We didn't care if we got sued. We would we would fight more in our own joint against people than any crazy club in New York where they're fighting.
0: The bouncers or you're cracking guys yourself?
1: Us. <laughs> Us. We're a bouncer. We're on the beach. we had no bouncers. We were, we were just walking around. So many stories. And, uh, and this is for a year. This is- yeah, like a whole summer. Maybe like... I'm going to say we lasted seven months, maybe. And everybody's like, they're asking me like, oh, my God, why would a guy trust you with that? And I tell people, well, we wore it all quick. <laughs> we didn't get nothing else after that. Are people doing drugs? Are people doing blood? Oh, yeah. They were doing, not, not our guys. We never really did the drug thing. They sold it, some people. Sure. But never like, oh, we're messed up on drugs now. Not not around us. Because you got to remember, as a kid, since kids, Bruno told us, especially me, because I started working for Bruno probably about 80, 1989. Chicky, you want to hustle? Go ahead. You want to rob? Rob. You want to loan money? Loan shark. Do that. You know, get so much. Uh, you l- lend somebody. I lend you a thousand dollars. Okay. I say, oh, here's a thousand. Give me fifty dollars a week. Not off the thousand. Give me fifty dollars a week until you pay the thousand back. So if you keep it, you you know, you figure it out. Two hundred a month, a year. You know, you're talking. You know, two hundred a month times twelve months, and then you pay me the thousand in full when you have it, or you pay five hundred and it goes down from. 50 mm. to 25, whatever. So we did all that our whole life. I mean, even as a kid, we didn't, need, you're supposed to technically have um, permission or give somebody something. Never did it. Never. Never. No. And even when we were doing it, even when he found out we were doing it, we'd say, oh, we only got 10,000 on the street, so we'll make you a partner. Meanwhile, we had 100,000 on the street. You know what I mean? So and, it was crazy. So and, we we're around, the point I'm making is we we're around it our whole life. Right. And uh, so I start working, um, what happened was a bunch of guys in my area, older guys, that were in the office for 20 years. And when I mean the office, they took the bets. Um, they took a series of pinches. A lot of people went to jail in the late 80s and early 90s. And uh, it wiped out their whole crew as far as workers. So I remember a, a guy comes up to me and he says, uh, my dear friend that I had the partnership in the venue with, still on the street, so I don't want to mention his name, he's a great kid, a dear friend of mine, um, his father came up to me, and his father was connected with Bruno. They were friends, and he says, "Chicky, the guy likes you. You got a pretty good brain about you. You're in the military. They always use that. You're in the military, like that makes me smarter." Which I'm getting into a worse life, but I'd say, "Yeah, the guy wants you to clean out the office." So at that time, I knew what taking bets was. We all knew that, but I never heard the expression "clean out the office." What does that mean? So I, and I'll explain to you. So, clean out the office means you stay on top of all the bookmakers. Like I'm the main guy, and I stay on top of everyone else. So if a game starts at one o'clock. By five after one, there's no more bets. You know what I mean? Because we had little back then. It was like way ahead of the time. We had little beepers back then that gave us the time. It was uh, right to the second of, say, UCLA's playing uh, Florida State. Just say. Now, sometimes, it happened a lot, on the kickoff, they run a 95-yard thing and score. Now the game's seven-nothing, right? Somebody will call up at five after seven. They're watching the game. They didn't think I was on top of it. And they would say, oh, give me 4,000 on... Florida State, they just scored seven. You didn't want to tell me that, but I, so I'd look at the clicker and I'd say, buddy, come on. It's seven nothing, Florida. Five minutes, he ran a hundred yard, it's a hundred yard run. So that's what that's what cleaning out the office is. You stay on top of it. And then other bookmakers, smaller bookmakers are faxing me their paperwork at five after one. Mm -hmm. So they can't screw us. Now, once I got all the paperwork, either a guy would come to my location and pick up all the papers or they would, I would fax it to them. You understand? So everybody stayed on top of everybody, just like they didn't trust them. I wasn't trusted either. In that business, you don't trust nobody. Then at the end, you'd have the the, the guy who corrected me and I would correct them. We'd all talk every night at 11 o'clock at night. Oh, let's go down the sheet. And then Friday would come. They would give their copy to somebody. I would give my copy to somebody. That same person would put three of them together and they better match. They better match as far as the figures. Like if I got, just let me give you an example. If I got JT winning 6,000 and this guy got winning 5,200 and this guy got him winning 5,200, where's the other 800? Why do I got 6,000? They're going to find out mm. because it's easy to, you can if you're not, on t- people ain't on top of you, you could rob somebody. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so they were very good at that. And then later on in life, I was in jail when they started it. They had an 800 number, an 888 number that went to um, uh, Costa Rica. That was the good method. You would pay, like, depending on how many guys you have, but anywhere from 12 to $25 a guy per week. Each guy that called, you had 100 guys that called this office, it was $2,000, 1500 a week total. And they would take all the action, the best lines. You could, How are you going to rob? They don't know them. They're in Costa Rica, these people. Wow. So then at the end of the week, Friday, Sunday night, they would fax you or whatever, send it to you. I don't know how they did it. Um the sheet with all the figures, and they were never wrong. Because they, in Costa Rica, they got a bunch of people getting hardly nothing to correct it, give and that was a great method. And then, as we know, the government is real, really the organized crime, I'm just saying it, and they, the pop business was huge, illegal. Boom, they make it legal. Yeah. Sports bookmaking, boom, illegal. Everybody's going to jail. RICO Act, I go on and on, boom, legal everywhere. Massachusetts became legal last year. Connecticut new york everything's legal yeah they're organized crime and let's be honest a loan shark like i was talking about the loan and the money you're trying to tell me the banks ain't loan sharks don't don't pay your mortgage for three months and you wish you got a beating <laughs> and that was it see ya. your house is gone your kid you're white right i'm yeah. just saying yeah, yeah yeah. they became organized crime
0: yeah it's illegal when you do it
1: 100 but if they do it it's disgusting business. it is what it is though. but you know why they're not getting their peace. yeah so even with the Keno, we got Keno, Massachusetts, and the four hundred billion. I seen the signs coming to New York. Keno is like you play numbers and you put money. Ah. It's twenty four hours—not twenty four hours, but like twenty hours a day. People lose their houses, their jobs, their wives, their kids. The government—you're not illegal because you're getting a piece of it. You can lose your house. Yep. We're getting a piece. Got to pay the piper. Let somebody go to the cops and say, "I can't pay my rent. A bookmaker wants to take my money." The guy's doing five years if there's no violence. Yeah. Violence, you're doing 10 to 15 years.
0: Yeah, well, it's like a lottery, it's right? A like, Like you run a private lottery, it's illegal. 100%. I've run a numbers game, it's illegal. 100%. The government does it, they get a piece, it's all good.
1: It's all good. Lose your house, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, but you know how they justify it? On every lottery slip, if you have a gambling <laughs> problem, call 1-800-631. Do you think they care about that? They just put that to make themselves feel good. Yeah, of course. And then the worst of all of them is Giuliani. You know, just telling the truth. Mm -hmm. He creates the RICO Act, him and some guys. He creates the RICO Act, and he gets arrested for RICO. They put him in a RICO case. How funny. Is that Karma? (laughs) So (laughs) So it's just crazy. So
0: you start making these books, and I guess it is important to notice, like, I've never really lived in a time when when sports betting was illegal. So the idea of, like, a bookie or needing a guy that's running an illegal book, I, I don't really understand that whole game and how that how, starts, how
1: me how they we got our customers yeah like how how you
0: get your customers, like what people's understanding of it is like in my mind it's like you go on an app and you put bets in through an well,
1: app see that's a great way, this is the new way now
0: right that's uh, that's what right. it is, and it's legal, and uh, everyone you know knows about it, but at the time it was very much uh you know kind of hush hush and
1: oh yeah, but we knew everybody you know we knew like you ought to keep in mind a lot of the Italian people, excuse me, a lot of the people that came from in our area there's two prominent italian uh cultures that come from Italy, okay? There's the Queen Jays people and the the, the uh, Bruggenays. They came in swarms from Italy to Springfield, to Western Mass. Mm. They opened pizza shops. We got famous pizza shops, Red Rose Pizzas throughout the New England. Uh, you know, it's known from here to New York, uh, from our area to New York, Red Rose. We got, uh, Bruno had an Italian restaurant. There's a, Bruno had seven, eight pizza shops at one time. called Bruno's Pizza. He had everything, but all these restaurants... All the Italian restaurants, all the pizza shops are all Italians, and they all gamble. They all gambled. Uh, more pizza, I see more pizza shops get lost. Money-making pizza shops that they the guy couldn't pay. He sold it to his family, his brother, you know, you know, to, to whatever pay, whatever. So we were around all these guys. We knew who they were. And uh, you know, we knew who they were, and we'd say, here, here's the number you want to get, get on gamble, gamble, excuse me, gamble. Mm-hmm. They were gambling. And then they would know somebody That's who would know. Before you know, you, have, you know, I, I probably I had one time between what I was taking and between what I was taking in, probably 200 customers. I was handling probably 80, 100 myself. And then another probably 70, 80, 100 guys were faxing me their stuff to
0: correct. When you were growing up, were people playing like small games, like dice, stuff like that? Nah, I,
1: that, see that's the thing. I know that's a big New York thing, the yeah. dice and all that, but really we weren't doing that much in our area. It was um, not the dice. You know, don't get me wrong. They had like casino night, and we go play roulette or whatever, like at a stag. But we weren't standing in the corner flushing dice. Right. We were at clubs, nightclubs, bars, um, card games and stuff like that. Yeah, stuff like that. We're not on the like, street. Hey, you know, like you see mm-hmm. in Bronx Tale, whatever the movie. Mm-hmm. But no, no, we were, you know, it, it just was crazy. And and the, a lot of this you know.
0: happened at like Italian social clubs.
1: Yeah, yeah. We had a couple. We had. Well, one time we had. Three or four social clubs in our area
0: can you explain to me what an italian social club is and what happens there
1: yeah it's just a it's a it's a it's a um like they have greek social clubs they have russian social clubs it's a social club where they have a bar and seats and chairs maybe a jukebox maybe definitely a kitchen because they cook a lot and italian people it started off where italian people wanted to go out at night get away from their wives and kids (laughs) 8 o'clock at night, bocce. They play bocce there. Mm. Uh, we had a beautiful bocce court at our old club. And um, they go there and they, they char- charismate the word, charism- whatever that yeah, word is. Chari- yeah, commiserate. Commiserate, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they laugh and they watch the games and and I got some funny stories about the social clubs. but uh, And we go down there and bust chops and torture the gangsters. We torture the guys. It was funny. Um, back when we were kids, I just go back. I, I go back and forth if mm. you don't mind. When we were kids... Um, we were little wise guys, and um, in our area, they had a Regency cable box. It was called Regency, and it had one clicker, Regency. But they were giving them to everybody in the whole Springfield at that time. They only dealt with Now you can get all this different things. You can even go on your phone and change TVs now. But this was in the very beginning when cable just broke. I think it was like 1984, 85. And uh, your clicker from your—I'm This I'm just giving an example of what tortureful people we were. But you could take a clicker and go anybody's window— in the whole area, if they had cable, and you could go through their window at night, you'd see the red light on the Regency box, click, click. You could change your channel. Hilarious. So we go to the social clubs, and they'd be watching the fo- horse racing, like uh, the New York track, and Mod of Money's Bet, and they're all, oh, come on, bang. They're hitting the paper like the movie uh, Goodfellas, when yeah. they're, I mean, Bronx Tale, when they're in the cellar. Yeah. And they'd all be, come on, come on, screaming. And we go, kuk-kunk. Right when the horse almost got 10 feet from the line, we shut off the TV. Mother, if I had a cell phone back then, I could have a million people on YouTube watching these videos. How funny. Throwing stuff. And then another time, there might be a boxing match, right? And uh, the guy goes to throw a punch, like, kids' channel. <laughs> <laughs> they would go crazy. Who's going to look out a window thinking somebody's clicking the thing? And you weren't afraid of these guys? No, like, if, like if they no, caught we you? Knew him. We knew them. I'll, I'll get into that in a little while. I got story. So no, we weren't afraid, we were ball busters and they yeah. come out, you son of a bitch. And they used to torture me about my weight. It was funny, you know, you gotta laugh at yourself. Come here, you little fat bastard. He would yell <laughs> it. and i run and try to run and I could never run as fast as my friends. So we'd go running down the south end like, and they would be going whoa, I'm running. And I'd say, screw it, I ain't running. I'd dive in a bush, like in front of a pastry shop or something, and just lay in the bush. Cause they were gone, I wasn't catching them and they weren't gonna catch me, these guys chasing us. So there was some times we got chased and we laughed. And um we got in a lot of trouble though when we got older like 19, 20 21, when I first got out of the military, we'd go to these bars, these guys owned these bars and they would put up for it a few times, but we uh, we would go in these bars and we thought who we were. I'm just telling you back then we you know we walking in there's a line down the street. like guys in New York will know what I'm saying. they know what it's like. the line's down the street yeah. and the bouncer chi, hey, come on. And uh, go by the line and what, you think. What are you you're... wearing? What are you wearing when you, when Oh, you we used to wear the Sergio Tugini sweatsuits. Yeah. Right? So they're pretty popular still. The twet suits, And then back then, the Cavaricis pants. The, there were some crazy pants. And uh, members only oh, jackets, of the members only. Yeah. But that was like cool. You know, I guess you want to say cool. That was what we wore. Everybody wore the, the boots, the white boots. Like they used to have their boots. Oh, back in the early 80s, we had the Calvin Klein jeans with the little Calvin Klein label. Cra- with, with this the chain the- what kind of chain you got oh we had i always had i never went crazy like you see these guys now i think i always had like a little jesus piece or something you know something, just something my tasteful. own something religious tasteful. yeah yeah but some guys would be crazy we'll see like, everybody what do you think mr t over here but anyways <laughs> so we go in, and we would torture the guys like that you know and now keep in mind we're going out our guys we, we used to hang around 50 guys strong i'm telling you 50 guys strong we'd meet at the corner they called it the corner by the social club drink some beers, bus chops. Girls would drive by with their convertibles. Honey, come here. Just like some movies you see it, like when the girl walks by at Bronx tail, or, or was it Bronx? Yeah, Bronx tail, And they go, hey, honey. You know, they're calling her. Yeah, We did all that craziness.
0: And so this, like, this is not an organized thing. This is just like you and your buddies.
1: Buddies hanging out. But this is, um, uh, uh, yes. And I'm trying to, this is how we got to know the organized crime guys. Um, and then they'd hear about fights. They would say, oh. Uh, what happened? I heard you smashed the kid in this joint and broke his head. We've got in a lot of fights. You know, I wasn't never like a big tough guy. I never acted that way. I was always a gentleman. But we got in a lot of fights. You know, your friends fight. You're gonna help. What are you gonna? Do? Oh, I know. You know, you, you gotta help. So I helped. We had a lot of fights, and uh, the guys would be as long as it wasn't their bar, they were excited. Tell me what happened. Who got knocked out? Did Anthony smash the guy with a thing? I heard he smashed him with a no parking sign. And we were telling them, and they loved it. But when it was their bar. You lonely, like, complete, what it's I Causing said. trouble. And I used to laugh with Bruno. i say, Bruno, why are you mad at me for this? Last week you were telling me, give you play-by-play, how he kid his head open. Why now? It's my joint. You know, <laughs> they lose money, forget it. So there was this guy, um, very known guy, and the only reason I'm bringing his name up because he's passed. Um, his name was uh, Albert Shabelli, Babass Shabelli. He was a boss in Springfield for a while, and his brother was Skyballs, who was notorious in Springfield. Been around forever, since the 1930s. And uh, they were old guys. They were like in their 80s. And they had a real good nightclub in Springfield, Massachusetts called Makara's. It was a rock and roll bar. They used to have the rock and roll bands. And uh, f- as I as I say these stories, I'm going to remember things and bring it up. But the kid Aaron Lewis for the group Stained. You ever mm-hmm. hear Stained? Mm-hmm. Aaron Lewis. It's a big rock, huge rock star mm-hmm. band. They used to play for us at the bar I ran for Bruno. It was called T.J. Horror Hands. They were the band. I used to pay them 200 a night. Four guys. They made some... Video, Howard Stern played it in New York. Stain. Now he's Aaron Lewis. He does country music. Right. But he looked the band up. They got like 200 million views. It's the huge band, you know. They used to. I used to give him 200. Yeah. Cash. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Play at some the end songs. of the night, four guys, fifty dollars each. And now they're bazillionaires, you know, big <sighs> rock crazy. stars. Yeah. So, uh, so these are the people we were around, you know, like working. Bruno owned the place. He had me and another kid run it. And uh, so, anyways, we. We end up going to this Makara's bar I brought up. And um, we go in like, you know, we think who the hell we are. We're nobody, but we think we're somebody. And uh, we come in and we're ordering drinks and maybe the lady don't bring them fast enough. So we're, all of us, uh, I used to do it, but I'm gonna tell you a story where I wasn't there, but I got accused of being there. But, we, and we start trouble, come on, hurry up with the drinks. You know, we are little punks. We didn't know, who were we? And then if the guy got wise, the bartender, hey, slow down or would be an eruption in the place, you know? Oh, you're and waiting for him to oh, say. Oh, it's crazy. Back then. And then uh, <laughs> the guys, of course, they didn't call the cops. They would call their guy. Baba just happened to be the one that owned it. So I wasn't there the night this melee started. But they, re- they described the car and the guy driving the car. But the guys in the place, they knew who they were. They had the video. I don't know if there was video back then, but they knew who they were. So they said, well, who was in the car waiting for him in front of the bar? they all jumped in this white Cadillac, which my whole life I had white Cadillacs. But this time it wasn't me, really, because I would tell you, I don't care. And it was a heavy set guy driving a white Cadillac. There was a heavy guy driving a Cadillac. That's chicky. They all said, <laughs> What am I gonna say? It wasn't me. I, you know, I'm not gonna gonna like be a dry snitch. Yeah. So I, I so my friend goes, They wanna see you too. I goes home with my my, my family. What you told why wow, I wasn't even there. They wanna see you too. I said, Okay. So we get word through another source. Now, the guy that stuck up for us, Adolfo Bruno, happened to be in jail when this happened. He was in doing a federal prison sentence. Not a long one, but like three years, two, three years. So he couldn't go sit down for us and work it out. Because what they do is they go work it out. My guy would go to Bob and say, listen, they're not going to go in there no more. They'll pay if there was any damage. Mm. Just let's cool it down. Misunderstanding. He would have done that. Misunderstanding. Right. They're wise guys, but they know if they do it again, I'm going to get them. Yeah. So... He was away, so he couldn't do that. So we got word through a, a son of one of the organized crime guys, they're going to crack you good. You're going to get it. People are leaving in stitches, going to hospital. So me, my friend Anthony, and another kid I won't mention, a dear friend of mine who's still around. He's a great kid. Um, we say, we ain't, we ain't going to this meeting. And I wasn't even there, so I'm getting myself even in more trouble. We jump in my Cadillac. We drive to Fort Lauderdale, right? Uh, my friend who i didn't mention's father owns a condo uh near Fort Lauderdale um so we go out there for a, we're out there they call it going on the lamb you take off cuz you know they're going to get you and we had like we took i don't know maybe 5000 cash and we went out there cuz we had the room for, the house for free it was in Boca Raton mm-hmm. that's where the father lived yeah, yeah. but it was you know nobody there we had the key so we're there about a mo- three weeks almost a month and we le- we leave everything and uh we we call home and they got us they go, hey, it's over. Come back. You guys are idiots. You're far away from nothing. It ain't that big of a deal. Just come home. So we're clapping. Boom, high, fives. high five. we we're going home. They ain't getting us. Lisa say, well, I'll get into it in a minute, but they got us. They didn't get me, thank God, but they got them. So we get home, and the word gets on the street. They're back. Oh, somebody's seen me. Oh, they're back. They're back. So the word comes. Listen, it's over. They're not, it's a month now. They're not going to get you. Just go talk to them. They want you to apologize, and if there's any glasses broke, just pay. So we go to the meeting. But I should have known we were in trouble because we had a meet down the south end, the Italian section of Springfield. And we went with a guy in his car. I parked my car. We all parked our cars. We had to go in the, one, of the, one of the alleged organized crime guys' car, which he ends up cooperating to and leaving the life. His name was Felix Stringizzi. And he was a he was a, allegedly a Genovese soldier. But he pleaded guilty to being that. And he ends up flipping becoming a, a cooperator and leaving the life. Wow. So, this is the guy that when his day though, you know, he was a known tough guy, younger guy. So, he brings us in his car to this little uh car lot place with a little office.
0: And and what is his demeanor when he picks you up? Like what is his energy?
1: Oh, they're the best at being phony. Guys, what's up? You look at the color on you. Tan look great. Felix, like everything all right? Ah, oh, come on. I got you guys. How was Fort Lauderdale? Yeah. You just oh, meet some heard, women. Oh, I heard you at a grapevine. You went to Runway 21, and I heard you at Monterano's or wherever restaurant. Yeah, back there, Monterano. Stevie Monterano has a joint out there. We were at the joints, the best joints. You think you're good. Oh, good. Oh, you, you were at uh, the Platinum House or whatever the strip joint was, Pla- pure platinum. Yeah. Oh, you were at Crazy Horse. They knew everywhere we were because they got people down there that were like, hey, I seen Chicky and them guys. They were all here spending big shot up in a the VIP. They knew everything. They're like, oh, you had a good time. Yeah, oh, good for you. And I said, this don't look good. There was three of us in the car. Me, four of us. So, <laughs> so we pull up, we go in this room, and the guy sits. Come on, sit down, relax. Nobody's there yet. It's just a, this guy who's the boss. Bab has nephews there. And he says, come on in. They're just going to talk. Don't worry about it. So all of a sudden, we hear the garage door in the back go up, you hear that big-ass door go up. And what a crew. These guys, now, <laughs> they're all dead now, so I'll talk about them, <laughs> what a crew. Anthony DeLevo, these guys are legitimate stone-cold animals, right? Allegedly. Mad hatters, allegedly. <laughs> well, they got convicted of it, so, yeah. but, you know. But they, you know, they were animals in their life, you know what I mean, Just, just tough guys. And they all come in, the worst of the worst coming. And it'd be like, uh, you know, and it's just, I, I'm trying to give you a scenario so you kind of get it. It's like you're playing basketball and you got three, four guys and you're playing against the Michael Jordan team that played yeah, for the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The they're Olympic all walking team. in. And you're going, what? Or the movie Slapshot. When one by one, they're co- You ever see Slapshot, the mm, hockey movie? No. Watch it. You'll die laughing. One by one, the most notorious guys are coming on the ice and you're like, what? What? As they come in, they're getting worse and worse. There's like five of them. Are they holding anything? They got Nothing, they just, just come fists. in, come in, and they're all sitting around, and they're, they're good. Hey, guys, hug, shake hands, kiss each one of them. You got to be respectful. Then they, then it starts Baba's so we're all, now I should have known the kid, the nephew of this guy, goes outside and shuts the door and stands in front of the door so nobody can get out or in. So I said, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> My head, right? So, are you scared at this point? Yeah. Well, I, I know it's going to happen. You're kind of scared, but it is what it is. I'm there now. Huh, at least if I would have went in the bar and destroyed the joint like they did, you know, <laughs> allegedly, I would have been okay. I, I wasn't it. even there. Right. But it's okay. So I said, All right, i just take a beat. What are you going to do? So the guy starts talking. He says. Uh, you guys think you're gangsters, huh? You want to be gangsters? It started nice, but now his voice is going up. You think you're gangsters? I'm going to show you how gangsters act. And he goes up to my friend, who's still around now, which I won't mention his name. Good kid. And he's, this guy Anthony DeLeva, was a was a Mad Hatter. He starts giving his kid punches. Like any any one of these punches would have knocked anybody out. Bam. Ba- bam I mean, bam. probably no lie, 10, 10 or twelve punches directly in the face. Bang. Nose splits open bad. And every time that he hits the kid, the kid's going like this, but then looking him right in the eye, which even made him matter. Like, oh, you're a tough guy? And then he goes after this other kid who's in the office with us that you can go on. He does all these shows. Vlad he did. Anthony Aralada is sitting in the chair next to my friend. And he start now, this guy knew his family. They were all like cousins somehow. So he destroys Anthony. This is before Anthony became a alleged m- member of the family. So throwing stuff at him, metal balls. I mean, really got him good. So then this other nutcase stands up, another guy, right, stands up, and he goes to hit Anthony's cousins with us, sitting next to me. We're on a couch. It's me and the kid's cousin and the the other two over there. And uh, he goes, and you, your wise bastard, he's talking to the kid, and when he goes to throw the punch... Now, you probably don't know this, but some people do. You can't put your hands up to them guys. Like, in other words, if they punch you and you try to punch them back, well, well, that's what happened. But if you hit one of them guys, it's like pretty much a death sentence. Yeah. If you punch one of them in the face or hurt one of them, I mean, I don't know about now, because they don't really do that no more, because we're in an age where everybody has cameras and Mm. every street corner, and let's face it, everybody's a cooperator, most of the people today, so they don't even bother with that murder stuff. I mean, maybe once in a while, but... Nothing like the 80s. But you get
0: punched. You punch back.
1: No, no. So what happened was they threw a haymaker at this kid. Mm -hmm. And he didn't even, I was right next to him. I seen the whole thing. He didn't punch the guy. He went like this to try to brunt it, take a brunt, you know, whatever. Instinctual. And, And then that goes to another thing now because one of the other guys says, did he just put your hands up to you? Now they make it worse. Even though he didn't, I seen him. He just blocked but they they make it to worse. They're like, did he just put his hands up to you? And the kid goes, no, I didn't put my, and they really gave it to him. So now it's my turn, I'm bracing. I got the chair, I'm bracing. And uh, one guy's holding his nose, blood rag. Another guy, stitch head like this. The other guy needs to go to the hospital, nose, blood everywhere. And now, (laughs) great. I don't know how it happened. So now he goes, and, and, and the guy, this big guy, his name was Bendo, Anthony Torino, he's dead too. These were serious guys. He stood up and he goes, and you, and he called me a, like a name, fat bastard. Somebody he said, you, you bastard, fat ass, whatever. He always, they always torture me. <laughs> it's okay. So I was laughing. But anyways, he goes, and you, you want to be a tough guy too? You want to drive them around like you're their chauffeur? And he goes to throw a punch and his nephew, who's Anthony DeLevo, a serious guy, stops him. And he called him Uncle Tony. He goes, Uncle Tony, don't hit this kid. This kid's a good kid, because he knew he was best friends with my uncle. They owned an auto body together. So he goes, don't hit this kid, he's a good kid. He's just a jerk, jerk. He drives them around when they do all their craziness. So now all my friends are looking like, looking at me like, you bastard, you got away with it. And then this guy took out a not like this wide of money, Bendo, and he says, hey, pulls off like $100. Go get us coffees. (laughs) coffees. (laughs) Now I come in with seven coffees for everybody, right? I come in with the coffees. And it was completely a switch. Like in other words, they were friendly with these guys. Oh, come on, don't be a baby. They threw a towel to the kid. Just wipe your nose. You'll be fine. If your mother says anything, just say you don't know what happened. And they're best friends again. You guys are good guys. He goes, We need guys like, you know, they would say, we need guys around us like you. Why would you fight in our bar? You're ruining our business. Don't do that. If you want to do something, we'll send you to do stuff. And then it started, you know, after that. Wow. Yeah. And then we all, oh, so now we're going home. We're in this guy Felix's car. He's driving us back to the south end to pick our cars up.
0: Everyone's busted up.
1: Busted up. But not me in the front seat.
0: Yeah, you, you got, got a coffee. Drink. You feel great. Yeah, I feel great.
1: <laughs> so now, this is how comes out to There are three in the back. It, it, <laughs> One's like, uh, bow here, towel there, towel over there, blood brag, and... They say Felix, they're talking to the guy driving now, the big guy, hey Felix, please, before we go to the south end, can we pull over behind this building over here and we'll beat up Chicky <laughs> and give him a couple of stitches or somewhere so at least he looks like, and we all start laughing hysterical. Who's spitting up blood? We're laughing. And we get out of our car at the end, and, and, and we drive away, and, and they tortured me for months. You low life. you're the only one that didn't get it. You know, who has their nose like this, like Rocky, the other one got stitches, or whatever he had a cut. It was. That's just one story. I mean, if we were Bro. here till six in the morning, I got so many. But, but, that but that's how we met them guys. Yeah. It, so.
0: Wow. And did you ever find out who this heavy set guy in the
1: Cadillac? I know exactly who he was. I don't want to bring his name. Oh, up. You knew who he it was. He was a friend of mine. He did you, did you, you ever tell him? Knife.
0: Did you ever tell? him? Oh, he like, knew.
1: He used, he used to laugh. He used to laugh. They got you. I go, you low life. <laughs> we torture him. You know. I know exactly what was. He's still that's around today. So to funny. this day, he's still around. And he was so a heavy set kid. He was driving a Cadillac.
0: Bro, that is crazy. Any of these smashes? Was there ever like a weapon? Was there ever like a chain? No, like, nothing. Just they, no,
1: you watch the movies. They want to, this and that. But when they come, if they know you, they're cracking you. You'll mm. get a couple cracks, maybe a punch, but you're not gonna get like. I mean, if they're coming to hurt you, break your, you know, they'll come with something. I guess. Wow. But um,
0: whenever you went to to Fort Lauderdale, you ever heard of a guy named Pat Manila? No, never heard of this guy. No. My dad used to, used to manage a, a, an apartment building down in Fort Lauderdale. And he yeah. had this guy, Pat Manila show up at his apartment one day. And uh, long story short, he, my dad's like the landlord, kind of like taking the rents for everyone. And Pat is like, hey, Francois, like, sit down, let's, uh, let's talk. And he's like, I'm moving into the building. And he basically just puts a trash bag full of cash on the table to my dad. And he right. says, here you go. He lowers all the blinds. Locks the door. He has his friend standing at the door. My dad's sitting in there like twenty years old, freaking yeah, out. Like yeah. he's a French Canadian dude. He's got nothing to do with this. Right. Drops a bunch of cash and goes, "Hey, this is my rent for the next two years. Hmm. Take it, and uh, we don't have any problems. Just uh, yeah. don't bug us. I'll let you know if I need it. Yeah. Left it at that. He
1: probably was the quietest guy around. He never knew <laughs> <Yeah>. nothing. <laughs> yeah. That was he was <laughs> he the he was best tenant. Best tenant ever. He's like, to-
0: I'll take a whole building. Of look these
1: guys. at look at the, the the serial killer Whitey Bulger. He lived in California
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the, by the pier. I think the Monica Pier, somewhere out there. Mm-hmm. They were there 17, 18 years, him and his girlfriend, and never bothered nobody, paid their rent on time. Inside his apartment, he had a friggin' more weapons than the, the Ukrainians. You know, <laughs> guns and gun- They found like three, 400, I don't know, maybe 100 guns, hundreds and hundreds of $1,000 in cash. there's was a notorious serial killer that killed women and everything, Yeah, and they found them. And then they brought him to prison where he ends up getting murdered, you know, allegedly, whatever.
0: So after all these guys get smashed and after that run did you still fight in bars after that?
1: Oh, we were crazy. You know how many pinches we took as kids? Salt and battery, baseball bat. Salt and battery with no parking signs, the yellow sign that goes across mm-hmm. the street and it says no parking. Mm-hmm. We took the seven-foot sign right off, bang, right over to people's heads. I mean— it was crazy. But you're still
0: fighting these guys bars, even though they just beat up all outside. Your friends?
1: Now we were do- no, we still fight outside. Yeah, we <laughs> now we go do- outside. You know? No, we go outside, but it was inside too. We didn't stop. And then, but, uh, but
0: that's how you kind of get around them. You kind of yeah, see what and they they're say, doing. Well,
1: these kids, you know, whatever. Like I said, I was never known, and you know, I was always a gentleman. I was, and I was never this big tough guy MMA guy. Like these guys today, you ain't got a shot today. Mm. If you go to a bar today and fight, the, next thing you know, you're laying. I'm laying in the street passed out because they put you in a chokehold. Right. They do that stuff now. People Leg know how to bars, fight. arm bars, they make all this stuff On My friend, my good friend's an MMA fighter, played for Bellator, mm. tough kid. We go out places, he don't even got to do nothing. I, like, I just sit and relax and have a glass of wine. I don't have to worry about nothing. Somebody gets wise, they go, dang. He runs right up, bang! They know how to do it. These guys today, you ain't got a shot. I would never go to a bar and fight anybody. Never would happen.
0: Did any of these guys growing up allegedly have pistols, a little weapon, anything like that? We got arrested
1: for guns. One friend went to jail for a gun. I went to, jail. I got in trouble in uh, two uh, thousand nineteen, December fifth. They found a gun, in Smith and Wesson. Right. So we had guns. I mean, we had gun- We got pulled over one day. Um, we were we were down the south in the Springfield. We were going up the street, and my friend, same three friends, this Anthony guy, my friend. And this other guy I didn't mention, we were together every day. We had a lot of stuff going. And uh, we're pulling up and we're driving down the street and all of a sudden out of nowhere there's like 15 cruisers <laughs> screaming, get out! They're all out with guns. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I didn't know at the time. I'm like, what are you, what's going on? he goes, oh, f- you know, oh boy, I go, what's up? He goes, nothing, nothing. So they got us laying on the ground. They all got us with guns to our head. It's raining. They let them two stand up against the wall to be frisked. They put me in the water. It's like two, two three inches of water to lay down. I said, well, they're standing, I'm fighting, I don't care about it, pull over. I said, why are they standing against a wall and you got me in the puddle? They had me face down on my belly in a puddle. You got your
0: nice sweatsuit on.
1: Exactly, (laughs) that's what I was thinking. But they said, you shut up and stay there, so I did. All of a sudden, I'm waiting and the aunt goes, no, everything's fine, they ain't gonna find nothing. I said, oh, good, well then let them do what they gotta do, we'll go eat. All of a sudden, we got it! In the back, under the seat, a gun, nine millimeter. Now, they can't arrest us because right away, at the time, the kid said, it's mine. and They didn't even know it was there, mm. and they took him, and he ends up doing a year for a gun charge. Wow. State, you know, state charge. Sure. And we, they said, oh, get out of here. They, we didn't get in trouble. They ran us and checked us and everything, but we had nothing.
0: But if you fight with someone at the bar when you're a kid, you're never afraid someone's going to pull a gun, or was there an not, understanding? Nah, like, nah, no, hey, it wasn't a, no, wasn't an was Guys no, an from the neighborhood, we're fighting each other, but we're not going to kill each other.
1: No, there was, no, no, no. It was it, Well, you got to understand, you know, it wasn't too many... Italians fighting Italians. It was like Italians fighting the Springfield College football team, uh, the soccer team, maybe somewhere else. The sport guys went to all the bars. So the Italians never really had a problem with each other. We all stuck together. Like there was fights. Like as God is my judge. We'd go out and say, just say, I go out with seven guys, six, seven guys. We'd be at a bar. At the end of the bar, we'd eat and get hot dogs and sausage outside. You every bar got the little sausage stand or hot dog. We'd be eating hot dogs. A fight would break out. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, we'd have fifty guys. From the all the locations of the bars that were in this our area,
0: they hear it, they run well, out.
1: oh, they're fighting the Chicky and this one and that one. Boom, they go and we, they were like, what? the cops couldn't even couldn't believe it. Wow. But I'm talking, this is like '90s, you know. It was a, now it's a different era. Everybody's got, they don't need a gun no more. They take their phone. Huh.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah, you. You lose your job, whatever. It's, it's,
1: it's a whole thing. it's that bullshit's over. Wow. it's over. It's over. and everybody says that it's still going. It's still going. Don't get me wrong but nothing. It's a different world. Come on, different world. Come on, when you got bosses cooperating, Joe Mazzina, okay, the Bonanno family, the boss cooperates. He's the boss of one of the five families and he cooperates. And that ain't giving you some kind of inclination, inclination, boy, (laughs) this don't look good. You know, we have a problem.
0: What's up guys, we're gonna take a break from this amazing conversation with Chicky because you have a bad habit, yeah. And we all know which habit this is. I don't even really want to say it, but this is like, you know, you're out late, maybe it's 2 a.m., maybe you had a couple drinks and someone pulls out a pack of these bad habits. And what do you do? You instinctually, you grab one. And then you wake up the next day and your throat hurts and you don't feel good and you got a headache and all these other problems. That's a bad habit. You know how you can actually stop this bad habit? You know how you can actually stop breathing in chemicals? You know how you can stop hurting your lungs, hurting your body, damaging your soul and your spirit? you can check out this award-winning product right here called Fume. Fume is an amazing thing. I like to hang with it all day for a couple reasons. One, Fume has this little fidgety device. I play with it almost the entire podcast. I don't know if you can see it. It's literally in my hands almost the whole show because look. Yeah. You feel that? This is an ASMR channel now. Look at this. Oh yeah, that's nice. This is like my favorite little fidget spinner, so I like to hold on to it and play with it. But it's not a fidget spinner. You know what it is? This is a breathable product that makes me feel good. It lowers my anxiety. And just like that, I'm breathing in flavored air. Yeah. I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds like some voodoo magic, but it's not. It is one of the most effective ways to break a bad habit. Instead of electronics, fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, it is just a flavored air packet. And instead of harmful chemicals, it uses all natural, delicious flavors. Right now, I'm rocking the mint flavor. It's the mint cartridge right here. You pop this off, you put the mint cartridge in there, pop it back on. It's just fun to breathe with. It lowers your anxiety, it makes you feel good, and it's sleek and fun to fidget with. And on top of all that, it looks cool. And maybe the greatest thing of all, if you know me, you know I'm a health nut. I like to not put bad chemicals in my body. I like this because it eliminates the bad from the habit but still keeps the habit. So if you want to take the bad out of your habits and just have a fun, easy, enjoyable, relaxing time with an amazing product, you should check out Fume. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories and there's no reason that can't be you right now listening. So. You should join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits. And here's what I want you to do. If you're interested, the best way to do this is you go to tryfume, That's com. I want you to check out the Journey Pack. With the Journey Pack, you're going to get the device itself. You're going to get some, you know, flavored packets that you can toss in there. You can try out a couple different types. This is the best way to get started and start taking control of your bad habits. And you can use the code GAGNON, G-A-G-N-O-N, to save an additional 10% off when you get the Journey Pack. That's right. Use the code GAGNON, G-A-G-N-O-N, and save an additional 10% off your order today. Stop destroying your body. Stop being at 3 a.m. making bad choices when you can just pull out your fume, start twisting, and start feeling a lot better. let's get back to this amazing combo with Chickie. So you're running the bar. The bar, like, is and who's hiring you for the bar? This is Bruno again?
1: Bruno, silent partner in the bar, but he had me and another kid, a dear friend of mine, T. Nice kid. We we ran it.
0: Is he pissed off of you that you're just kind of... That you're just partying in this
1: bar and it's not going well? This is another bar. He gave me another chance after. The first bar we destroyed. We ruined that. He said, don't come around. You know, he got mad at us. Sure. But this is another bar later, years later. It's a big nightclub, four stories, pool hall, disco, karaoke, another disco on the top roof. Unbelievable. Million dollar joint. And me and my friend ran it because he was getting robbed by somebody in there. He wanted to know, go find out who it is. So he put us in there.
0: How did he end up getting all these properties, like all these bars, all these nightclubs?
1: This guy was a shaker and a mover. I mean, he was smart. He he made a street. There was a street in Springfield that he owned almost a whole block. I'm talking about at one time there was probably 15 bars in this one block, apartments, condos, him and his son. And his son's a good kid. His son moved to Florida. Now he's uh, out near Fort Lauderdale. He was an old friend of mine, but he hasn't talked to me since his father got killed because I think he has, I don't know. I can't really answer for him, but I think it's got to do with, uh, which I didn't know nothing, but I think he thought I knew what they were going to do to his father Mm. because the kid that pleaded guilty to it. So I can't even say alleged, the kid who pleaded guilty to the murder to orchestrate the murder was uh, a friend of mine since childhood. And then when he was facing life, he cooperated Mm. and, uh, turned in some people in new york big shots and he ended up leaving the life whatever and uh he does podcasts whatever that has nothing to do with me but uh, you know that's his thing mm-hmm. but uh yeah so i'm just you know like i said I, we, we can go into wherever you want to go but the main reason and i appreciate you letting me come on is uh, yeah. uh and, I, and i can go other places i just want to kind of give you a little you know yeah i did crazy things i now, was i a killer no nothing like that but um yeah, i was around my whole life the guys know i was um and um but then I started, you know, and I'll go a little ahead, but I'll go back. But uh, I started having my daughters. I had my daughters in 1993, 95. And I'm married, and it's just like, you know, and I was just thinking, like, you know, I would see the, see, I seen the two face, three face, four face bullshit. You know, you are talking with somebody, they're laughing with you, hugging you, and you're not 10 feet out the door of the social club, and somebody sitting in there having coffee says, you know, as soon as you walked out, they abuse the shit out of you. Mm. You know, certain guys not. Like Bruno never did, but certain guys were like, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever. And I'd be, are you serious? And you know, it just it, it, it started wearing on you, like, you know. And then we got pinched a bunch of times, and uh it
0: just became too much.
1: It, no, it wasn't even the pinching, cause I went to federal prison. I went to a U.N. penitentiary. Mm-hmm. I was a bookmaker. I went to a penitentiary, and I went to M.C.C. Manhattan, in Lower Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And uh so, a penitentiary for bookmaking. I mean, that's crazy. I should have been at a Somewhere like a little... Yeah, minimum security, little camp or something. I went to USP Canaan, US Penitentiary Canaan in Waymar, Pennsylvania. And when I went there, and uh, I ended up going there in 2006, it was a gladiator school. They called it. You can go on the internet and pull it up. It was legitimately a gladiator school. They were killing guards, uh, pedophiles, uh, cooperators. They were killing everybody. It was a bad... Thing. Bad place. So
0: we can get to that, but I'm yeah. curious, like when you're working in these nightclubs, you're working in these spots, you're yeah. working with Bruno, yep. you get into the books through that, and he asked you to kind of clean up. I was doing the, the books. At through, the same time.
1: Yeah, at the same time. Like I was doing the books prior to that, and then I was doing a good job, I guess, at the, doing it for him. Mm-hmm. He was making a t- you know, we made a ton of money.
0: And the books was a, uh, there's obviously making these books was illegal. Gambling at that time, in this oh, yeah, way, Oh was yeah, illegal. there
1: was no legal, legal, legal game. Vegas, that's the only place. Right,
0: but so this was like a and money a, funnel for the family.
1: I don't know about, I don't want to get into the, for the family. I don't know where it went, but I know Bruno, I was helping him. Allegedly, I was helping him. I got, I pleaded guilty to it, so well, right. I guess I can say that. And but I don't know about the family stuff. I don't know that. I understand.
0: That. And was Bruno, like, allegedly with, with a family? Yeah, like, yeah. And yeah. What, which family was he with? Well, if you
1: read the newspaper, Google it. It says he was, you know, a Genovese. He became he became the boss at the end, but he was a Genovese guy.
0: Gotcha. And that's one of the five families. Yeah. Gotcha. Got Most powerful.
1: Got Ivy League. What, what do you mean? It's the Ivy League. It's like Harvard of the organized crime. Oh wow! That's the that's the biggest, most powerful. I mean, there are people probably would argue that point, but you know, with everything's on the table, they're known as the Ivy League.
0: Got you. Now, not your experience, but just these crime families in general. Yeah, they sort of have like a hierarchy. You know, there will be like uh associates, and then yeah, that's kinda... like the army, right? You know, it... you
1: got captains, you got soldiers. Associates, and then you got the administra, you know, administration bosses, and, the, boss and under- the
0: administration will be like a boss an underboss, concierge, concierge, mm-hmm. okay, you know, and then maybe and a
1: street boss. Some people use a street boss, so the boss wants to be insulated. Gosh, gotcha. they insulate the boss. Like, let me give you an example, and this is public knowledge. Like I said, um, everybody thought I don't know if you ever heard the name Tony Salerno, Fat Tony Salerno, mm-hmm. He's a real guy, serious guy. He was part of the Palmer Boys Social Club in Harlem, near Harlem, and uh. A lot of years they thought he was the boss, you know, but if you go by social media and not me saying it, because I didn't know I wasn't Mm -hmm. in New York, but, you know, Vincent the Chin was the boss, you know, but they used Tony, Tony Solano took a hundred year sentence, Wow. hundred year sentence for that commission case when all the bosses went, Persico went, um, the guy from the uh, Lucchese family, um, you know, all the guys went, you know.
0: And these bosses are clever enough to be like, hey, I'm going to have a street boss. This is a front-facing boss.
1: Well they do that sometimes. I I don't know the particulars now because I've yeah. been away from it for a long time.
0: But th- some but some of these families, but like hypothetically could have someone where they have a, where a
1: throws the heat off them.
0: Where they have a face. And it's yeah. like, oh, this yeah. is like the boss. And he's right. taken care of and he's high up administration, but he's not the main actual guy. Right.
1: Well, he calls the shots probably secretly, I guess. I never was at a secret meeting, but sure. I'm I'm just going by I I'm basing what I'm saying is out whatever's out there. Sure. So it's not like I'm giving you a secret. Oh, I can't believe he said that. What I'm saying is out there in the public. You know, it's already out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why I feel comfortable talking about it. That
0: makes sense. Yeah. And so there's this structure that exists within some of these families. There. Yeah. Of course. And it's like very organized. Hundred percent. why they call time. it
1: organized crime. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just you know.
0: And uh, and so in your town, it was this this one family, the Genovese. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and Bruno was affiliated with them in some way. Exactly. Hundred percent. Got it. Okay. And so then you start working with him, and he gets you into the books.
1: Yeah doing, yeah, doing the book. I did the book from 19—I'll tell you my time frame. I did the book for from 19—I joined—not I, joined, God forbid. I don't want to pick up an indictment when I leave here. <laughs> I didn't join nothing, but I was working for him, and mm-hmm. I pleaded guilty to it, mm-hmm. and they knew it. Um, I started in 1989, and then I went away to prison in 2005 for him, but he got murdered in 2003. So I worked two years after that for the guy who took his position, oh, who was wow. my childhood friend. Oh, wow. Anthony.
0: Interesting, mm-hmm. and so and and there's this idea of becoming a made man.
1: Yeah, it would be like the equivalent of uh, for us, for me, at one time, and I never was that. Just to mm-hmm. so let you know, never right. was that. I, I never, you know, you know, which I'm glad. Thank God, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Not looking back now, it's a blessing. But back then, it would be like if uh, I uh, won the Heisman Trophy
2: mm-hmm.
1: in college football. That, that was the equivalent of that to me and my friends. If they said back then, and, and this was all my friends, this is the truth, if they would have said to you, it was crazy thinking, but if they said, Chicky, we're going to send you to Harvard, free college, you don't even really have to study much, we'll pass you, and you'll have a beautiful degree in four years, and maybe even win a Heisman Trophy in whatever, you know, football, whatever they're good in, I would say, no, I'm good. I want to be on the street and want to be, this is what I want. Wow. But that was the thing since kids. I'm not going to tell you. Of course. Just, and, and I mean, you, you've seen it.
0: You wanted to be a made man.
1: I mean, you know, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, at one point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. When I mean, we were doing it for, you know, we were, yeah, that, that's what you aspire to.
0: Of course. Yeah. This you know, is the, the yeah, lane that you're in. This is hundred, the world that, you're in. That
1: was the world. I, we thought, I, mean, I thought it was wonderful. Like I told you, as a kid, I mean, I, I don't know if it's crazy. Well, I'd have the posters in my room, and it was funny because my mother was against it, totally against it. My father didn't care, he thought, oh, he's a kid, he's crazy, but my mother was against it. She would come in and clean my room, and I'd be leaving my room, and she would come in, I love that, God rest her soul, she was a sweet woman. She would be making my bed, you know, and putting my clothes nice from the laundry, and I'd be getting out of the house, leaving the house, and she'd be doing the bed, like, making it nice, and she would look up like this, and I would catch her, she would look up, and there was the whole wall of this family, that family, uh, to whatever organized crime picture, John Gotti with his suit on, you know? And uh, <laughs> she would go, she'd clean the bed and she'd go, <laughs> like, she'd, you know, do the, not talk, but just go. <laughs> yeah. Shake her head and I would laugh. she yeah, real funny. And I would go. Then we'd take pinches when we were kids, 16, 17, 18. Um, on the weekends, I, I used to come home from the Navy once in a while, because they had me in the hospital for a while because I got hurt. And I'd come home on the weekend and we'd fight on the weekend. That's when we go to bars. And I'd get arrested for assault and battery with a baseball bat, assault and battery with a sawhorse, whatever. And I would get jail. they put you in jail for like overnight or two days just to, to get bailed out. And then I'd come home back to my mother's house. I lived where at the time. And I'd go up in my room, empty wall. Every poster ripped down. Like that was her chance to say everything down, thrown away. Never seen again. Two months later all back up again new stuff so it was it was it was absolutely insane our thinking and uh but then like i said i i went to uh 2003 after a sunday night card game november 23rd 2003 bruno was in a social club playing cards he played every sunday night every every sunday night cards we used to eat his house during the day sunday day was eating his house Wife, Anna, was a sweetheart. She cooked for us. All the guys would go there. Then we'd sit on his couch in his little living room and watch the games. And I had the little piece of paper on me, you know, from leaving. I used to leave at 1.30, the office, and come back at, like, 3.15 to 4 o'clock games. So I'd shoot over at, like, 1, 2 o'clock, a quarter to 2, eat quick, give him the little sheet that said you got 10000 on this, 7000 on this, 6000 on this, so he could watch the games and see how he was doing. Then when I got out, then I'd leave the office at 4.30 because the game started at 4 o'clock. So I could leave at 4.30. i go back over. Until seven eight at night, you know, on Sunday, and watch the games and say, "Oh, we did good today, or we didn't do good today, or whatever."
2: Wow.
1: So we were over there all the time. Bruno Bruno was a good guy. He was, and he get he he's in there playing cards, and he leaves. He had a cigar in his mouth, and he leaves the card game. I don't know. Probably it was like ten thirty, quarter of eleven at night on a Sunday night, and uh, yeah, he walked out of the. He had another kid with him. We knew it's another kid who's a guy I know. I won't mention his name, but he was with him. He was like his driver that night. And uh, they came out of the social club, and um, a guy walked in the social, came out of like a dark area of the social club, parking lot area, and he walked up to him, and Bruno said hello to everybody. Adolfo said, uh, Bruno Adolfo's name is, said hello to everybody. Like if you could see him, like he used to go to bars a lot and restaurants, and people would say, hey, Bruno. And he'd say, hey, what's up, buddy? That was his big, hey, pal, hey, buddy. He was a gentleman, and he had the cigar in his hand. It might've been in his mouth or his hand, I'm not sure where, but he came out, and a guy came out of the shadows, and they arrested the guy, and he ended up cooperating too. Um, he walked towards Bruno, and he says, hey, Bruno, something like that. And Bruno goes, hey, buddy, and he stuck out his hand to shake his hand, and the guy took a forty-five up and shot him in the face, I think twice or three times in the chest and once in the groin. And boom, he went out, and that was the end of it. And uh, they killed him. Wow. Yeah, so it was a very big thing. The FBI was on the scene.
0: And how did you find out about it? Like, where were you? I was
1: home that night. It was only 15 minutes after it happened. Wow! I got a call from a screaming lit- lunatic girl that w- worked near the club, right at the club. So I, I'm I'm li- I'm living. It's uh, 2003, and uh, I, I had a house maybe 10 miles away in a nice section near Springfield, called Ludlow, Mass. It was a nice section, and uh, I pick up the phone. It's 11, 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, who's this? 11 o'clock at night. I didn't recognize. You know, you couldn't tell the number. It wasn't like our cell phones now. It was a house phone. And she was screaming, "They killed Bruno! They killed Bruno!" She's screaming at me, and I go, "Shut up!" You know, I go, "What are you nuts? Nobody ever thought that would happen." You know, and um, so I got in my car, went 100 miles an hour down the south end, and I pulled up on the side street. Couldn't get near the club. FBI, organized crime, task force, newspapers, all the people in the club were out there. It was crazy, and uh, it was it was it was a bad night. Uh, I walked, I ran out of my car, and I ran up to the club, and I seen his son Victor. Who was a real good friend of mine? He hasn't talked to me in a long time. But I'll get into that after. But uh, Victor, Bruno's his son was sitting on the curb with his aunt, Bruno's sister, holding him. And I said, Vic, what, what's Vic? What happened, Vic? What happened? And he was crying, and he said, Shiggy, we gotta find out who did this. And he's, you know, he's talking crazy. And I said, Vic, just get get through tonight first. And the ambulance was just leaving with Bruno. They were just leaving. And uh, so I said, Vic, this is too much heat for me, you know, because I was still doing some, you know, some things on the street. So I said, I gotta get out of here. They're gonna recognize me over here. And um, yeah, and then it was just a bad night. And then I went somewhere right away. To be honest with you, I went right away. And I could say this, because he cooperated, don't matter no more. But I had went right over to Anthony Errolata's house, who you can Google him and see what he's about. He was the boss. When Bruno gets killed, he takes over as the boss in Springfield of allegedly the Genovese family. He becomes the boss. So I went over his house, And I banged on, no cars are in the driveway. He was married, no cars are in the driveway. And I banged on the door, I banged on the door, no one answered, so I was ready to leave. And then he goes, who is it? He yelled, who is it through the door? And I said, it's me, Chick, you open the door. He opens the door, and he goes, what's up? And I go, you know what just happened? You know, know, I I swear to God, I didn't know at the time. But he, you know, he knew, because it it, it was a plan. They put it together, a plan. And uh, I said, you know what happened? And he was good, he really played a good role. He said, Oh, what happened? I said, they killed Bruno, what? He went crazy. And I went in his house to talk to him, and behind the door, he closed the door to talk to me, and behind the door, leaning on the, on the border around the door, was a shotgun. Like, almost having it there in case, who knows, somebody comes over, Some one of the sons went crazy. I mean, I don't know what it was for, I'm just assuming, but it's right near the door. So, and then he told me, you know, and he says, listen, to go over the house, t- tell them I'm so sorry. Tell Victor, I'll talk to him tomorrow. Don't go do crazy things tonight. I don't know what he's going to do, because you know him. He's cra- he's going to get crazy. It was his father. And Bruno had five sons. So you got five sons that, you know, you don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. And a couple sons were normal, but he had a couple cuckoo sons, too. One in, in particular cuckoo one. But, um, yeah, so so we went to the funeral, and they came from all over. The Providence guys, New York guys. It was a big funeral, huge. Wow. But if you Google the name Big Al Bruno or Adolfo Bruno, it'll show you everything. And it's not like I'm saying something out of line. Um, is so, there
0: is there anything on the record of who killed him?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. There's guys that got convicted of it. The guy's in jail. That well, th- it's conspiracy to murder. They supposedly set it up. Um, a good friend, you know, friend of mine. I'm dear friends with his family to this day. He's in prison to, doing life right now. Two brothers. The kid Freddie G is and Ty G is. The two G is brothers. Freddie's the one that's allegedly. He just picked up the case. Uh, he was in hole of the hole. In Hazleton, West Virginia for five years. Well, they investigated the Whitey Bulger murder and um they charged him with murder. Him and another kid uh from Boston area, tough kid doing twenty years. He was just about to get out, like he had like a year to go, and he picked up a murder case. Nice kid, nice family. I was in with his brother Johnny, his name's Paul D. DiCalangero from out uh in Boston, outside of Boston. Really nice kid, tough kid. Why
0: did they take him out? Well, why did they take Bruce? Because out? he
1: was a, a, a rat, a uh, cooperator. He got put in the prison, and he should have never been there. He got put in population, Whitey Bulger. He was a notorious cooperator and worked with the worked with the feds, and he put away a lot of Italians in the North End, and Freddie hated cooperators, hated them with a passion. Because remember, he got put in jail by a, his best, closest friend. One of his closest friends put him in jail for life, him and his brother. Wow. And I, they put another kid who was a nice kid, too, from my area, for 25 years he got because they couldn't tie him to, uh... They got him for two murders, two murders in my area. Bruno murder, and they killed another guy, like, a month or two before that.
0: And why did they take Bruno out?
1: There's so many rumors. I don't even want to get into it. Like, they, in other words, they... When when people do podcasts, they want to bullshit and say it's this reason, that reason. I don't know what the reason is. They, there's certain things, but I don't know. They... I, I don't know. I don't have no idea. But I know, um...
0: They, they pled to the it? The boss,
1: or... the boss from the Genovese family, and this is, like I said, this is all public knowledge. His name was Artie Nigro, and he uh, he got life in prison too, but he ends up dying of cancer, I think in 2018. Wow. So, yeah. He was the boss at one time, uh, acting, acting boss.
2: Wow.
1: And he from the Bronx. And, That's uh, crazy. He got life in prison. There was four, three got life, three got life, one got 25 years, the four, And then um, three people cooperated. The guy, Felix, that drove us to that meeting, I told you earlier. Mm -hmm. He cooperated, became an informant. Uh, The guy who actually shot Bruno became an informant. He was a uh, Spanish kid named Frankie Roach. He was like a uh, kind of a misfit kid, a junkie, one of them kind of kids. And they paid him to to do it. He had balls, but he was just not all there. Mm. And then... um, the kid we talked about, Anthony Irrlada, cooperated. Wow. And then the four guys went to jail. No, no, three guys went to jail.
0: Did it scare you?
1: Four guys, I'm sorry. When,
0: when it happened, did it, did it shake you? No, you...
1: no, because I, I really didn't know. I mean, it was like a big thing, like, who did it? And, you know, and even the people that did it were, like, looking in your face, saying, we got to find out who did this. They really did it good. They played it good. And that's why, not to bring it up, but that's why I feel kind of bad, because the son, Victor, who's a nice kid, and I'm friends with the family, but... Victor didn't really talk to me after that, like, from that. Maybe, like, when it came out later, a couple years later, who did it? You got to understand, that was my guys. I was close with them. We were out eating dinner. We were at the house. I was friends with the brothers, and I was good friends with Anthony. So when he found out his father got murdered by them, he always kind of thought it, but he couldn't prove it. But then when it came out, you know, when Anthony cooperated, he told the real story, what happened, this, that, and Anthony found out. I mean, I'm sorry, Victor found out, and... Mm. uh, He'd never talked to me since. Like He said, I, he had a fight with me on the phone one time, and he said, I know you knew, and you never told me. You could have warned me, and I could have got my father to Florida, got him out of here to, to cool down. I said, Vic, I didn't know, and I didn't know. I really yeah. didn't. And, you and liked I'm not Br- just saying that because yeah. I could pick up the case, too. I, if I knew, I'm a, a, yeah. I'm a, a accessory, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Coat, I would have been a coat. I didn't know. I really didn't. And
0: you liked Bruno. I, I liked yeah. him.
1: I did like him. I, I did like him. And a lot of people liked him. A lot, a lot, a lot of people liked him. But it's the old song and dance. When somebody's dead... All of a sudden, these people coming out of the woodwork, he wasn't a good guy. He, come on, when he was alive, he, he treated you like a king. Wow. Come on. Now, you know, people die years later, they're like, oh, he wasn't that good anyway. You know, they like saying that, unless you're the family member or close friend. Yeah, of course. But everybody loved the guy. It's the way it was, and nobody can say different. Yeah. Of course, everybody has people they don't like him,
0: mm-hmm. but... But he gave you all these opportunities, he's getting you, you know, the books, he's Stuck getting you the business.
1: Everything. Me, a lot. And you were
0: saying, uh, at what point were you making real money from the books?
1: Well, I was getting, a, I was well. Keep in mind, um, I was making good money. He was paying me like good money a week back then. I think it was again seven, eight hundred a week, $800 a week, no taxes, no nothing. Then keep in mind, if he had a good winning week, say he won forty, fifty thousand, he throws a couple thousand here. Take two thousand. Go with your girl. It's not bad. So, you know, and then I'm still. Remember, I got hurt in the military, so mm-hmm. I got my big ass. Excuse my language. I got my big pension coming in. Yeah. So. You know, I was doing pretty good.
0: And you're still working at the, at the club. Oh, hustle, and the hustling, and they yeah.
1: paid me. The club was different. You know, I got 150 a night there. Just go from 10 at night to 2 in the morning. Stand there. You know, oh, okay, it's it's quarter to 2. Let's go. Bring all the register money. Hmm. Bring those drawers. We count the money, put it in the safe, write the paper. You know, we were doing that, and, and there was a lot of opportunity. What happens if there's
0: a guy that calls you up, starts making some bets, and then can't come through on them?
1: That's another thing you see in the movie theater where... I mean, in that movie theater, but you see in these gangster movies, they crack his head with a bat and all this bullshit. Come on, it's nonsense. They do do it, some people, but if they're crazy, they don't survive. Uh, I-, I can name f- a ton of guys. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Roy DeMeo, Feared on the street a serial killer and nut. Where did he end up? In his trunk. They killed him. They put him in his trunk because, yeah... You can be feared, but if you're too crazy, they don't want you on the street. You bring heat to them, number one. And number two, they're probably thinking you're going to try to overthrow them and kill them. Mm. And this guy, Roy DeMille, was a serial killer. That's a fact. You can go on any show and watch that. And then they had guys that were... uh, What's his name? Greg Scarpa. Guy was a stool pigeon for 35 years. A rat. Mm. Like Whitey Bulger. They had the government... This is what... what, And I I don't don't care about getting in trouble. The government... Creates these people. Okay. And, and I know he's a big podcaster now. I don't want to get into too much with him. But Sammy the Bova Gravano, okay. Mm-hmm. He's got a huge podcast, makes good money, you know, younger. He's making it out like he's this hero and he changed. He didn't change. He didn't change. He, he he put John Gotti away. Not only John Gotti, he put about 50, maybe 60 other people away. Okay. So when he says, he tells stories. Oh, uh, John Gotti was going to. Told me I have to take all the weight, and that's why he turned on John Gotti. Never if, listen to me, John Gotti. Never. If you think that conversation took place, John Gotti, his whole life would never say to Sammy the Bull, "You take the weight and stay in jail, and I'm going free." When he was never made like that. I mean, I'm friends with his son, John Jr. is a dear friend of mine, and I mean, I talked to the brothers, both of them, and, and I'm friends with the sister. I know the inner stories, and, and I mean, he could say whatever he wants. but not in His bullshit, but the regular Joe schmo person, regular American person that don't know this life, they love him. Look at the look at how many subscribers he's got. Mm. Hey, if that's his, if that's his new niche, it ain't in my business. But he killed a he killed a sixteen year old kid. I, I'm friends with the girl. He she sixteen year old kid. He shot him with a shotgun. Uh, uh, Alan Kaiser and and justice for Alan Kaiser. 16-year-old kid for no reason, no gangster, no nothing. He was in the street, and Sammy and his friend thought it was some guy who insulted them in a bar. It was a 16-year-old kid just going down the street. They shot him in the back with a shotgun. Whoa. And Sammy goes on, and I don't mean to bring this up because maybe it'll cause some flack, but not really, but I'm just saying the truth. I mean, come on. He gets out of jail. He's a serial killer. 19 bodies that we know of. 19 bodies he killed. Four years in prison. He gets out. Got his life back, he can go off into the wild, wild west and live a nice life with his kids and his wife. What's he do? Puts his son in an ecstasy business, gets pinched in Arizona for ecstasy, selling drugs with his kid, or or at least financing it. Boom. Gets 20 more years in prison. They put him in prison this time for 20 years, and now he's out. Wow. Come on. I mean, was he a real gangster? Absolutely. Was he a stone-cold killer? Absolutely. Was he very sharp with businesses, unions? Absolutely. But was he a serial killer that would kill his own best friend for money? Absolutely. And that's facts. It's not me just saying it.
0: Mm. And do you feel like there's like an unwritten code of ethics that goes along with being in this type of life?
1: Well, as far as, like, give me an example. Like uh, in terms I, of like, you know, like, hey, don't mess with women, don't mess with kids, like. 100%. I mean, we grew up around that. I mean, I know there's, in every batch of apples, there's always a bad apple, but we couldn't, ne- listen to me. And I have seen it happen, so I'm not gonna say it don't happen, but yeah, I mean, I would never go with my friend's ex-wife my friends, ex, even ex-girlfriend, I don't care if she looked like a movie star, it would never happen. And a lot of my friends around me would never do that, but there's always some jerk guy that you know that that uh, the girl they can't be, uh, you know, the girl drives them crazy when they see a pretty girl. They'll do anything to get to her. And It's like a like a devil exception except, uh, uh, something, you know. Mm-hmm. They gotta go after her. They don't care if she's married to a boss. They want to go with her, you know, their sexualness or whatever the hell. I don't know. I have an idea. I've never been like that. Mm. But no, you ain't. Listen to me. If I got a friend and he gets divorced, I'm not gonna be like, oh, come on, wanna talk? Can I come for coffee, over the house? And you know, listen. You know how many guys? And I'm not even talking about organized crime guys. Just guys in general. Your wife or your girlfriend has a guy friend. And this is the truth. And the guy's like, oh, you say, why does he want to hang around with you, or why do you want to go out to have coffee with him? Right? Why do you want? Well, oh, he works with me. He's a nice man. Well, why is he so nice? Don't you understand? It's our, it's a guy's nature. Okay? They're waiting for the crack in the armor. Don't you mm. understand that? Your whoever girlfriend or wife, they're at work. He's such a nice man. Now keep in mind, if they're comfortable with him, they're telling everything that's going on at home. He yelled at me. My husband got mad at me. He spoke loud to me. Oh, it's okay. He's trying. They they know how to talk. These, these 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 animals. That's what they are. They're animals that do that. Uh, there's a word. <laughs> My girl just taught me a word, an interloper. You know what oh, an interloper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's somebody that comes in and destructs destroys a family but yeah. does it with a smile. Yeah. That's a dirty bastard. Excuse yeah. my language. So there's interlopers that go around and they're just waiting for that crack in the armor.
0: Hypothetically, have you ever seen something like this where a guy tries to cozy up to like a boss's wife? Got or a great, wife. great, great
1: story for you. So this kid I was talking about who was the boss at the time, he calls me up one Sunday. I was I was at my kid, I think I had a my, one of, there's two of us, we got called. And I was at home with my kids playing in the water or pool, I don't know, and my other friend was at his son's birthday party. And uh we got a call from this kid, and he goes, hey, Chicky, meet me in West Springfield, this is a little town next to Springfield, at the cigar bar, we used to go to a cigar bar like every other day and smoke cigars and have coffee and bust chops, and uh he goes, meet me over there. Why, what's up? Just come now, don't ask, come on the phone, okay? We show up, me and another kid and him. And he goes, you see this? guy here we knew who the guy was he goes yeah he goes i'm gonna crack him so let's just we're gonna get i'm good what happened so he says i'm gonna get into it now i'll tell you after but he said he's trying to do some funny things with my wife the guy so we went in and the guy's there hi guys you know he's all happy and we knew you know not being a tough guy or nothing but you know when your friend says come on the guy's trying to grab my wife come with me what do they say business i'm i mean yeah i'm not i'm in the pool can't make it it wasn't like that so we go in there and we end up Getting the kid good. We hit him with computers over his head, smashed the computer screen over his head. Got him good. He somehow, through the grace of God, and thank God, because maybe i would may be in jail for 30 years, he got out the door. Like, he had one of them doors where you push that thing, and it opens. Yeah. And somehow, when we were going crazy with him, he got up, and we drew him, and he went bonk into that door. And he was out. The, he was out running. So now we're in the cigar shop, and that's like a field day for us, I mean... My friend was taking cigars, everything he wanted. The kid took off running, he left his place. So uh, the word went out the next day, my friend sent somebody in there when he when he did come back, whenever it was, and he said, listen, um, and I'll tell you what he did to get to that point, but my friend said, listen, just sell the joint, uh, get out of here, you got like a month, I won't come in there, just get out of here. If I come next month and you're still here, there's gonna be trouble. And uh, the kid sold the joint, moved away to Boston, New Hampshire, somewhere, never seen him again. But what he did was, and it was a, to a regular person hearing this, you're going to be like, "Well, you do shows, so you hear things." But you would say, "Are you serious?" What happened was the the, the friend of mine's wife had her car broken down. I don't know if it was her tire, engine, or something. And um, this kid drove by her on the main road in Springfield, like on a side road, but a main road by the highway. And he pulls right over, which is great. Okay, I'll give you an example. You're married, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, you're with your wife. Your wife, me, and you are friends. We go out all the time. Well, I see you all the time. We don't go out. We're friends, and I see you every day. We smoke cigars. We laugh, talk about stuff, politics, whatever bullshit. And I go by our area, like wherever you live. I come by the street, and your wife's in another location with the car flat or not. Oh, like she, she she's distraught. I pull over. Hello. Oh hi. She knows me because I'm friends with you. Mm-hmm. I got you. Boom! I changed the tire. I fixed the whatever. Whatever was wrong with her car. Thank you so much. Oh my God! Thank you. Okay. She drives away. She had her car fixed. Now she goes home. Your wife would go home and tell you, mm-hmm. Chicky's a good guy. Yeah, what a I was great stuck. Fucking, he pulled over. He helped me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now this kid knows. This kid helped him. So he don't. He's smart. He don't say, "I'm gonna go thank him." He waits to see if the kid tells him. So we go for weeks. Now, I don't even know what's going on at this point. he keeps keep it in his head. We go to the place every day, cigars, coffee, laughing. The kid doesn't mention him until one time. Not even, now, you don't think I'm gonna tell you, like I just said? I just, you know, I helped your wife. Did she tell you? Oh, she did? Thank you, Chickie. No problem, anytime. I know you do it for me. Never said a word. I think the kid even hinted around to him, like, you have been seeing anybody? You know, you go around, you see, uh, no. Now, right away, if I don't say it to you and your wife told you, you don't think I'm looking, why wouldn't I say that to you? Like, you know, why wouldn't I say to you, hey, I f- helped your wife? Now, a normal person's like, what, what does that mean? That's nothing. What is something in that world? Because there's no reason the kid want to tell my friend, or my friend at the time. What's the reason? Are you looking to do something secretly? Are you looking to maybe see her again and say, remember, I fixed your car, I kept my mouth shut? This is how we're thinking because this is our mind's thinking. That's the kind of street mentality. It's like if a guy's in jail. If you got to drop money off to the guy's wife to help her because your buddy's in jail, you don't go in the house. The door opens, even if that chain's in the door. Here's the envelope. Oh, you want to come and have, No, nope, thank you. Boom, you know, that's mm. how you're supposed to do it. You're not supposed to go in and sit and have coffee. Can I cook some macaroni for you? No, you don't do that. Mm. Don't do, oh, come on in. Thank you, I'm all set. Here's the envelope. Tell him I love him, gone.
0: Got to keep your intentions clear. 100%,
1: 100%, 100%. This is how we grew up.
0: Because there's a lot of dirty guys that are fucking trying to get in. Scumbags. Mm. A lot
1: of them are out there, you know. And it's just now in this day and age, even more. What's going on? Come on, these people are nuts today. What they're doing with these people's wives and girlfriends and sneaking. Just, and this social media, <laughs> that destroyed relationships. Social media. If you use it for business or you want to put up your grandkid or your kid's baseball game, that's fine. But if you're listen, I, I don't want to st- stereotype everybody but if a uh, wife or girlfriend on social media, listen to me, and this is this is a true reality, excuse me, this is a true reality. They're getting inboxed, inboxed by guys. Mm-hmm. They see a picture. Wow, you're beautiful. You think they're going to come? Maybe uh, inbox fire, the fire emoji. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Now, there ain't a lot of guys, unless you're a movie star or something, there ain't a lot of guys that are getting all kinds of girls, texting them. Maybe there's some, but not much. Girls, if you're a decent-looking girl, forget about it. And you know that. Anybody Mm. that don't know that, they're really sadly mistaken. Mm. Not that anybody's wife would do that. Some would. But I'm not saying all girls are going to do that, but it's a temptation. Yeah. Oh, my husband followed me, and we. I don't want to see him for two days. Oh, wait a minute. Let me see. Oh, my God. This guy inboxed me. Even if they don't do nothing, they might talk to him. They might go texting back and
0: forth. So what would happen, hypothetically, if a guy found out that another dude was, like, messing with his wife?
1: Well, I'm not gonna get into a specific story. No, 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 you know where I'm going. I don't say too much. Hypothetically. But there was one instance in my area, I won't mention names, but um, this good looking guy, and I won't get into it, it was back in like, I think the early 80s or maybe the late 70s, he slept with the boss's wife. The boss was like 75, 80 years old and his wife was 30 something. And he slept with the boss's wife and they warned him the first time, which I can't even believe, you you know, and it's a shame because he has a beautiful family I know his daughters and his sons, and it's a good family. It's a shame they had to grow up without a father, but, you know, what are you going to do? But he slept with the boss's wife, and uh, they warned him. They said, you're out of your mind. You better not do it again. And and I don't know what he was thinking. It's none of my business. I don't know the particulars, but he did it again, and, uh, you know, it wasn't good where they found him. You know, several months later, they found him somewhere, and it wasn't good. And that's too bad, because he has a nice family, and they had to grow up without a father. So the bottom line is, in that world, I don't know, I'm sure in any... In the drug world, mm-hmm. in the biker gang world, in the gang world, gangs. I'm sure it's the same way. You sleep with another one of your, so with quotation mark, brothers, it's supposed to be your brother, and you're sleeping with the guy's wife. It's a death sentence in that world. Yeah. In organized crime, I don't know about, but I'm figuring, you know, yeah, of course. any culture.
0: Anyone's gonna feel that kind of way. It's a death
1: sentence, 100%. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's crazy. So when you start making money with the books, what do you start spending your money on?
1: Oh, we had the best cars, the meals, food, you know. Going on trips? Trip Florida. I was in Pompano all the time. Bruno had a beautiful condo on the 16th floor overlooking the ocean. And he would say, here, take, th- take, throw the keys. Stay, go with your wife and the kids, take, stay at my condo. Brand new Cadillac underneath the condo in the garage. The best restaurants. I mean, forget about it. What do your kids think you did for work? They were young at the time, you know, when they came and visit me in prison when they were 12 and 13, I think 11 or 12, b- Before 13. you get pinched, though, it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, oh, where's daddy going? No, 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 no. they, they, they you no know, well, I always had that out. Your father's a veteran, and your father's um, a veteran. Remember, I had that, so mm-hmm. I used to say I'm your veteran. And then they would pay me extra money, the veteran, to go to school. So there was a little college near my house, and they paid me to go. They gave me an extra $1,000 a month just to go to school, plus paid for the school. Oh, wow. So I did it a couple hours in the morning. And I was pretty sharp. I did good. And uh, it was called uh, Western New England University. I went there. And it was only like two streets from my house where I had with my kids and my wife.
0: So you're going to school like, here and And doing a crazy
1: ass life at night. That's crazy. And I'm recruiting all the college kids to bet at the campus. I got all the young kids betting. But I didn't put. Them, I couldn't let them go crazy. Yeah. I would say, bet $100 a game.
0: Yeah, you see you, the game this yeah, week you're, you're going to watch it anyway. Exactly.
1: you bet 100, bet $50. So I had them all, but you add up, you know, 40, 30, 40 kids at the college, mm. you know, and the teachers are looking and I'm going, come on, I want to talk to you outside. I go outside, I get the money, I give them their money. So they were looking, you know. It's a I whole new after, network. It's all, oh, come on, college because UMass is right up the street. And there's our,
0: no other way that they can bet. Not then. Now it's, it's
1: legal. They can t- get daddy's credit card and yeah, go have a blast. But yeah. if it's
0: through, they got to know a guy.
1: Oh, they knew. Yeah. And if a guy, say a college kid lost 400 in a week, I would shut him off. Mm. Or say a Sunday, he loses 300. I would say, okay, I'm going to let you bet tomorrow night, Monday Night Football, but you only can bet 200. If you lose 500 next Friday, you got to give me 500. I would never let him, a college kid, I'm not going to let a college kid lose 2,000.
0: You had your principles. You're
1: like, Oh, 100%. I was never looking to, you got to have principles in that life because what are you going to beat up a college kid or how are you going to get your money? Beat mm. him up. He's going to call his father in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, or whatever. I got beat up by old bookmaker. Make it hot. The feds are coming right to you. Mm. So I knew that a long time ago. I used to do that.
0: Interesting. So you can't let them bet too much. No. Because then you can't get your money back. And then if you try to get your money back, it's going to blow up the whole spot.
1: Especially the college, especially college kids. So you
0: got to put them a, on a it's break. It's a fine balance. And you got to kind of know the kind of people you can push. 100%. And people you can't. 100%. Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. And then not only that, but now as far as our friends we knew... There was guys that made construction at the time back in the early 90s. They made 700 a week. That was good money back in the 90s, whatever, mm-hmm. 800 a week. And there's guys who own pizza shops, big money pizza shops or strip joints, that the pizza shops, some pizza shops make 30, dollars $40,000 a week, a week. Not their pay, the income. Wow. Going to a pizza shop back then. Now they probably, this place now make 50, 70, 80000 a week. Over here in New York, forget about it, $100,000 a week. But that was a big business, pizza and sandwich, you know, other business, restaurant. Mm-hmm. So them guys, huh, sky's the limit. You want to bet ten thousand on a game, you got it, because they don't pay you. You got a restaurant or whatever. You know, right, there's they, an asset. Not stupid, there. right? Yeah, 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 But if a construction guy makes seven hundred, how are you gonna let him bet a thousand a game for six games? He loses six thousand. Okay, he makes eight hundred. He ain't going in his bank account in front of his wife taking out six thousand to right. pay you.
0: Right. So now you got to press this pre- guy. Yeah, yeah. So if he loses thing. two
1: thousand, the guy who makes eight hundred, you say okay. No problem. Come give me the two thousand. You're back on free tomorrow. Wow! And they could never come give it to you. You'd always have to make a deal, just like I said. Like if they owe two thousand, say you owed fifteen hundred,
0: pay me back. Can over... I give you eight
1: hundred here? And and it wasn't like you brought the question up before. If you owe money, they're not coming to cripple you, or they don't want the heat. They'll say to you, "Listen, you're done gambling. If I find out you're gambling, you're in trouble." What do you? What can you give us a week? Can I give you two hundred a week? No problem. Drop it off at this barber shop. Every week two hundred, you owe eighteen hundred, it's whatever.
2: Mm.
1: Eight weeks, whatever, nine weeks. Just put two hundred a week, we're good. Don't worry about juice, don't worry about extra. Just pay it off. But if I find out you're going through another guy banned We got a problem. We got a problem. And that's how they do it. These guys I'll smash your head. Yeah, okay. You slap a guy, slap a guy. They call it extortion. You're doing five years. Slap.
0: So So. and you gotta know the law better than than anyone. Anyway, so you're like, I know what I can and can't get away Yeah. With. So you yeah. gotta be smart. See,
1: like when I got in trouble too, my thing was only bookmaking. I'd had no violence. That's huge. Yeah. When you don't have violence in a case, you're gonna get small time. Whatever you do, white collar crime, if there's no violence, you're only gonna get a couple years, a year, three years, maybe three and a half. You're mm-hmm. never gonna get the extortion brings in, you know, that's what brings the the, the, the extortion, right. the violence. Somebody don't pay you, break his arm. You're doing twelve years. Yeah, okay, you're a threat Minimum. to sign. You're doing ten yeah. or twelve years. Mm. I had a friend, my dear friend, that was in the movie with me, which we'll talk about the movie after. Uh, nice guy did eighteen years for extortion. Eighteen years. Wow. All the prisons. He he wasn't he didn't even touch the guy. He was driving the car that somebody in the back seat broke the guy's arm because he owed him money, and the kid got twelve. For, for that charge alone, I think he got 12 or 13 years.
0: Just being an accomplice.
1: Driver. Wow. Don't even touch the guy. got 13 years.
0: I mean, they take it serious.
1: Violence? And, <laughs> serious.
0: Wow. And were they cleaning the money through any businesses or? I mean, I don't
1: know if they, I didn't see that part of it because I really wasn't doing that. Sure. But they had, a, come on, how can you not clean it? They had so many restaurants, pizza shops. Friends had pizza shops. The
0: bar. Bars, the
1: come on. That's easy. They could do it easy. You is know? there a
0: way you can tell if a restaurant or a business is, is controlled by the mob?
1: No. No. I mean, no. Not. Every, not I'm not saying they all are controlled, but sure. it was more friendly. There were friends with them. They come from the same town in Italy. So the different people. Bruno had a lot of good friends that owned restaurants that came from his little town of uh, uh, Brajanese, Braggian. So Bragian, all the people came here. Now they were all loyal to Bruno because they they knew his family in Italy. Mm. They knew him in Italy when he was a kid. So these top huge establishments all came over with Bruno's family. So not that. Bru- Listen, to me in my area, my whole life until until the late until the late nineties, two thousand one two in that area, my whole life I never heard of one organized crime guy in my area extorting legitimate people like going in there, like a little pizza shop with a mom and pop, you are going to come 200 a week, make sure it's there. Never happened in our area.
0: Because everyone's Italian, everyone knows each other, everyone never grew up around Now, each don't other. get
1: me wrong. Excuse me, if we had a bad week and Bruno needed 100,000 cash because we, we lost our 200,000, he could go to any one of these restaurants, these big money joints, and say, I'm going to send my son over. Can you give him 100,000 cash and I'll pay you in two weeks? And when he said two weeks... The money was there in two weeks, mm. so everybody gave him what he wanted. He would no interest or nothing. Hey, listen, we lost a ton. Can I borrow a hundred thousand? I'll give it to you in two weeks. Bruno, no problem. Come get it. And then two weeks, he said three weeks, two weeks, one week. The, we one of us went and gave the money back, or his son did. Wow. So that's what he was known for being like. Now, when he got murdered, pri- a little prior to him getting murdered, a couple of years before he got murdered, the, I don't want to get into the story, because I really don't want to talk about it. But certain people uh, in other areas told them to start doing this kind of thing. And that's was, in our area, that was the takedown of organized crime because now they're extorting legitimate businesses, okay? And that's when the FBI... And then there was murders. Bruno got murdered. Before Bruno got murdered, another guy got murdered, uh...
0: This is like when a bookie breaks someone's leg, it's like...
1: Now you're in a whole other category.
0: Yeah, so if you start extorting these small businesses, they're calling the police, the police get the FBI involved. Or they do
1: the secret calls, the dry snitch, and like they'll call and say, oh, this kid... And, and it, one kid set me up good. I was used to go to his pizza shop. He was a gambler, degenerate gambler. And he lost... What happened was he didn't lose that much to me, but he lost to every bookmaker at one time. So he might have owed me 7000 He owed... This guy, 10,000, he owed like 90,000 in one week to all the guys. So, all the guys that separately, not knowing he owed them, he didn't know they didn't know he owed me, we would go to him and say, Well, can you pay us a week? He said, Chickie, come up and get 200 a week. Is that okay? I Yeah, okay. You know, because I could make decisions like that. I could say, Bruno, the guy's going to pay 200 a week. It's all he's got. What are you going to extort them? No, no. You just get it. Get it make sure. Okay. So, I go up there with my kids and I always did it good because I would go on like a Saturday afternoon. It was, wasn't like I'm getting drugs. I'm getting money, I'm, uh, envelope, 200, or whatever, give me 200 here. I'd go have pizza. So I'd support his business. I might spend $80 on the lunch, and he's giving me 200 that he owes. So, okay, 140, whatever, or whatever, mm-hmm. 120. So we'd go there. Well, the kid went to the FBI. So the FBI came there at night and put cameras, FBI cameras, in his pizza shop. So when I would, so when I went to court, when I was in my lawyer's office, you get discovery. That's all the, the, you know, what they have on the you. Evidence against you. So my lawyer shows me the film of me getting out of my white Cadillac with my two kids holding hands, little kids, little girls, five and six, whatever they were, seven and eight, whatever, I, holding their hand, bringing them in the pizza shop. Oh, look at say hi to Uncle. I don't want to say his name, low life. But anyways, oh, say hi to Uncle so and so. Hi, Uncle. They didn't know. They sit down, pizzas. They want French fries, soda. Nice, time laughing, playing the jukebox. Then he, before I left, I'd say, what do I owe you? And I'd say, here's whatever, the pill. And they would say, hey, thank you. And he'd go like this in my hand. Now, I'm in my lawyer's office watching this. He had me every week coming up. He saw me. I saw, he saw me. So he, one time, I'm watching in my lawyer's office, right? The camera's on, me and my kids, and they're showing me hug my kids. It, it was It was disgusting seeing that somebody would record like that. And when I'm walking out to my car, you could still see me in the camera, my body and my kids walking with their hands out to my car in the parking lot. He looks up at the camera and he goes, looks up at the camera of the, to the FBI people watching and goes, hey, didn't I do a good job? Didn't I get them to talk? Like, didn't I do a good job? I saw it. Imagine his low life. And then we all took pinches. Not only me, all the other bookmakers, because like they were recording me, they were recording them wow. <laughs> when they I would come on say Saturday. He would say, "Chicky, come every Saturday." He told this other guy, "Come on Sunday." He told another guy, "Come on Monday." Every day he had somebody new. And how do you
0: feel when you watch the footage?
1: I was disgusted because it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't like, first of all, I, I never threatened the kid. I just said, "What can you pay? You're a good guy, okay? I need two thousand. Can I borrow two thousand? Yeah, but I'm I gonna tell you straight out. I want to give you four hundred a week until I paid off. Is that okay, Chicky? Yeah. Listen, good. Okay, I bring you the money twice." Then the third time, you don't hear from me. Fourth time, you don't hear from me. You say, chick, what's going on? You know, not for nothing. I lend you the money. I'm your friend, but I got a family. And I'm recording the FBI is filming you. And I say, I can't pay. Well, I mean, you're like, what? But I need my money. I got my wife. Or whatever you say to me, they'll get you for extortion. You don't even got to hit me. It's extortion. You're trying to get money from me. Wow. People don't You don't realize that.
0: Yeah. And how much did this guy owe? <sighs>
1: I don't know what he owed total, but I know he owed me probably five or six thousand, seven thousand, maybe no more than seven, no less than five.
0: Wow. So he gets in a jam with you guys, yep. with a bunch of other bookies, yep. and then goes. And then he
1: gets pinched. He's an FBI informant, and he gets pinched on the street. Well, we're fighting our case. A couple months later, he gets pinched on the street with a gun and a ton of these uh, oxycontinents, whatever yeah, these crazy the opiates. Yeah. And they let him go. He goes to jail for a day. He says, call my. Handler, because when you're an informer, you get a handler. That's one guy. You know his number. He works for either the state police or the um, FBI. Mm. And they call him and say, Joe, whatever your name is. Like, Whitey Bulger had the guy, Connolly, who was a worse criminal than just as much as a criminal as Whitey Bulger. And he ends up going to jail. He was the state trooper that was getting the information from Whitey Bulger about the Italians in the north and of Boston and using it against the Italian, arresting all the Angelo brothers, all the real older guys for hardly nothing. Meanwhile... Whitey Bulger's a an informant. He's killing women, people. Wow. He was a stone killer. Uh, the guy Greg Scarpa, in New York, Brooklyn, right here, Brooklyn, he's from. He killed. The, they got a mess estimate, killed over 70 people. It, uh, you know, uh, he was a stone cold mad hatter. You know, what do you think he was killing all these people for? Without no guy would walk in a social club, say something he didn't like, boom, shoot him right in the head in front of everybody. Why do you think he was so crazy? The FBI was letting him do it. Wow. The FBI knew about what he was doing.
0: But he's given them good information, so they. Let it's okay. It you
1: killed sixty people. You're turning in other guys. Whoa! Come on. I mean, this is facts. I don't want. I'm not trying to say. Oh, I know secrets. This is true facts. You can look it up. That is brutal. So but yeah. So anyway. So yeah. So I ended up catching the case. That was the case. Myself, Bruno, Anthony, and another kid. I won't mention. Nice kid. Just a working kid. We picked up the case. Bruno was what they call an unindicted co-defendant because he got murdered. So he can't be on the case. But if he lived, we would have been all together. Wow. And I end up going to jail. Anthony went to jail. The other kid, I don't think he went to jail. No, he just paid a fine. But I end up going to the United States Penitentiary, Canaan.
0: And when do you find out you're getting arrested?
1: That's a funny story. Um, I was living in a nice section of near Springfield, and uh, I went out like 6.30 in the morning to go get, it was back in 2005 or 4, and I went out to get the paper and some coffee. And I was returning some Disney movies to remember Blockbuster Video, might've been before yeah, your yeah, time. Yeah. You you rent CDs, DVDs, whatever. Yeah. I was returning them to a, a little plaza up by my house, and I'm walking back to my car, and I hear a guy go Chicky, and it's like 6:30 morning. I'm like, well, Who's calling me, Chicky? 6:30 more? I turn around, so a guy, two guys in a suit. Hi, I'm uh, Warren, some bullshit name. I go, Yeah, what's up? And he hands me his card. He goes, I'm with the FBI. He goes, Can I talk to you? I said, No, I don't know got nothing to talk about. Well, I'm just letting you know you and your friends are in a lot of trouble. I said, well, That's fine. I don't do nothing. So you could whatever you want to say, whatever. Well, if you want to talk to me, we can take a ride down to the federal building, we could talk, and you won't be in trouble. I said, Do what you gotta do. I didn't I didn't do nothing. And my friends don't do nothing. Say wh- whatever you want to do, do. Okay, we're well, just letting you know. I said, Thank you. I took the card because right away I took the card and I went to somewhere right away to show a guy. Of course, I gotta go to somebody and I said, Look at these bastards just came up to me and said, We're in trouble. And he looked, he said, right, I'm gonna hold the card. Said, oh, that's no problem. Don't worry about it, it's nothing. I said, yeah, I don't care either way, I ain't doing nothing. I wasn't even trying to convince myself I wasn't doing nothing, I taught, you know, in case it was a bug in the car or something. So, um, or a wire in the car. I said, no, I ain't doing nothing, I don't know what's going on. And um, so anyways, uh, oh, so then uh, two weeks later, almost to the day, I get up 6.30 and I go to my father's house for coffee and read the paper. I used to, my father lived a mile down the road with my mother. I used to go every morning, chop it up with them, laugh, read the newspaper. And uh, I'm sitting with my father, 15 minutes, I got him coffee, and the phone rings. And I pick up, and she goes, where are you? And I knew something's wrong, right? Thank God my kids were at school at the time. They they. She had brought them to school or something. And uh, I said, why? She said, there's 15 FBI agents here, state trooper. They're going to knock the door in. I open the door for them. They're sitting in the kitchen waiting for you. All of a sudden, I hear the phone get taken away from her. And the guy goes, Chickie, who's this? He goes, it's a... Uh, some name, FBI, organized crime, where are you? We're gonna come get you. You ain't coming to get me. I go, I'll come there. Will you come now? I said, I'm gonna come when I come. Come now. We're waiting. So I said to my father, I, I said, yeah, okay, whatever. I hung up. So I says um, to my father, can you can you drive me to my house? He goes, well, you got your car right there. What are you talking about? I said, there's a guy there. This is a funny story. I said, there's a, the local police, they want to give me a summons because I didn't pay like four parking tickets. You know, it's no big deal. He goes, you sure? I go, yeah, no big I just don't want to bring my car. Then they run the plate. Meanwhile, not that I had anything in the car, but they ripped my car apart. They ain't going to rip my car apart. They look in the trunk. They want to find papers or whatever they're going to find, Well, they think they're going to find. So I gave my money. I had some money on me, a couple thousand. I gave it to my mother to hold my keys, took off my gold, gave it to her, because I knew I was going. And uh, I go back. <laughs> I laugh. My poor father, he was so legitimate. So he's driving me, and I says, yeah, it's just stupid. I got to pay some tickets. Oh, you jerk, you should have paid the tickets. He's telling me, I'm laughing. We get about 20, 30 yards away from my house, and it looks like they're coming for John Gotti, right? The cars, the door, they left the doors open. The neighbors are standing on their uh, little steps, you know, with the nightcoats on, looking. uh, A 22, uh, uh, our, our news station is WWLP, I think 22 News he has got a van in front of my house with one of them booms that like go 40 feet in the air with the satellite back in the day, the dish. I don't even know how they knew they were coming for me. They must have leaked it. And my father, God bless his soul, my father goes, oh, parking tickets. Oh, I want to know what's going on. I said, please, Dad, don't do not do this to me. Not in front of these people. The camera, just drop me off. I give you my word, everything will be fine. Uh, whatever, whatever, get out. That's so why I get out and they see me and they you would think they were coming for El Chapo. There's such... Uh, actors get on the ground like I killed 16 people was bookmaking with no violence so they cuffed me my oh my god my my in-laws at the time were there Boy, they looked at me like you animal you know because you know it's one thing they know it but they don't see it but now their whole house and then they rip the house apart they go in there and search the whole house drawers everything's on the floor it looked like a tornado hit my house like I was a wizard of Oz Dorothy (laughs) They, they did to that house and uh so I'm, I'm giving my, at the time, instructions. Listen, call the lawyer. Boom, if I need money, you know where to get it blah, 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 for, bail, for bail. And, uh, yeah, and, and they brought me to the federal building, and it was crazy. That that started to venture into that craziness. And your in-laws are there? She's right there, standing there with their house coat on. My, uh, at the time, uh, my ex-father-in-law had a... I say ex, no wonder why they they're my ex. But my ex-father had his little pajamas on, you know, like a pajamas like with his slippers. And now these people are hardworking people. You know, they ain't ever seen nothing like this. Right,
0: your wife's family was just regular. Oh, and then,
1: yeah, and then they got a big picture of me on the front page with this kid Anthony the next morning. And the title, the bastards, that's a funny story too. They make up a title for you, like they call John the Dapper Don. They called, uh, this kid, they, you know, they make a name. They went, so uh, it was funny because the front page the next day, I didn't see the paper. We got out on bail, bond, and I go over to this friend Anthony's house the next morning. The day we got out the next morning, I go over for coffee and to discuss the case. What, what he thinks, which we didn't know. This kid was an informant at the time. Uh, this kid, that the pizza shop I told you about. Yeah. It was him that brought everything to us. You know, the case. He's the one that put a bond to us. And uh, it was funny. So I get in his truck. And his truck, we didn't know at the time, but his truck had a FBI wire in his truck hidden so they could hear everything we talked about, okay? So, but we knew not to talk about crazy things. But, this is so after got,
0: you bonded out.
1: Bonded out, right? They had an FBI wire because he was the boss at the time. He was the boss of our area. He was the captain. He was a cop, they call it a capo. He was a captain in our area. He took Bruno's place, okay? So he was the boss at that time. So I'm in a case with the boss and then the boss that got killed. But like I said, he wasn't there to do it. So, uh, we're sitting in the car, and he starts laughing hysterical. I go, what are you laughing at? He's laughing hysterical. So I says, uh, what are you laughing at? And this is all heard on the FBI wire. And he's laughing. He goes, did you see the front page today? I said, no, I didn't get the paper today. So he goes like this, like, with a grin, and he shows it to me. And there's a big picture of me and him, and I got a black and green Boston Celtics, from where I'm from, Celtics sweatsuit, velour, right? It was, like, winter cold. And I'm a big guy, you know. It is what it is, right? And uh, <laughs> the the title says, "Fat Chicky Chicatelli gets picked up in multi-million-dollar running sports gambling with organized blah 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 blah." All this title. Mm-hmm. So now a normal person would be like, "I don't care about that. We got to fight this case." Boom, boom, boom. Nervous. I go. Now they're listening. In the they have a somewhere they're listening, and I go. The organized crime reporter in our area was a woman named Stephanie Berry. very known, nice lady. I got to know her after. She's a nice woman, but she's very good at her job. And I don't know if she came up with that name or the FBI gave her that name, but she wrote it. It said story by Stephanie Berry. So I said, that filthy animal. How could she make a name like up? I was so embarrassed. Like it would have been cool if it was like tough guy chicky or Chicky the Man or whatever stupid name. Those are
0: not that clever.
1: Fat Chicky, whatever, right? So I go. And then I'm like, la- he's laughing hysterical because he knows I'm more pissed <laughs> at that. And we and then I kept my composure and we started laughing hysterical. So fast forward to like five years later and I run into this Stephanie Berry reporter at a restaurant or something. And she starts laughing. Chicky, hi. She was nice. I said, hi, Stephanie. How you doing? I said, And we laugh. And she goes, I got to tell you this story. I never told you. I go, why? She said, the FBI called me that day. And said, and this organized crime task force and the FBI called her and said, they were hysterical, cops crying. And they said, Stephanie, you gotta hear this. What do I gotta hear? You just gotta hear this. It's hilarious. They were laughing on the phone and they play the tape of me going, that filthy animal. I'm abusing her. I don't want to even wanna say what I really said. I said, it ain't for YouTube, <laughs> but I said some vicious things. And she's laughing hysterical. She said, we were all of us on the three way line crying, laughing so loud the way. I was calling her names because she wrote fat chickie, and you know it was just funny. We laugh. You got to laugh at yourself sometimes, you know. Bruh. Come on, I've always been. I said I'm who I am. I I, I I'm not embarrassed. Nothing. I'm who I am. And uh, but we had a lot of fun. She, to this day, she still laughs. If she sees me, she'll be like member, and I'll say oh, I'm sorry. I feel bad. I buy her a drink. Sorry. But That
0: is so funny. Yeah.
1: So there's a. I could tell you 300 stories, but I'm just saying. But like I said, the reason I really came, and we can go where you want to go, but uh, is that change is possible, and you can. Get away from that craziness, and it is crazy. I think, in my opinion, you know, at my age, fifty-five years old, it's crazy. I don't know about twenty-year-olds. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I I started. Uh, I got into the movie business. Don't ask me how. I'm not an actor, but I was in a movie. It's coming out. Um, James Matteo, Leonardo DiCaprio is the uh, production house. Apian Way is running the whole production thing. Um, yeah,
0: it's at the what Venice Film Fest. It's at the
1: Venice Film Festival Sunday. It premieres uh, uh, September third, Venice Film Festival. Um, there's only 12 movies or 13 movies that were picked. We were one of them out of hundreds and hundreds. Um, so, and that's at this film festival is where like Netflix is, uh, Hulu, uh, all these streaming services and they buy the film. The movie theater. Oh, wow.
0: So so it could be on Netflix.
1: Oh, oh it's definitely gonna be out there. It's either gonna be in the movie theater or it'll be on a big streaming like Netflix or HBO. Right. It's a movie, it's about Willie Pep. Um, he's the boxer at Hartford, 229 professional fights. And uh, if I could get into that, I'll tell you a funny story.
0: What's up, guys? We're gonna take a break really quick from this amazing conversation with Chickie because I need to tell you how to fix your back pain. Yeah, you've been sitting on this fat, chunky wallet all the time. You got a dad wallet. It's sitting in your back pocket. And it's making you lopsided. Now you got scoliosis. You know how you can fix it? You can fix it with a product that I actually use every single day, and that's called the Extra Wallet. Mm-hmm. This right here. I'm holding it up. You're looking at it. You're like, I've never even seen a wallet like that. This is what's known as an Extra. It is efficient, it's secure, and it's very stylish. It's efficient for this reason. With one touch of a button, boom, I can hit all my cards just like that. Please don't steal my identity. Just like that, boom, one click of a button, I have everything I need, it's amazing. On top of that, it's extremely secure. There are all these scams, they happen a lot in New York, where people will try to skim your wallet. They'll go up to your back pocket, boop, they'll try to boop you. With this, they can't get in. It's absolutely amazing. And on top of that, the thing that I love the most about Extra that I feel like no one talks about enough is the fact that it stops you from collecting garbage. I'm telling you, man, I'll go out, people will give me a business card, I'll go to CVS, they'll give me an entire wallet of a receipt. It's an entire book, it's a novel, one giant sheet long. And what I love about Extra is that back in the old days when I had these old fat dad wallets, I would take the receipt and I would stuff it in my wallet and I would keep it there for like, a year. You don't need receipts anymore. It's digital. Everything's digital. A receipt is not even, what is that? That's like the ghost of money. That's like money used to be here. Now we just have this dumb receipt. With Extra, they help you do that because you don't carry around all this garbage anymore. If you want a safe wallet that is very sleek, very thin, and will stop cluttering your life, you need to check out Extra. So if you're interested. You can check out the wallets at shop.exter, dot com slash Gagnon, G-A-G-N-O-N. That's correct. That is shop.exter.com slash Gagnon, G-A-G-N-O-N. This is what Extra is going to do for listeners of this show of Camp Gagnon. When you use the promo code Gagnon, G-A-G-N-O-N, you are going to get up to 25% off site-wide. That's correct. You get a wallet for you, for your mom, for your uncle, for your dog. You're getting 25% off the entire order when you use the code Gagnon, G-A-G-N-O-N. That is shop dot extra, E-K-S-T-E-R dot com slash Gagnon, G-A-G-N-O-N. Stop hurting your back, save some money, use the promo code Gagnon, and stop collecting and cluttering your wallet with all this garbage. Check out an extra wallet today. Now let's get back to this amazing conversation with Chickie. So how did you get involved with this movie?
1: So anyways, they were filming uh, uh the Willy Pep story, like I said before, with uh, uh Leonardo DiCaprio's production team, and Way and James Maddow, a great actor, played in uh, Band of Brothers. Hook, he played in uh, The Offer, about the making of The Godfather, Uh, played in a ton of movies. And there's another guy, Jay Gioni, great guy from Boston. He lives in L.A. now. He played in um, um, the movies in Boston about Whitey Bulger uh, with Jack Nicholson. He played Mm -hmm. with uh, different, you know, he played in the movies with, uh, uh, he played in Gone Baby Gone with uh, Affleck's brother. Mm. You know, he played in a ton of movies, really good movies. He's on Netflix right now in a movie, and he's a really good actor. And he is friends with a friend of mine, the MMA fighter uh, for Bellator. He's a, my dear friend. And uh, he said, come on out, bring Chickie. Come on out. And uh, maybe we can use you in the audience. Like uh, in the boxing ring, you'll pass me and I'm in the audience. It was The, the film was set in the 19 late 50s, 60s. And um, so we show up and I bring another friend of mine, the friend that did 18 years in federal prison. I bring him too. I said, come, maybe we can sit together in the audience and he'll film us. Not thinking nothing. So, uh a lot of the people from bronx tale were in the movie people from um th- these italian kids that were in the bronx tale they, they were young kids then and um they uh you know they were in the movie so anyways i meet all the actors and everything and this kid james i meet james and i met the director and i'm a big guy you know and uh and um i'm with my friend brian and my friend brian got like a real groggly voice you know like hey. how you doing you know one of them like you know if he would be a good DJ. That's how his voice was. <laughs> but anyway, you know, like a Wolfman Jack, whatever it yeah, yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, So we meet the director, and we go back and meet the star. And they they talk to me and my friend Brian, and they look at me. And I see them whisper to each other something. And I'm looking. I think maybe I, I shouldn't be here. Maybe, I I don't know. So they whisper, whisper. And I, I say I appreciate if you could, you know, I heard maybe you could put us in the audience. Something. And thank you for, you know, it's something. We can get nice pictures or whatever with the stars. So, uh. The director says, no, no. We're gonna use you somewhere different. So we're talking about. He goes, you're gonna be in the movie. I said, passing me? No, no, no. we are gonna get a talking role. I said, I ain't an actor. I mean, maybe they thought, somebody told him, Chicky's an actor. I did one other thing in 2018 in uh, Under the Whitestone Bridge in Queens. We shot it. it was gonna be a, a, a good show, but whatever, it was called The Flanagans about the Irish mob, the, the Hell's Kitchen, the you know, the Westies. Mm. And so we shot it, and it was good. It was a good experience, but you know, it just unfortunately, there were some inner workings that didn't work. And it, it, we still got the footage. We're going to use it someday, but it's not going to come out probably. But anyway, so that's the only thing I did, and I did pretty good. But uh, so the guy goes, no, we're going to use you different. So within 15 minutes of me, me, excuse me, me being there, um, now. They're taking my clothes off. They're t- all makeup people are going like this on my face, taking all stuff covering all my tattoos. I got a lot of chest, a lot of tattoos. They covered all my tattoos where it looks like I had no tattoos. They're doing. I got pictures of you wouldn't believe. I- I'll give them to you, where they're makeup and I'm sitting. I'm in the chair like this, one of them high chairs. Boom, boom. They're doing the makeup, and next to me is James Maddio, the star that plays Willie Pep, looks just like him was in the basketball diaries with Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. and uh, Mark Wahlberg. He was the little short kid at the time when he was young. He was the little kid with the Italian hat on. And uh, they threw a milkshake at him in that movie, if you've ever seen it. Yeah. It's a good movie. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's a junkie in a movie. So anyways, he, incredible actor. So um, so next thing you know, it's like everything is fast-paced. They got craft carts, all food set up. You're in a movie set. F- cameras everywhere. So I, I'm, now I'm nervous. I'm, I say to I, I can't pull you aside. Jane, what's up? He goes, uh... I go, well, you know, you sure you want me to do this? He goes, you just listen to me. I said, what am I gonna say? I'll tell you. I said, real okay. So now, now come down cellar group. We go down this building, old building. We're in, the, we walk in. It's a locker room set up like a l- old 1950s locker room, right? They got a guy who wraps hands and a referee. My friend Brian is in a outfit. I'm in a suit, like a black old fashioned suit with a big stogie. They gave me a real stogie. Uh, and I got, I, I wear certain glasses because I've got an eye problem, but I try to get them tint because my eyes are a little messed up. But so I'm not trying to be cool or not, you know, it's just, it's just me. So I had my gla- different glasses on and they go, keep, I said, you want me to change glasses? No, keep them on, keep them on. So basically I'll, I'll tell you what happened, but I was playing basically a bookmaker at the gym <laughs> where Willie Pep trained. you I did find, how would they get that? But that's what I look like. Did they know
0: you were a bookmaker? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, there was a buzz, you know, oh, Chickie's coming down. You know, he got in a lot of trouble, but he's doing the right thing now. And, he, you know, and, and meanwhile, it's funny because I was under an FBI indictment at the time. Remember 2019? Yeah, I got of finished. course. This movie was 2021. So you're still dealing with that. I was I snuck off. To, I, I wasn't supposed to leave the state lines. I was in Connecticut. And I live in Massachusetts. So if I got caught, I would have went back to jail. B- b- you're by breaking day.
0: parole just being there.
1: Yeah. So the whole hilarious. day, but I was in a movie. Well, they can't do none of me now. My thing's over. <laughs> but, so I snuck off there, and I didn't tell nobody where I was going because, you know, you got people call up. You know, Chickie's in Connecticut. So it was, I'll never forget it. It was during COVID. It was, COVID was wearing off, but it was bad still. It was um, right two weeks before Thanksgiving in 2001. That's when we shot it in Hartford. 2021. It, what? I'm 2020. sorry. I always yeah. do that. 2021. I'm sorry. I always do that. I don't know why. All good. But, uh, yeah, 2021, uh, two weeks before Thanksgiving, so... Our scene was only a couple of days, so they bring us down on the set, and uh, Willie Pep's there, James Maddow, great actor. You can look him up. He's all over the internet. And uh, he's got the robe on, Willie Pep, and the old gloves, the beat-up old nineteen fifty. There was hardly no pad like now. And he's getting wrapped by the judge, and there's six, like, few cameras. Boom, boom, boom. And the director, they go, with that thing. I don't know the names. guys. yeah, you know? yeah. So... Now, what's funny is, and I and I thought about this after, is a lot of actors come to New York and L.A., and they sleep on couches, they work as restaurants and bars, car, bartending, bust their ass all night working, and then they go in these, uh, where you go to a place and you give your picture, and there's thousands auditions of people. Auditions. And, yeah. I'm coming off the street, I'm in a major movie, talking. There's people who go 20 years without that, or forever. They don't even get a job. That may be a commercial or something. So now they tell me sit in a chair behind the guys like here and they're wrapping his hands and all the cameras on. So he says, Chicky, I'm going to the guy turns around. James He goes, I'm going to say to you, what do you think? So this is funny. He goes, what do you think? I'm going to turn around and say, what do you think? Do we got a shot today? OK, Billy, I'll,
0: I'll do my line. Then you do your line. So I'll, I'll be him. OK, Oh okay, yeah,
1: you all right, all right. So here's what you okay. OK. So wait, now, now let me explain. him telling me this first. Then we'll do the line. OK, you're going to like this. So he says, you just say whatever you want to me back. But you have to remember what you said to me, because you might have to do it six or seven times. Mm. I said, okay, so I'm not going to go crazy. So I can't honestly tell you exactly what I said, but I'm going to see it pretty soon. Matter of fact, I just got a text from the director, and I said, good luck. I texted him yesterday. I said, good luck in Venice, the film. He goes, Chicky, that was very nice of you to write me. He goes, wait till you see the movie. You're incredible in the movie. Thank you. And he says, when you come back, we're going to we're having a premiere in New York, red carpet event, and in Hartford. So I'll be coming out here again for with a tuxedo, whatever, who knows. This is great. Right, so well, anyways, he turns right. around and he says to me, all right, so you gotta say something like, and it was funny because he, I, I gotta explain it first before you can do it. Sure. So he turns around and he says, this is what he says. He says, Chicky, cameras are all on. Click, they click the thing. Chicky, turns around, he goes, Chicky. He's talking to me, talking like this, and the guys are putting his, the trainer is wrapping his hands, and the, there's a judge that has to sign it. And my friend Brian standing by the door that leads him out to the ring. It's his last fight of his career. So I'm talking to him, and then I'll tell you what my friend Brian says. So the guy turns around, uh, James Maddow, and says, Chicky, what do you think? We got a problem with this fight? You think we're going to be okay? Something to them aligns a little bit, and you can try to repeat it any way you want. And I go, and he says, Chicky. So now the camera's around and everything, and I go, wait, 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 wait. You're not supposed to do that. I didn't know. I told him to wait. Wait a minute cut cut they're screaming what happened you're not supposed to do that i go you said chicky you can't say my real name why can't we i go i'm chicky in the movie yeah <laughs> i thought they were going to say charlie or big joe or who knows chicky i said oh i'm so sorry they're all clicking the makeup people are running doing this touch i screwed up the whole production so they're laughing james madden's laughing brian's That's laughing funny. the directors i like, think he didn't call you fat chicky Then then you would have gone off. I would have run out of, I would have ran out of, I would (laughs) have finished the scene. They could have caught, for that movie, they could have caught me anything. But, anyways, so I said, okay, sorry, everyone's sorry. I'm saying sorry to these actors that are real actors. And they're laughing because they think I'm nuts, right? You know, I'm a little, I ain't playing with a full deck. So, anyways, um, he says, okay, I'm going to do it again. Remember what you say. So now, all right, so I'll i kind of think what it was. It was a couple of years ago until I see the movie. But right. you say something basically like, "Chicky, what do you think? We got a shot of winning this?" Yeah. All right,
0: ready? I'm getting my hands wrapped. <clears throat> yep. Ready? Yeah, I'm
1: wearing it. Wait, picture me, the cigar like this, <laughs> the black old, <laughs> the black old outfit, the scarpine, the shoes that look like from 1972. Here, here, here. You get you you hold this. Okay, okay. you hold that. That, that. That'll be your cigar. Okay, it's ready? not a cigar. Don't right, so it's in my mouth. Yeah, yeah it's in yeah. my <laughs> mouth. I do <don't laughs> yep. it. It's in my mouth. I don't. Speak. Okay. It's in my mouth. All right. Like, oh, it's that thing that smells. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it, it, I'm like this, like this. I go, no, I'm like this. And they can put, even put an old fashioned stove again, I'm like this. <laughs> okay. Now, answer the question this is what I do. All right, like. get my hands wrapped.
0: Hey, Chickie, uh, you think we got a chance tonight? How are we looking with this fight?
1: Come on. I, I, oh, Willie. Come on, Willie. We got this. The guy's four and nine or whatever his record is. You're going to kill him. He turned. He, now, you turn around to me and you go, boom, 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 boom a couple jabs in my stomach. And I go, <laughs> we got this, champ. And then my friend Brian says, Champ, it's time to make the walk. And they all get up, and they go follow Brian down the thing to the ring, and I stay sitting there. (laughs) But it's like maybe 12 words. (laughs) So now the hard part is they cut, cut, cut. They do a print, whatever. Then another, now they say, okay, same thing. We had to do it like six times because they do it from angles, different angles. And then they produce whatever they do, you know, like you guys do here. And, uh, you know, you got a great production team. I wanted to tell you a beautiful location over here. I appreciate that. Thank you. But anyways, uh, yeah. So, 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 uh, yeah. So, I didn't even think we were going to be using the film. I really thought they were going to cut us out because we're, you know, we're. So, fast forward a year and a half later, because COVID slowed everything up, and now they just had a Actors Guild strike. The actors are striking, so it held everything up. And now this weekend it's premiering. Finally. Finally. So about five months ago, I get a text from James Madill, the star. We, we talked. Now they think I'm crazy. I call and bust chops <laughs> with him. I said, tell. Laugh! i had them all laughing we had like a nine-way call of all this a couple stars that like me and james matteo and a few other people and they laughed hysterical and uh i said boy at the premiere because you got to understand when i did the movie that caprio wasn't on set because he's the production and if he did anything it was not with me mm-hmm. he does it whatever they them guys don't just come in unless it's big time so i was on the call with some of my friends and i said uh, it was funny they laugh hysterical i didn't think it was that funny but he say, says, uh, he says, I w- I'd be good at the because he'll be at the premiere. So I said, I want to love to meet him. Is he a good guy? Can I meet him? Oh, he's a gentleman, real good kid. You can laugh with him. He's a ballbuster. He's a ballbuster DiCaprio. He's not just like a, some, Mr. yeah Hollywood. I, guy. I won't mention names, but there's a, some that are very popular guys right now, that are the worst bastards in the world. Like most, I ain't going to mention names. I don't want to get nobody in trouble. But very. Uh, stars, some stars that are guy stars. Hollywood. Oh, terrible. But DiCaprio's a ballbuster. You can laugh with him, and which I never knew. So I said, well, he really, and I said this, I swear to God, and, and they all was quiet for like 20 seconds, and they all started laughing. So I thought I got in trouble. And I says, well, I mean, I don't know why he, he's a good guy. I said, I'm glad he's a good guy. I'm glad he's having fun. Like, he's that kind of guy that has fun, because if he was... One of these tight guys, you know, that real moody. He really ain't a great actor anyways. Yeah. Fooling around, I said that. He ain't a great actor. He's the best actor in the world. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. I say, he really ain't that good anyways. He shouldn't be stuck up. If he was stuck up, they all laughing hysterical. They love it. Loved it, because I'm just talking real. Then I said, oh, shit. Am I still in a movie? You know, did I screw up? <laughs> and they're all laughing hysterical. So we talked a few times like that. But then what's cool is a couple months after that, we get a text from James, and he goes, "Chicky, I got good news for you and Brian. We just did the final cut, and you guys are in the movie. You made the cut." He goes, "And Chicky, I still got the text. I can show you after." He said, "I said, James, thank you for letting me be part of this, me and Brian." And he goes, "Chicky, thank you for bringing and uh, 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 ent- what's the thing when it's real
0: authenticity? Authenticity.
1: That's the word. I'm sorry, I forgot. It's okay. Thank you for bringing authenticity to the film." wait till you see how great you were. Like the way you looked and just the whole vibe of punching me and so I'm looking forward to it. I mean, know? this is
0: great. I'm sure they, I mean, they loved having you. I mean, all these guys spent oh, all we, day. Oh, we they, went out to
1: dinner, went they, to Hartford dinner. They try them. to
0: cast people, they try to get the guy. And then all of a just sudden,
1: a Schmo- someone yeah, like you. They couldn't get to, if I, I wish I was around with the Sopranos, I could have done that too, I think. I don't oh, 100%,
0: know. 100%, but just a real character, a real, real fucking ca- guy. Chicky. Yeah, you're gonna hear it in the movie, Ch- <laughs>
1: Chicky. And I stopped the whole thing. Well, well that's sit. the thing.
0: You're not an actor. You're cheeky. no right. And You're my cheeky. friend did 18 years,
1: so he had that groggly, You know, it just we were just. It was just like saying, like we're busting chops now. Yeah. If we had a movie cam, we're gonna make a movie. Me being me. Yeah. But they loved it. Now, since then, there's another thing with another movie coming out, Hungry Hill. We're starting to shoot it. They want me for that. My friend's a big part of it. Um, uh, a fighter, Bellator fighter named Damian Trites, fighter, and uh, he's involved in that. John Gotti Jr., who's a dear friend. I consider him a dear friend. Great guy. I mean, come on. How did you meet him? Uh, through MMA, uh, back uh, uh, years ago. His son started MMA. His son just fought Flavio Mayweather like about a month and a half ago. Oh, more. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're, I guess they're fighting again. I don't want to say, I don't know for sure, but that's the rumor. But um, yeah, so we met him through fighting and- uh, When you were a bookie or is this- No, no, I was done with that bullshit. Okay. I was done, you know.
0: This you, was served, years you later. served time and yeah yeah
1: i was done i was out and i still did a few things but i met him when we were i was done because he he's done with that life now but he you know he beat five trials in three years millions and millions in law bills he beat some serious cases Beat like life sentences and death penalty cases beat oh, him wow. legitimately in court nobody could say anything different he beat him and he left the life he has six kids and uh, I think the guy, the, the guy did the right thing. He wanted to be around for his kids. He wow. said, if I go to, if I go to prison for life and, you know, they were on him after his father died, they wanted him. He said, uh, who's going to bring my kids up? Nobody's going to take care of my kids.
0: And they were alleging that he was involved with his father's business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. they, Yeah. yeah. Well, that's he, what they said. Yeah. That he was running the uh, allegedly whatever. But like but he, he said proved that
0: that's not the case.
1: Well, you know, well, there's a lot of informants that came out against him, and he, he beat the cases. I don't know exactly the, the specifics, but he beat the case. Good for him. Five, five trials in three years. Wow. And I'm talking life out, death penalty cases, a life in prison.
2: They threw the he book He beat out.
1: him. Well, they were going to, come on. You don't think they were going to come after John Gotti, and they, they they got him. John Gotti Sr. went to prison like a, a stone-cold man.
2: Yeah.
1: Died in a, in, you know, Springfield, Illinois, strapped to a bed, say what you want about him. Oh, he was flashy. shouldn't have been on Time Magazine. Okay. In that world, you're right. But- he lived, he walked it and he lived it right to the end. Yeah. He, At the end of the day, we die or we go to prison. That's it. That's how you live. And that, if you want to be a stone cold gangster, the end of the day, you got already have it in your head. I die or I go to prison.
0: And that's why you hate the informants. Cause it's like, you- it's not that I
1: hate them. I just, it's not something I would ever do. And, uh, and I was lucky enough, smart enough, whatever you want to call it. When I started, you know seeing cases coming up that could give me, you know, maybe I could, I got 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I had kids. I just, I, I, and I seen the two, three phase bullshit, you know, like I said, different stories. And I mean, come on.
0: It's a good thing you had your kids. Cause without that, you might've been, a little. I, well, more. I wouldn't have cared.
1: I, I didn't start changing till I had kids. I didn't care. I, I, mm-hmm. I was already in my head. I go to jail, I go to jail. What are you going to do? Wow. But um. So then you, when you have kids, you start thinking differently. Now, like I said, in another podcast, you start thinking for them. Mm-hmm. You don't think for you. You do think for you, but little by little, it's souring, And I lost a marriage over it. You know, come on. I mean, uh, you got a wife and the cops are breaking the door down and I'm coming home with her and the kids from Florida and the FBI is waiting in front of my house to take me in custody a couple times. Come on. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they go through the house, destroy all her dishes. How much is a woman going to put up with? I don't care if she's going to Florida, buying Louis Vuitton bags. Don't matter. They're yeah. not going
0: to put up with it. Give me it. a teacher that's just a nice yeah, guy. Yeah, she ended not up marrying a guy.
1: God bless her. She married a guy who was a... You know, I don't want to call him a name, but a regular guy goes to work twelve hours a day. Simple life. Yeah, really. she just, don't have to worry about crazy. being out or cops coming. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. No, no, it's tough. But you know, but but I know that's a whole nother story. I won't get into. But how long she did, knew what she was getting into when she got into it when things were good, and then when things started souring. You know, it is what it is. No big deal. When you got sentenced, how how long was it? Um, they wanted to give me. It wasn't bad. It was no violence. I. I it was only bookmaking with no violence. I think it was like. I want to give me a year and a half, a couple of years, a year and a half, whatever. I ended up doing a year and a day. And uh, But the thing that screwed me up is a uh, penitentiary. You know, With yeah, all wow. my friends were going to camps. They were going to, like, Lowe's, uh, Fort Dix Low, uh, all these different places. Um, and
0: these places, like a, like a Lowe's, like, minimum security or a like camp? It's like a
1: fence. So there's a wall, but nothing like that. That's another funny story I can get in if you want me to. Yeah, please. Um, my father was sick at the time. My father passed the cancer, got rest his soul. And mm. uh, I was going to prison in 2006, and I rented, a like, a truck service to bring me— my mother didn't drive, and my sister, my mother and my sister brought me to prison. So the whole way up, my mother saying to me, my mother's an old lady with a house coat going to New York, and she said, uh, what do you think? She said, um, what do you think it'll be like? I said, like, well, Ma, it's going to be not bad. Now, I know where I was going. I already looked into it. I Googled it.
0: You knew people there probably. I knew,
1: oh, yeah, it was all set up. They knew I was coming. Mm-hmm. And because that's how the Italians, they call each other, hey, this kid's coming, look out for him, and I would do the same, which I did for a couple guys in my area where they came. And... Um, yeah, and my mother said, "What do you think of it, Mom? They'll probably, you know, I'm bullshitting her like I did my father. I didn't want to, you know." And I said, Ma, it ain't gonna be bad. It's probably a little fence, and they'll have me gardening." I made it like it was a camp. Yeah. You know, oh, don't worry. I lose weight, You're trying which to be a I good did. Son. Which I did lose a lot of weight. I got to say it was. A, but I, like I said on another podcast, you'll laugh. I wish I could do a year right now. <laughs> I'll come out like a movie star. I'll be ready for the red carpet event with a normal size suit. But that's neither here nor there. I tell people, they go, "You're nuts." I go, "I'll go do a year right now. I really would. <laughs> Let me go to a federal the joint. The diet, right? I don't want to go to a lockup. I'll go to a federal joint where I can walk and do my exercising." So, uh, so, anyways, we get in Waymar, Pennsylvania, and we're coming. We start coming up the hill. It's a big ass hill on a with big wind, them air wind things yeah. all over, and we're coming up and we're getting closer, closer. And I already seen the place because I googled it. USP Canaan, and there's like a fifty foot wall cement wall around the whole place, and every 50 yards is a guard tower going up, like seven guard towers. The guy's standing on the planks with the guns, looking down at the yard, all of them got guns. So we're coming up this hill and I'm saying, oh God, I'm on. my mother's gonna see this. And I see her, the color starts coming almost like red, turning red, and my, my sister just starts kind of tearing up a little, not tearing up, but a little bit, puts her head down. And my mother looking, and she's like this. My picture, my little mother, little like looking like this, up at the wall, right. And uh, now, boom! The car stops, and there's the door, big gates, right. And I get out, and I and I got my paperwork. Cause you got to bring paperwork with medication you're on. This, that, the other. And uh, <laughs> she's looking. Yeah, she said you'll be a, you'll be a doing flowers over here, all right. She goes, <laughs> I told her I was going to be the gardener. Yeah, you'll be a gardener for sure over here. Good luck. She goes, call me when you get settled. Good luck. And she broke up a little. And then I said, please, the guy, get out of here. Don't don't let her watch me walk in. And I walked in. And then uh, then they sent me to MCC Manhattan. That was for another reason, a medical reason. And uh, I was in MCC Manhattan with the notorious guys, great guys. Um, I met notorious, notorious guys, which uh, one very notorious guy, uh, was out of the Bronx. Uh, his name was Vinnie Basciano. Vinny Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. He had the string of um, uh, the beauty polls You said, uh, yeah, yeah, "Hello, hello gorgeous. gorgeous." Yeah. What a gentleman! What a gentleman! Uh, he was in the tier right above me. We used to play cards at night, eat honey bunnies, have Diet Pepsi. He used to "I used to always steal, take. Can I have a Diet Pepsi? Take it. Stop asking. Take it." Great guy. You can go on and Google him. He still looks great. He's in life in uh Florida, uh, Coleman mm. in Florida, Coleman and, Federal Prison.
0: And when you see these guys, is there still, like, a hierarchy? Like, this guy was a boss.
1: No, in jail, that kind of... I mean, you you respect them like you would respect... I respect any man in jail, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, like, even the Muslims I respected, I could tell that story of, you know, whatever, it you up know, tomorrow. But, uh, no, so he knows, and you come in, you got the Italian last name, and then in... Um, federal prison, you have a number where they, they, yeah, they had a number, but, uh, I can't remember. It was an organized crime number. They got a number. There's a three number digit for your state you're from. I think, uh, New York's 056 or 057, I think, but this was a four number. I think four number it was, I can't remember back then, but it means organized crime. As soon as they see the number, they know you're organized crime. Wow. Right. I don't know why they do that, but, um, so, you know, and then they feel, yeah. And then another notorious guy, Great guy. I mean, these guys. I was getting along with them because I was used to these guys at my house, busting chops and laughed, making yeah. them laugh. So you just fit in. Yeah, and they would say, "Chicky, come eat with us," and they liked me. I let them laugh hysterical, and I'll never forget. Another guy was Alex Rudi, and you can look him up. He was from the Bronx. who was an Albanian, and uh, he just he got thirty eight years. They were they were allegedly they were so powerful. The the uh, they called them the uh, I believe it was the uh, uh, the Rudi Ruja- organization. I think they called them. But at the time I met him, I didn't even know who he was. This guy, Alex, great guy. He was with another guy, Nikki. All the guys from the Bronx, they were in there with me. And uh, Lenny, another guy, Lenny, had a restaurant down on Arthur Avenue. We hung out every day. We laughed. Vinny thought I was the funniest thing ever. And then, But I was only there like two months. Then I got on the, took me on the bus to New Jersey. And they have the plane land. I didn't go on the plane, but... They have all the prisoners meet there and they load them on aircon mm-hmm. big that goes to all over the country to California and it stops at all the federal prisons and drops people off. I took a van because I was only three hours away and I went back to Canaan and uh, stayed in the penitentiary, you know, the penitentiary for only a few months. And then they brought me to the camp where I should have been anyways. Wow. The camp is still on the same property, but it's more, it's like a barracks, like military, like I was used to it because I was in the military. Right. And you bust chops and walk, get a lot more exercise in and Oh, when I came out, my my, my uh, they didn't even recognize me. I really in a year's time, I think I lost I'm not exaggerating, 150 pounds. You gotta
0: go back to that journalist, be like, yeah, fat chicky who, huh? Not look no more. Yeah. I was out and look what happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Geez, now like... she can write another article, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, skinny chicky.
1: I told her, What's right article about me now when I got out and I was one ninety. <laughs> write that article. Handsome chicky. Fat <laughs> chicky, handsome chicky. Now we're talking. But it is what it is. Did you,
0: did you mind the camp? Did you like it? Did you like the camaraderie? Playing yeah, bocce ball. It,
1: it, I tell, I told. <laughs> My girl now, she laughs. She goes, you act like it was a summer camp. I said, it's just, I mean, you get it, when, I'm telling you, and you can ask anybody that you know, or anybody you have been in prison at all, never mind federal, anything. You can meet some really good friends, lifelong friends. I got friends to this day, you know? And like I said, uh, so when we met, to go back to what you were asking, I'll go into that. When we met John Jr., he was done with that life and we were done with that life because he was done with that life. He didn't want to be around. He said to us straight out, if you guys are on the streets hustling around, I mean, it's not my business. He said, I still root for the bank robber to get away. So he always says, but don't come around me. He goes, I'm too hot. I'm not doing nothing wrong. He's seen the life. I've seen the life. I'm done. I'm just being with my kids. And he's his son's manager and fighting. And, uh, you know, he's doing some very fabulous, good things, good for him. Yeah. He's got, you know, from, like I said, he invited us to his house, uh, did dinner with us. He lives in Oyster Bay, Long Island, a beautiful, right on the water, like close to the water. And, uh. I mean my experience with him he's a number a gentleman and he's helped us he's doing he's doing a movies' coming out it's been a few years so people kind of didn't believe but it's coming out with Sec mafia and it's about how the government creates these informants and then they run amok they kill people like waddy Bulger like um uh, Greg Scarpa uh a lot of notorious people they got to kill people because the feds said right this, getting- this 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 and we'll they ain't gonna tell you to go kill people, obviously. But
0: they're, they're like not they let but they turn their you. back.
1: They turn their back. Wow. Come on, look at these. And and it's a it's an accepted thing. Like even uh this sixty nine guy rapper.
0: Oh Takashi 69. Yeah.
1: He was never a gangster. He was never a street guy. So the only thing I could say is he got a lot of people in trouble, this gang, I don't mm-hmm. know if it was, was it Bloods Crips, he I don't know who the, they yeah, whatever I'm talking the Hoover
0: about. Hoover Bloods. Right.
1: Whatever they were. And they were you know, they were real guys, no doubt. But I get it. They wanted this guy around them because he had money and he was flying in places. I get it. I get it. That's a good move. I wish I could knew him. He would have been with my guy. Thank God. Well, let me take that back. After what <laughs> yeah. he did, I'm glad I didn't know yeah. him. But the how, how do you, how do you get to expect a guy who's just a rapper guy, never did, never broke a stick in his life, he's with these serious guys and a, a, and a Rico case comes down. You don't think he's going to flip? He's not a street guy. That's why he... That's why, and you know what's crazy is the, the country... All the kids embrace him. He still does shows, they sell out. The shows, the best songs, all these, I don't listen to those crazy music, but all the songs, are. they sell out all iTunes, this, that, the number one, these songs. And he dresses like a rat in the video. Mm-hmm. You see the video, he dresses like a mouse or a rat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no shame in it no more, no big deal. Put all your friends in jail, rat everybody out, and go get a YouTube channel and, in some neck of the woods where the government put you, do a YouTube channel. Everything's all set. Talk about the families you killed. Talk about the fa- the families that you put in jail for life. Talk about kids' fathers, grandfathers that are in jail doing life because of you. And everything's great. When all this started happening, I said, I'm good, I'm good. I said, I have washed my hands, I said, thank you. I still got friends that are still around, involved. We eat dinner, we laugh, and I just told them I'm gonna do the movie thing. I, I wish, I- let me tell you this, let me go back a little. If I knew this, and I had some connections like I got now when I was 20, the sky's the limit. I, I could be maybe in Hollywood, made a movie star. I don't know. Because I, I'm just telling you, I know how it, it, it's, all, it's all about connections. People, well, you have to do this and go to class. And uh, Listen to me. At the end of the day, it's all connections. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, of course. Come on. You know how many kids in New York would kill or in Los Angeles kill that stand in line every day to do shows? I mean, uh, tryouts, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. That I walked on a set and I got a talking roll? <laughs> it's unheard of. Even yeah. the guys that are stars said, chicky, it's unheard of. Yeah. So I'm blessed I, and I I was telling you and you know I'll announce it here I just had a granddaughter yesterday not yeah, my congratulations. daughter my granddaughter Boy, this thank is, you this is crazy. Mila Eleanor after my mother Eleanor uh 11:55 a.m. a little baby girl and uh this is my third grandchild and then my youngest daughter who's 20 going to be 29 she's having twins in March so I'll be have five grandchildren come March so I'm blessed Yeah the bullshit's over I, I mean and we can get into the ending of the 2019. Everything was going good. Yeah,
0: this seems so weird. So you you, you get you get locked up in 2006. Yeah, spend a year and a day. Yep.
1: come so about out 2007. 2007 ish. Three years probation. So I'm still hustling around, but being careful. I can't go near none of my friends because mm-hmm. we got a. It's called the separation list. You can't go near none of your friends. Anybody organized crime, I can't go near, or they violate me. Mm-hmm. And then did, did you have a job while you were in, in the camp? I didn't have to. Oh, in the camp? Yeah. Yeah, I worked in the unit because I, I listen. We could go on and on. They put me in landscaping, okay? Now, I'm a, I was a big guy in the beginning when I got there. They put me in landscaping, like whacking and anyways, I said to my head, I said, I didn't even do this when I was free. You think I'm doing it locked up? Landscaping? Shame on me, I, you know, that was a big guy. So all the time guys, the mob guys were sitting around the yard one day and they don't work, none of them. They work kitchen, they don't do nothing. Sweep a little thing and they're done for the day. They knew how to get jobs like that. So they're laughing and they go, Chickie, do you want us to get you an easy job? And I said, no, I'm gonna work. This, I said, I'm gonna try it, right? I'm gonna try it. So they're all laughing hysterical and I get up and I put my big boots on. They put a few boots. Cause I was all day with shorts, a tank top, and sneakers and a baseball hat walking around, tanning, right? <laughs> so they're laughing, they knew what was gonna happen. I didn't. So I said, I'm gonna work, thank you guys, but I'm gonna work, I'll see you at three, I'll see you at three o'clock. Cause you go from 7.30 to three, but you come back for an hour for lunch. So I go up there and they got me mowing and doing this. I'm sweating my, listen to me, I, I, forget about it, terrible. So I come back at quarter or 12 to eat lunch at 12 o'clock and they're all sitting at the same table playing bocce or like working out with, they didn't have weights, but they used to take a broomstick and uncrew the broomstick and put rocks in a milk carton and go like this. I didn't do it, but they did. So I'm coming back and they're all tanned. They're laying out some real guys from New York. I don't want to get in their names, real notorious guys. So here I get off the little, Bust the little trolley, whatever the hell, the bus thing. they, And I'm walking up towards the thing, and I'm... I left at 8 in the morning, and it's quarter to 12, and I'm black. Black, mud, dirt. I'm all dirt on my... Like, when you're playing sports as a kid, you yeah. get dirt here, under here. They're hysterical. They're hysterical. So I walk up to them, and remember when I told you, when you're in there, you don't have to say, he's a boss, he's a captain. Everybody's the same, you mm-hmm. boss boss. So, <laughs> so I go up to the picnic table, and they go wow, you are impressive. It's only like my first week. You are impressive. Look at you. You're all dirty. You're doing a, wow. How many grass did you cut? So I go, listen, go F yourself. I said, I'm done with this shit. They're crying, laughing. I go, they had sick call from 12 to 1 o'clock if you're sick. So, of course, I'm all dirty. They go, sick call. I go, what do you think? I didn't already think of that. I said, I was there at 8. At 8.15, I was clocking sick calls. I'm going. So I went to sick call, and I says, I can't do that job. Well, why not? I said, because I'm in the military, I have an illness from the military, it's a, I got a leg problem and a an eye problem. So I says, my legs can't do it. I'm a heavy guy, I can't mow lawns. Oh, uh, we could see that, do you have proof? I go, yeah, I got proof. Give me a day, I'll have my lawyer send you proof. Veterans say uh, 100%, I'm retired. They said, okay, go in the unit, you just gotta put toilet paper on the wrappers in the <laughs> toilets, took me two seconds. The rest of the day, I'm walking, eating tuna with the guys, Playing busting cars. chops, cards tan black in there because all summer I had to, you know, my tank. Listen to me. And then the other landscapers are coming that came in jail the same time I did that are working. They're so bitter. How did you do it? I go, I'm a vet. You know, I I was saying things. They were laughing. And they said, the the guys, the organized crime guy said to me, "Chicky, you broke up. One guy was there like, since Canyon opened, I think he was there like eight years, it only opened seven or eight years before I got there, and uh, he came from somewhere else. He did 15 years, and he was doing he was doing life, but he's in Canaan, and he says, "Chicky, I've been in, in this prison system total for like 13, 15 years, whatever it was. You broke the all-time record of the fastest person <laughs> to not work, and, we're, and, we're la- and I stayed the whole year, you know.
0: Just changing out a little toilet paper here and there.
1: Just being in the unit, and if, <laughs> God forbid, there was a big water spill, I take a mop two seconds it was beautiful i'm sure the ceos liked you too right oh yeah well you can't that's another thing there's there's politics in jail like you can never go talk to a ceo by yourself like if i had to tell us ask the ceo hey buddy can i have a pillow i would always bring a guy with me
0: because they, what well, are you, you talking you, to him about yeah what you you know, t- exactly yeah. if you
1: have somebody with you now somebody says oh chicky was telling on somebody i say hey come here tony, whatever your name is jojo come here you were with me when i talked to the guy yep did okay. i say anything wrong no he wanted a pillow yeah. Shut up, get out of it, beat it. To the other whoever said it about me. This is
0: like the wife thing, like I'm gonna stay outside and give you the 100%. money. Like
1: why, why cut myself in that predicament? Yeah. And then I got in some predicaments well, I, I didn't get they were very nice to me. They called me Mr. Chicky, the old guys. But I uh on the commissary they had a list of things to buy, rosary beads, um religious stuff. And I didn't know. I seen the carpets. The carpets, it said carpets three, two feet by whatever. So I said, you know what, let me buy a couple of these carpets and I can decorate my cell. (laughs) I'll put one in the front when you come in my cell, right there. It's a beautiful beautiful rug. They look orange rugs, little ones. And I said, I'll put one, I was on the bottom bunk, my friend from Connecticut, this kid, my great kid was on the top bunk. So I said, I'll put it right down in the middle of my bunk and you take off your shoes at night and you take your shower and you put your bare feet, a little feeling of home. So I, only, I didn't do it. I didn't even last one night. I was ready to sleep. I was so excited to have that mat with my feet on it. And the Muslim guy comes with the head thing on. Yeah. He goes, ch my cell. Yeah. Mr. Chickie, can I speak with you? Oh, absolutely. I go right out. What's up? He goes, you got the rugs. The rugs. I said, ain't they great? <laughs> I said, I'm going to, tonight, I'll be, I might even lay on it. On the floor. <laughs> and write a letter. <laughs> he goes, that's our religion. We can't do that. He goes, they pray on them. I swear to God, I didn't know. <laughs> I go, oh my God, are you, dang, you bought it from religion? No, he goes, no, nice guy, not trying to be tough. But in some prisons, and maybe if I had the wrong answer, they could have killed you, the Muslims, they don't fool around. So I says, oh my God, I'm so sorry. They're brand new. He, oh, no, no, I seen on the commissary, you got them. I roll them. I roll them up. I take the other one, roll it. Can you take them? Give them to some Muslim and you can not afford them? Because they're like $27 each. Let's give them to the Muslim. Thank you, Mr. Chick. I said, you don't gotta thank me. I apologize. That was no intent. The Italian guys were across the hall laughing. They knew. They that didn't tell me. Sick. They wanted to bust my balls. <laughs> they never told me. I yeah, swear to God, they were laughing. I look at one guy. I don't want to mention his name. He's a serious guy right now in New York. And he looks at me and he starts laughing. And he goes, I go, thank you. Thank you. He laughs so and I funny. slam my door. And I gave him the math. But small, little things mean a lot.
0: Of course. This is like you see, you know, if a Muslim guy gets a rosary and starts playing marbles. It's like, hey, this is a religious thing. And he goes, I didn't know. Exactly. Great point. That is so funny.
1: How many people would think, shame on me, maybe I should have thought of it. But I didn't know. I used to see him in, like, the videos of doing it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know they had... They are doing it in the no, of course. I mean, how many? I Mo- didn't know how many
0: Muslims grew up around you in, uh, oh, in Springfield. None,
1: zero. Exactly. Zilch. So, how I mean, w- I maybe mean, a couple. I seen that thing on their head, but not being disrespectful. I just didn't. I, they how, would have, Yeah,
0: you don't. You don't know anything. I didn't know. I it. remember the first time. Like, I grew up around some Jewish friends, but I didn't. I only had one Jewish buddy. But uh, I went over to my, my Jewish friend's house as I got a little older, and on the outside of, that, of a Jewish household, they put a mezuzah. Have you heard of this?
1: What are you doing?
0: A, a mezuzah is basically like a small little, uh, like a like an ornament that goes on the edge of the door and it has a piece of the Torah in
1: it. Oh, I don't know who that is.
0: And uh, and, and they put the Torah in it and it's basically to signify like, hey, there's a Jewish household that's been blessed hmm. and uh, the rabbi comes over and blesses the home. It'd be the equivalent of like putting like, uh, you know, like, like, a, like a holy we, water font.
1: No, we used to have a, a upside down in our front yard, an upside down bathtub with the Umad on the Jemeri. Exactly. Same yeah, thing. Yeah. Same thing. It, yeah. This yeah. is a Catholic household. Saying, yeah.
0: Like the priest came yeah. over blessed the uh, yeah. you know the Virgin Mary and so they have the mezuzah and, and Jews when they walk in they'll kiss it yeah and so they tell me they go hey when you walk in you know if you this is what we do and I was like oh yeah I'll show respect for the culture whatever. of course. and they go yeah so you kiss it when you walk in so I walk over to it and I lean all the way up and I go on my tiptoes and I kiss it and they go. You can just kiss your hand and touch it. You don't have to kiss. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they're, they're like everyone's hands touch that. It's really gross. Don't don't kiss it. Right. Just just kiss your hand. Right. And I was like I had no idea. I just thought that's. Well, what yeah, you're supposed and
1: that's to something do. simple. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like if a guy was a real eccentric guy, he might have said, "Dang, I can't do yeah, it like yeah, yeah. that." Yeah.
0: No, no, no. But people, if you, yeah. if you if you if you don't have bad intent, no, and you're, and you're an honest, right you're they a gentleman, right then they know.
1: But imagine me explaining to the guy. Isn't it nice? Maybe today I'll get in my <laughs> my sweatpants and lay on it and write a letter. Yeah. Why? You know. Like, look I, at this cool know. hat I got. It's this, yeah, little, I this little know. Yeah, hat. Yeah, yeah. That goes I, didn't, on. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, shame on me. I should have known, but I didn't. I mean, that's and so funny. And they all funny. knew what I was doing. They all knew when I was buying it. They were like, yeah, get me on. They go, yeah, buy it. it would be nice in your room. Oh, and they're giving them guys, you know, eyes to each other. You know, let them do it.
0: Oh, that's so funny. And they
1: laughed. And I said, thank you, all of you. Thank you, you bastards. Click, I banged the door. And there's some guys that were notorious guys.
0: But it, but it never turned bad. I've heard the camps are typically, uh, everyone's pretty low profile. People are happy to be in the camps. Yeah, well,
1: it's a lot of, thank God. There's no uh, child molesters in camps. Right. They don't allow it. Um, murderers, they don't allow in the camp unless, like, there was a couple murderers uh, that picked up big cases in New York. They did 30 years in prison, and they had two more years to go, and they put them in the camp for the last two years because I don't care what the guy did 30 years ago. He ain't screwing up to go home.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, he's so, on the way out. And
1: they were all, li- like, some notorious gangsters, a lot of a bunch of guys that did 35 years were with me in the camp that were part of the pizza Brooklyn Pizza Connection case. Wow! Yeah, the guys are good older guys, and they were like they've been thirty years in prison. Imagine, but it was incredible. They were in great shape, yeah, unbelievable. You wouldn't believe the shapes of these guys. Some of them were seventy years old. They looked better than me, and I was at the time in my late thirties. Wow! It's crazy. They're jogging ten miles a day, and you know, and and, then, like
0: and, I said. And your family is sending you money while you're in there.
1: Well, I, I had money put away in my bank account, so yeah, I had a, no problem. And I used to. Send money to like we only could spend, I think, I don't remember the comments here. I think it was like 400 a month, oh, wow. three or 400 a month. And I bought tunas, chicken, all good, healthy stuff. Cause I told you I lost a ton of weight. I never went in the chow hall. Never. I think twice, three oh, times wow. in a year, never ate in there, cooked my own food healthy. You mm-hmm. know, and then I would pay the kitchen staff to bring me tomatoes, cucumbers. Uh, I was there for Thanksgiving. I paid the guy like $40 in commissary, he brought me a whole turkey.
2: Oh, wow. Cooked turkey
1: wrapped in tinfoil, and I sat with seven guys at the table and ate whole turkey for Thanksgiving. Real whole turkey, beautifully cooked in the kitchen. Wow. My birthday, my roommate had a nice party for me. They have parties for people's birthday. Had the guy make a beautiful pizza, Italian guy from New York, had a pizza shop, made a pizza in the kitchen, and made me a cake. Chicky happy, br- it was like something that you would think <laughs> was at a pastry shop.
0: And what, what did your kids think when they came to visit you? <sighs>
1: They knew. I mean, I I don't know if they knew. There were like ten and eleven, and it was tough. They came at Christmas, and we took a picture from the Christmas tree. And you you know, I, listen. I don't care how tough you are. I don't care how crazy you are. I don't care, Mister Gangster, bullshit, whatever you want to call yourself. Which I never was that. Never. I was just maybe a hustler. I wasn't a gangster. But, anyways, um, you know, it's hard when they leave. You know, I mean, you know, you're going to see them. I mean, and they and let me tell you something. I, really, it's joked me even saying it because. I only did a small time. Thank God. Yeah. But, you know, I, I could have got, if I got jammed, I, I could have got jammed up really good. And I was lucky. And I, and I knew enough. This is it. And, uh, yeah, it was tough when they left. You know, it was Christmas and it's, it's tough. You know, you got a, an hour before you start prepping them. You're like, listen, when you guys get up, you know, I love you. Don't do this to me. You know, don't break down. It's going to be fine. Go to school. I'll be out not too long. And they were good. I called them every morning, 630 before school. I I, I always stayed on top of my kids. Oh, that's kitchen. awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and they had, a their, their, my ex-wife was remarried and they had a couple kids with a new husband. So my kids weren't a stable thing. It wasn't like they were struggling. Right. And they would come on the weekends and be with my parents because most of, well, almost all of my kids' life, I had them full time. Mm. Like, you know, I would have them most of the week. During school, I was the guy, because remember, I didn't, I was retired. And this is another thing you might think is crazy. I'm a bookmaker for these guys and I'm doing crazy things with other guys and I'm going to my daughter's school to be the uh, lunchroom father. I was with all mothers. They're all mothers. The mothers do that. that you know, they aren't too many fathers. Right, because they might
0: be stay-at-home moms.
1: Right. So they come and do the lunchroom. I would be the lunchroom father. I was the guy that went on uh, field trips with my kids. The chaperone? chaperone? butterfly farm. Uh, the woods, some woods thing. I get pinched. That's done because they run a Corey check on you. Uh, now it comes back. Uh, I was the number one guy. All the kids were for two weeks before the yeah, thing, Mr. Chicky, Can Mr. Mr. Chickie, because I was a sucker. We go to these amusement parks or whatever they were going, and the mother would give the, like whatever kid would be in my group. The mother would give them three dollars. Here, Johnny, get ice cream. You got cash. Oh, I was doing good. Let's go. So, oh, Mr. Chick, you know they knew the first time I did it. Can we get this? Get whatever you want, right? And they kept. They went home with their three or five dollars the mother gave them, and they had shirts. Uh, uh, them light things that you bang and they turn green I bought crazy stuff so then the teacher came up to me and goes Mr. Chikatelli, you can't be doing this because there's other children on this field trip and they see these kids coming on the bus to go home with all this fun stuff <laughs> yeah. and they have nothing and they think like we didn't do that for them
0: well they didn't <laughs>
1: no no right but the kids laugh because now my daughter tells me two weeks before the next I signed the thing okay I'll go dad dad you made a big fight in the school how did I make a big fight in the school all the kids are fighting with the teacher. We want Mr. Chick. We want Mr. Chick. Because they're chopping up who's yeah, going to be with Yeah, they want to be in your group. Funny. And then after I got pinched, I was the end of that teacher, they, they ostracized me like uh, Mussolini. They didn't want nothing to do with me. <laughs> uh-huh. They That's... said, Mr. Chick. I said, oh, when's the next trip? I can't wait to go. Sorry, sir. I mean, Organized is... crime figure. Whatever they said. It was bullshit. Yeah, yeah, you, but, you know, you get it. yeah, Yeah, I think it's And then thank God my kids weren't going to school now because after the— you know, two thousand nineteen. <laughs> yeah. They really never would let me go on a
0: trip. <laughs> so you spend you spend two thousand six, yes, you get out and then you spend the next ten years totally clean.
1: No, no, yeah, no, when I not totally clean, <laughs> but no, two thousand fifteen, sixteen clean, but uh as far as making money. But I hustled, you know, we were loaning, I was loaning money to people and charging them interest. Mm. No being nothing like that. I was never like that anyways. I would never say no to my friend. You know, like I said before, I would never you know I wasn't tough guy or nothing. I was I was a gentleman. But um you know, if we had to go somewhere, hey, listen, we got to, come on, you got to come, we got to do this. I was never saying, ever, never once did I say, sorry, right. I'm a bookmaker, I don't do that. You know, never, I was, let's go, all right, well, let's go.
0: But you're so, moving smarter, though. You're like, I got my kids, yeah. I don't, don't want to deal with all I was this.
1: moving smarter, and I seen a lot of a lot of craziness. A lot of our good friends cooperated, a lot of Bruno got killed. Yeah. It was just a lot of bad memories just keep boom, boom, it kept rolling, snowballing into bigger and bigger. And... uh and I, and I thought I was out of the woods. And I, I owned—I had a house with my nephew, 40-year-old Italian kid. 2019, uh, December 5th, four o'clock in the morning. You know, I'm sitting there watching the news. Just happened to be up. Don't ask me why. I'm sitting in my underwear, my mundans, my uh, my boxer shorts, and uh, bang, bang, bang. The door starts banging, and uh, I—I—you I, know, it ain't a guy coming to get you because they ain't gonna bang. You know, it ain't a woman selling uh, chocolate bars. Yeah. You know it's the cops. Right? I yelled to my nephew, and before I could even get it out, boom, boom! The window started smashing all through the front. All the windows in the front. They threw flash bombs in the house and blew up the. H- Blue, bang, bang! They were going off. And it was like Vietnam. I wasn't in Vietnam, but I don't mean no disrespect because I'm a veteran. But it must have been like that because it blew up, and I mean, nobody got hurt. But it, you can't hear. Your bill. Your ears are ringing. Your eyes are blown. You got all smoke, and they, they got that tear gas stuff, so you can't move. Next thing you know, you're laying on the floor. You know head to head with zip ties. And there's all guys with like M 16s and all these crazy guns with lasers. And I had two pimples. My son, bro, oh nephew had two bulls and they were going to kill the dogs. They said, shoot them, shoot them. And I said, don't shoot them. They don't even bite. So thank God one of the cops must've had dogs. He put them in the bathroom and locked them in the bathroom. They were there to serve a federal search warrant and take my nephew into custody because allegedly, and I say allegedly, um, they had my nephew as one of the, leaders, it, it, the leader from Boston to Miami of, uh, uh at the time, uh, they charged him with a, a, RICO and all different stuff. Uh, allegedly he was the leader of the Latin Kings from Boston to Miami. Wow. Uh, the Latin King and Queen Nation, which was, uh, the biggest takedown in, uh, East Coast history, the FBI Boston office. Operation thrown down, you can look it up.
0: Wow. Now and, your uh, nephew obviously had nothing to do with this, but hypothetically, how does an Italian kid if this were to happen, get involved with Latin kings. Latin kings are notoriously Hispanic, Mexican.
1: That's 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 why they're going to do a, a documentary on it, because they don't, even the FBI said, we've never seen nothing like this. An Italian kid running an organization like that.
0: This is typically blood in, blood out across every crime family, right. like, if, like if you're an Italian. You're not going to
1: have, unfortunately, you're not going to have a Spanish guy or an African-American guy as the boss. You got to be a you...
0: full-blooded Italian.
1: No, no, that's not true. You, you hear that a lot, but that's not true. Oh, really? Yeah, no, you gotta have your father, you gotta be at least half Italian and you gotta have your father, your father, the name, you know, in other words, it's mostly the father. If your father's Italian nowadays, it's, I don't know about nowadays, but back in my day. Mm. Yeah, if you you don't have have the Italian name. Italian name, and your father would have to be Italian. Right. But sometimes people's mother, like Henry Hill. Henry Hill's a perfect example. He was a yo-yo anyways, everybody built him up on Goodfellas, he was a, listen, I talked to real guys. Guy was a, excuse my language, he was a jerk off. But anyways, no disrespect to his family if they're listening. But um that's what he was. He was a babbling drunk and yeah, he was around a real good guy, but he was a babbling fool. Interesting. And um and uh yeah, his his mother was Italian and his father was Hill. Uh. So I don't he was not bright enough to ever get that button anyways, but if he was bright enough, they they wouldn't have made him, you know?
0: Wow. Sure. But but Latin Kings is the same thing, right? Like well, you, you would gotta, think you gotta be. You know, think.
1: But he took pinches his whole life from being with the Latin Kings, allegedly. But he did prison time at Fort Dix. He did three or four, four years for being a leader, a state leader, but this was a national. They picked up guys in New Jersey, uh, Connecticut, all the, through the whole East Coast, New York.
0: As a part of a RICO.
1: Yeah, there, it was 64 people and me, and I had nothing to do with them. They yeah, did so the, how, how do you get Jim? They did no, a please. search warrant, and they said, we're gonna search your room. They took my nephew right out of there. They jumped him in a FBI car, and he was off to Boston. And I'm sitting there, they said, we're gonna search the house. I said, okay. I said, that's my bedroom, so you know, you know, know, that's nothing to do with him. No, we have the things thing for the whole place. They have shirts, cellar, roof, everywhere. And uh, I said, I'm done. This is it, because I knew. Next to my bed, on my, next to my bed on a, a nightstand behind a little fan, I had a, a Smith & Wesson uh, uh, 357 snub nose, loaded. And uh, thank God, I didn't know it at the time. I figured, well, it's going to be at least five years. I'm going to do four or five years. But it was a Smith & Wesson. Smith & Wesson's in Springfield, Massachusetts. That's where the factory is. So my lawyer gets all the information, I, I get I get arrested, they find the gun, and then they start treating me like, you know, they were nice to me, They and they were telling me, they were sitting there before they found the gun, and they're like, chickie, we followed you, I go, what'd you follow me for, I got nothing to do with this, well, we still were following you, we followed you, you were at this nightclub with a girl coming out, you were at this restaurant with another girl at three in the morning, and they're laughing, oh, then you went to the strip joint the next night, you came out with another girl, it was crazy, life I was going, but anyways, you know, Whatever, so I said, "Why?" And they knew where I was, so they were following me. They weren't making it up. Oh, but the girl with the blonde hair, and they're like, "Oh, she was beautiful." I said, "Really?" <laughs> I couldn't. I'm talking. I'm like laughing, and then all of a sudden, from laughing with me because I wasn't involved in it, get over, get on the ground. They, they then they flip it because they found the gun.
0: So. And 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 what's the deal with the gun? Like.
1: Well, well I, I what well, can I say? I mean, I'm not going to say nothing to them in case I say something. So I just said, well, "What it is, what it is." They cuff me. And I was in the paddy wagon with all the Latin Kings going from Springfield <laughs> to Boston. And they had the streets closed off, state troopers with shotguns standing on all around the court because they they brought 64, I think to Boston, they brought like 60 Latin King guys. And my nephew was there too. So my nephew's in the locker by himself. He can't be around nobody and we're all down the end and all the Latin Kings, I was in a big bus with the Latin Kings, all of them. Now keep in mind, I told you before, they were at my mother's house as kids. They all knew me, Uncle Chicky, they used to call me. My mother cooked pasta for all these kids. This kid, nice kid, Apache from New Jersey, tough kid. They were at my house all the time, all these guys, and they were laughing with me in the paddy wagon with the big bus going, and they had the girls, they picked up the girl Latin Kings too, Latin Queens, I'm sorry. And it was a huge case. You can look it up Operation Thrown Down. But they're laughing at you
0: because they're like, why is Chicky here? Right,
1: yeah, (laughs) right. And they're laughing. And I I was doing the movie at the time, the Flanagan's movie. I told you I shot the movie in Queens. And they were laughing Chicky, guess what? What? No movie. You're going to jail. And I'm laughing. I laugh, you know, but I didn't even think about that. So uh
0: and now I I don't know what you can or can't comment on. So if you can't comment on it, yeah, no yeah, problem. No, but yeah. If I can't, I won't. W- with uh, with the gun charges, is it like because you have a felony. Yes, because you I had a felony. A, yes, a it was weapon.
1: illegal to have a gun. Right. The only thing I didn't know, my lawyer said, "Is this gun going to come back clean?" Like, what are you talking about? He goes, "Is it a clean gun?" So I go, yeah. What do you mean? Is that clean gun? He goes, nobody's going to come back in this gun. I said, no, absolutely not. You know, well, he's got to ask. He's yeah, my I guess, yeah. So I said, absolutely not. He said, you sure? No, no. And I said, nothing. So uh, it was Smith and Wesson and uh, federal law says you can anybody can look it up. If you buy, a, if you have a gun, if it's a federal case, not if it's a state case. If the Springfield, if the Springfield police or the state troopers pull you over and you got it, you're you're gone. It don't matter where the gun's from, but federal case. They charge you with ammunition. They can't charge you with the gun if the gun didn't. If they can't prove the gun left state lines, uh, the gun was from Springfield, Massachusetts. So if it was a Ruger or it was something other uh, Glock, anything gone. I would have done four or five years. So my nephew said, I meant my nephew, God forbid. <laughs> my lawyer said to me. They only can charge you with ammunition. I go, what's the charge on that? A couple of years? He goes, 16 months, couple of years. I said, no problem. Well, I mean, I, I would have had to do what I had to do anyway. Five years, four, whatever. That's better so, than five so, years. Yeah, yeah. So so he goes, I said, so when they charged me in court that day, you know, I went to the court, they charged me with ammunition, which is the same, you know, it's, that's what they kind of charged me with because they couldn't, no, no. When they charged me, I don't know if they charged me the gun in the beginning, but when they tra- ran a track on the gun and they saw Smith and & Wesson and they knew and all that, then it, uh, you know, they couldn't charge me. So what ended up happen is I was on $30,000 bond. For some reason, January of 2020, they revoked my bond and came. The FBI came and picked me up. I was at a doctor appointment at the Veterans Hospital in Northampton, Mass. They came and picked me up. I came out of the hospital. The guy pulls up in two vans. Come on, come here. what do I do? Get in the car. Cuff, cuff. The judge wants to see you in Boston court. So from they drive me two hours to Boston from Northampton, Massachusetts, near Springfield, right by UMass. I go in front of the judge, she said, we're revoking your bond. I said, what did I do? Did I hang around with somebody? Did I do another crime? We'll address it in two weeks. Take them to Wyatt. They brought me to the worst place you could ever go. Wyatt, Wyatt Detention Center in Providence, right outside Providence, Rhode Island, Wyatt Federal Detention. And uh funny story, so they bring me in and for some reason they put me, I'm in the hole for like two weeks because my name comes up as gang affiliated, which I never was, it was my, right. my family. So I had a sitting hole for two weeks. Now after two weeks, they put me in the gang unit and there's only, there's a bunch of people in the gang unit. So now the door slides in the gang unit open and I walk into the gang unit and they got the Italian guys from Boston there, the guys waiting trial, you know, the alleged organized crime guys. And I'm walking in with my bed and you got your clothes, you know, towels, you're going in. And all of a sudden I hear a guy start screaming, chicky, chicky, and all the Latin King kids are there. They come run and hug me. They take my stuff away from me, all my stuff. And walk, the, the, he says to the uh, guard, the big kid, Apache, gray kid, a friend of mine lives in New Jersey, uh, knew him my whole life. He says, guard, put him in seven. They said what cell I got. The guard didn't even decide. They put him on the cell. They bring all my stuff in my cell. Now the Italian guys from Boston are like, what the fuck is going on? What's going on with this Who guy? This kid? Where was this kid? Who was this kid? White Italian kid. They knew it all. Whatever. And they're all hugging me and everything. So... Now I they put my stuff in my room. I fix my room up an hour, and I come out into the, in the middle, whatever they call it, and uh, so the Italians go, "Come here!" I come over. Hey, how you doing? Oh, do you, uh, where are you from? I go Springfield. Oh, you know this guy? You know I grew up there. And I said Bruno was my guy. They asked me about Bruno, I said that was my guy. So the guy goes, dinner because you got certain seats there. You can't just sit where you want. Right. You got the African American guys, the Muslims, the white kids, like the real white kids, like whatever. Like I told you before, the other nationalities in jail, Italians are completely different. They treat Italians a lot different than they do white guys. Right. It's a fact. It's a truth.
0: Right. In regular society, we kind well, of I'm see Italians about, as I'm white. i talking about,
1: maybe I should say organized crime guys. They treat different. Uh, because I there's white guys that went in there for other things like, uh, you know, the, your friend there that does a podcast. Yeah. And he knows it too. They, the Italians got treated completely different. I used to say, I used to bust and say, we're white busted them, and I know what they would say, the African-American, big guys like Crips, these guys would say, you ain't white, you're Italian. You know, I don't know whether they said that, but it was funny. So the Italian said to me, Chick, you sit with us and eat. Then as he's talking to me, this Latin Kings, all the Latin Kings came over, and they said, them are our four tables. You can sit with us and eat. So I chopped it up. I had breakfast and lunch (laughs) with the Latin Kings, and I alleged Latin Kings, and I had a night dinner and playing cards and busting chops with the Italians from Boston. It's, both worlds. Like, it's like rushing a fraternity. You're like, yeah, ah, I and don't. I was supposed to be there two weeks, and guess what hits uh, 2020 January? COVID. COVID. Courts are shut down for three months. My lawyer says, we're going to get you right back out. They got nothing. Okay. Two weeks goes by. Four weeks goes by. Eight weeks goes by. Twelve weeks. <laughs> three months because COVID closed it. So they did the hearing inside the prison on a TV with a camera, mm-hmm. and they let me back out. I'm back. So I had... F- between everything, I had like almost four months good time that Dang. I did, and then they only wanted to give me 15 months. They wanted to give me 15 months. The judge, I mean, the lawyer, the, the, the federal prosecutor asked for 15 months because they knew I wasn't involved in nothing. They just found the ammunition, and um, I didn't want house arrest. I did, At the time, I didn't, and I said to my lawyer, I don't want house arrest because I'm going to have to stay in. I didn't know there was you could go out and do things, go to the gym. I never knew. I thought you had to stay in, So I ain't staying in for a year. If I stay in for a year, it's bad enough I'm a big guy. I'll be triple bigger (laughs) if I just sit there and can't leave. Put me in jail. I'll go lose 150 pounds. (laughs) I'm like a movie star. So my lawyer says, listen, you got to come. And my friend that's here today, Tony with me, Grasso, he was in the court watching. He's laughing. And I look at him. I'm going to the, I'll go today. Tell him I want to go today. My lawyer says, Chicky, shh, calm down. Anytime you walk out of federal court without sent jail, It's a win. He goes, you, just trust me. We won this house arrest. I thought they were going to become violating me, torturing me, pee in a cup, which that's okay. I don't do drugs anyway. But, you know, I just thought they were going to torture me. And he says, no, you fell out of... S-. He goes, I'll explain it after. Just do what I said. Okay. So, of course, he went right into the v- Net- Net- veterans, Navy. He got hurt. He's a veteran. COVID's in the prisons rampant. His illness, he can die.
0: He's got some movie roles he's got to go well, do. Well, he didn't say that. <laughs> you
1: know, she would have probably put me in for four years. She heard that. But anyways... Uh, <laughs> And she said he's got uh, four months or whatever it was credit. they want to give him 15, we'll give him 12 months on a bracelet. I had the ankle thing home with supervision with a federal prosecutor what they call it, probation. So I just got off here last April, you know, and they let me leave every day. I could go to the gym, church, visit my grandkids. Don't worry, a lot of things came up church I was out all the time a little strip
0: club here and there who knows no, no I can't go uh, <laughs> we can't talk about that on a podcast but
1: maybe but anyways uh yeah that's what it is but, Wow. yeah so that was and then you know and then uh at the end of the day real quick the case was a shit case yeah. I think one guy got 7 years everybody else got 5 years or less so they were. They, if you listen to the newspapers they were all going to do 20 years and this is a major RICO case Little drug dealing they had, not nothing to do with my nephew, but like in uh, some bad, outside Boston, Roxbury, a couple, mm-hmm. some drugs they found and guns. They found guns, Sure. but like I said, unless you're shooting a gun at somebody, if it's a gun, you're only gonna get three, four years, five, under five years.
0: And is your nephew still dealing with, with the case now?
1: I don't know, he's in jail, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't talked to him in two years. We had a little family problem, but, gotcha. you know, little family something, but it's nothing to do with what he's doing, but sure. I don't talk to him. I haven't talked to him in two years. But um, but that was personal, something to do with his, with his family. Sure. But yeah, so I don't talk to him. But last Saturday, he was still in jail. I don't know what's going on now.
0: Wow. I mean, that is such a wild thing. But now that you've been out since April, now- I'm
1: done. I got him off paper. I'm off everything. I, I I didn't even have the probation after. They ran a concurrent with the year. That's great. So I was lucky. They knew I had nothing to do with that thing. Just a bad place and dumbbell. But so, like I had said on another podcast, if you're an illegal person on the street, find out what gun factory- if you're worried about a federal case, carry that gun that in New York, wherever where I don't know what gun space in New York, but if you live in my area, get a Smith & Wesson because uh, federal, they can't charge you with that the is gun. So lucky. Yeah.
0: But, but you're not going back to jail, right? What's that? You're not going back to prison at this
1: point. No, no. I'm done. Listen, at my age, come on. I got, like I said, partially six, five grandchildren. You got all these grandkids. Like... And I've got things. Listen to me, I got in with some right people. And, and let me tell you, that's another thing. When you're doing illegal things and you're known on the street to run around with these guys, Real legitimate business people, actors, big business legitimate people—they don't want to deal with you. They like you; they'll go eat dinner with That's you. It's interesting. Go to a VIP club and laugh with you, but business-wise, it's tough. Well, they don't want to be around you because, God forbid, they tell you you're gonna—they're gonna be partners or do something with you. They're afraid you're gonna whack them, or not me, but you know they watch movies. Yeah. Oh, they will whack me and take my business, or I mean, they just think. But when you start living the right life, and that's my main reason for coming, I could tell a million of these stories to you. It's about change. I mean, legitimate change. Not I'm changing. I'm changing. And then you got a podcast show, and a foreman has a podcast show, and he says, "I killed three people." Six days later, same guy. I killed fourteen. Well, did you kill six, four, or fourteen? <laughs> yeah. You don't remember how many bodies? It's just monotonous bullshit. Yeah. So, and that's why they wanted me. A lot of people wanted me to do a podcast. They said you could be huge, do my own podcast. But I don't want to do it. I, I just there's too much negativity. Not you, you and the kid, locked in, and Beck, are doing great job. I, I, I commend you.
0: I appreciate that. And man. you're and you. you got
1: a crew of what what a studio. I wish that people could see your studio. Wait till it's done. Yeah. And it's in a great place in Brooklyn. I had a great little time today. And uh, yeah, so it's about change and be a good person. I mean, since since other than like I said, I'm trying to lose weight. I lost weight, but I got more to go. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was on locked in show and. Boy, there's some ruthless people, boy. Some of them comments. One guy said, "I ate the mob." <laughs> he had a little bottle of that's water. a good joke. Yeah, oh, it was funny. One. I I put smiley faces.
0: The man who ate the mob. Yeah, no, he He's goes, so and then funny. they call.
1: They said I look like uh, uh, some cartoon guy that's on Springfield, the heavy guy with the little glasses. Oh yeah. Oh, they From named the Simpsons. Him. yeah, yeah. Somebody, not him, some other guy. I laugh, but I said, Jesus Christ, you got some real, they're probably sitting in their mother's basement at 40 years old typing bad things to me. Bro, we're going to life torturing me. Yeah, okay. Sometimes
0: Uh, there's funny ones where you're like, "Ah, Listen
1: to me, I'm dying (laughs) laughing. I die laughing, I got to admit it.
0: Have you ever heard of uh, the comedian Tim Dillon? I I saw one comment that was like, this guy looks like Tim Dillon's brother.
1: Yeah, yeah, Oh, you said the comments, I, I, I didn't that. know who Tim Dillon was. I oh, thought that was a cartoon guy.
0: Tim Tim's an excellent stand-up comedian. But he, he's I, but super man, fun. But I'm honored to
1: be Tim Dillon. Yeah. <laughs> but you know who I like? I like this kid. Uh, my favorite guy right now is a young kid. He's great. Uh, riff. Steve Riff? Oh, Matt. Matt Riff. Matt Reif. Rife. Rife, yeah, i say yeah, Riff, handsome, handsome motherfucker. Great guy, huh? yeah. Oh, yeah. he's incredible. He gets the audience involved. He's blowing up now, he's blowing he's up. One of the, he's
0: arguably one of the biggest comedians in the oh, world. Oh, he's
1: great, he's great. He's like 25 years old.
0: You gotta hear a story. I mean, two years ago, I mean, he's been in comedy for a long time, yeah. but, but two years ago, he was even saying this, maybe three years ago, he was like, you know, doing shows in London here and there, like not doing that many tickets, like, you know, struggling, like, you it know, now. as a comic working. He's doing seven thousand tickets in bend Oregon. God bless
1: him. Good, I for, mean, him. Good for him. The guy
0: has done such a great and he's job. he's
1: Such on the spirit, of moment. He'll talk to an audience member. They'll say something to him, and he goes right. He's incredible. He's extremely quick. Yeah, like
0: he's. It's, yeah, he's excellent. So that's basically. And he's been what, in the game a long time. Yeah, he's been, he's been doing yeah. standups since he was like
1: sixteen. Yeah, yeah. and, uh, and uh, you know, I got some funny. I went and seen the first time just to tell you a quick thing. Yeah, I was in L.A. in nineteen eighty-five, the year I graduated. I went and moved... Me and my two brothers went out there to get my sister move her back to New England. And I seen, I think it was one of his first shows. He might have been a comic for a month. Sam Kinnison. 1985 oh, wow. on the uh that famous strip. I forgot there to call it Sunset Strip. Yeah. Comedy Club. Uh, it was called uh, At the Comedy Store. I don't know what the name of it was a major name. I'm not improv. It might have been the comedy store or something. He was there and he had the hat and the big coat. And we were watching him. I'm like, this guy ain't that funny. And then all of a sudden he goes, he tells a slow story, and then he goes, "You pig!" And he, you know he does that scream. And I was crying. And I said, "This guy's going to be huge." And he, "Come on!"
0: Wow, it's huge. Wow. Are there any stories that uh, that you want to share? Like that 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 didn't get brought up? If there's anything, the floor is yours. I would, yeah, um. no.
1: I, yeah, I appreciate. I pretty much got. I mean, Jesus, the, the, the people are probably throwing stuff at their TV and falling asleep <laughs> by now. But no, my message. No. I just want to say my message is just change is possible. When you're around good people, there's a saying all over the internet. I love it. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's the truth. Um, it's a, it's the a truth.
0: That's the thing, man. I, I look at guys like like you, and it's like you grew up in this area. This is mm-hmm. everything that you knew. These are all the guys that yeah. you knew. And as a young kid, it's interesting. It's seductive. And you kind of get drawn into it. Uh, if you could have gone back and not been involved in this and just had like a straight-laced job that made you good money and did yeah. that, would you have done it?
1: If I didn't get hurt in the Navy, I'd probably not have been in a career 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I ended up retired anyways, but I would have stayed. Yeah, I loved it. I was stationed in Honolulu, Pearl Harbor.
0: That's actually one thing that we that we didn't get to, and I'm curious. Can can you explain how you got injured in the Navy?
1: Yeah, there was a chemical spill on my ship from a from a. a I, I was a, a gunner's mate. I was well, I was becoming a gunner's mate, and uh, there was a chemical spill that should have never been cleaned up. And uh, our executive officer said, you know, we need you and two other guys to go into this compartment, and it was it was glowing green, like in other words. Um, it was a toxic neurochemical that they put in. I don't know if it was a weapon or whatever they put it in. But it was like, you ever go to a concert and they got them things you bang against the the, the seat and mm-hmm. they start glowing? Yeah, yeah, Are they glow sticks? Yeah, the glow kids stick. have them, yeah, yeah. they're nothing, and then you bang them? Yeah. Well, picture that glow stick if it's spilt all over the floor, glowing. So I had said to my executive officer, I says, uh, should we wear the 3M masks and the big suit? And he said, no, no, just clean it. It's nothing, it's just a chemical. So jerkoffs. we, you know, excuse my language, we jump in there and we start cleaning it, and all the green, our clothes are glowing green. Everything's glowing green. And we cleaned it up like idiots. Not knowing, <laughs> we're not idiots, because we didn't know.
0: Right, you're listening to what they said. Yeah, and
1: then two weeks later, uh, about two weeks later, we're out in the Indian Ocean, about 800 miles off the coast of Guam. And uh, this was underway in the ocean, we did this cleanup. And uh, we cleaned it up, and uh, about two weeks later, well, near Guam, we're sailing to the Philippines, uh, Subic Bay in the Philippines—it's closed now. And I couldn't walk. I got up bed and my legs wouldn't move, or they were like my—and my eyelid was shut. My eyelid was completely shut, not like a black eye. Just picture your eyelid doesn't work. Your eyelids— cl- that's it. But y- you're not holding it. It just is down. Yeah, it won't open. So I said, "What the hell's going on? Maybe I'm sick." So I went to sick call and they—I told them everything, and they said, "We got to get—you know—this ain't normal. This ain't sickness." And the other two guys were sick too. One guy was throwing up nonstop. The other kid couldn't walk. So they knew this is a bad, and uh, they they landed a helicopter, a helo, on our ship and flew out through the Indian Ocean, and they flew us to um, uh, Almeda, California, the Almeda Naval Base, and uh, I mean I, I was I only had four months to go, five months to go to make my four years and continue. They would have gave me a money money sign back up and everything, and uh, they said you ain't going back to your ship. What the hell are you talking about? We go. We sent for all your stuff. It's coming here. Why? We're gonna, we gotta take care of this. What is it? So they don't tell me. It's all hush, hush. And uh, yeah, so I was there for like a month. And then uh, they they sent all three of us on a plane to the most notorious, best military hospital in the world in Maryland, Bethesda Naval Hospital. It's the, the president. When the president gets sick or gets uh, assassinated, anything, God forbid he ever gets shot or anything, that's where they bring him if he's in around. Uh, but it's right outside Washington, D.C., Bethesda Naval. Naval Hospital's great. And I was there a year. I was there a year. I was telling you the story earlier where I would would be the Monday through Friday. Then i take a train from Bethesda to Springfield, Mass, seven hours, to stay home for the weekend, go out with my friends, have fun, and come back Uh, Sunday night. And uh, I inquired a, a, a neurotoxic disease that still weakens me. I take medication for it. My eyelid's open now, but sometimes, like, I don't really drink much, but when I drink, anytime I drink, I don't do drugs, but... My eyelid shuts, so I got to be careful.
2: Wow! It,
1: it's a neural. It's a neurotoxin. It, it, there's a name for it. It's a big name, but nobody would know what it means, anyways. But, and it was caused by a neurotoxic. It's a neurotoxic disease caused by a neurotoxic chemical. And uh, my buddy, the other two, and one of them's not here. One is really crippled now. One died. He he ended up getting from the same chemical. I got that, which looking back, I'm glad I got that because the alternative. One of my guy. One of the guys that were with me got um, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. He's still alive, he's crippled. And the other guy died of um uh what's the cancer? Bad cancer. Um in the blood. What's the cancer Leukemia. in the blood? Leukemia. Yep. Fuck man. He died a year later and the guy my guy that I, I taught I haven't talked to him in years, but he's still alive. I, mean, I don't know, two years, maybe he's dead. But he's my age, fifty, probably fifty-seven, and he's crippled. He'd been in a wheelchair I mean, for twenty years. so messed up. Uh, And they've retired. Well, you know what happened? They Well, I I won't get into that, but they uh, offered me a settlement, cash settlement. But then that was it. I was done with them. And my father said, you can do this. You're going to buy a nice car and a house. And then what are you going to do? If you can't work, how how are you going to pay your bills the rest of your life? And he was right. It was a nice set of money. But So he says, take the retirement. So I took full 100% retirement, full medical, full dental every month. And I've got millions since then, if you figure out all these years getting a 100%. And uh, my kids went to college, you know, they helped with that, um, some college. And uh, I went to college, full medical and dental through my whole life with my kids, having it all through until they graduated college. Wow. So and all things considered, it, it was uh, whatever it is, what it is, you know, I, I, I whatever.
0: Right. I mean, that's awful. Yeah. It's nice that there's you yeah, know, yeah. some, you know... There's some restitution, I guess. Like yeah, the, you know, there's right. some there's some amends, but well, for still. the poor
1: guy's family that got the leukemia and the other guy who's yeah, in a wheelchair, what about what, that? What, what, yeah. yeah.
0: And even you, well, I mean, you know what?
1: I gotta say, I'm blessed because I, I got a good attitude. Now I don't think negative. I always think positive. There's Vietnam veterans that are a hundred times more than man I am, and these guys that were in Desert Storm and all these different uh, PTSD, storm lungs, and this PTSD, and... no limbs. You know, there's guys that I talk to at the VA when I go there for checkups. They have no leg. No arm, their face is blown half apart. They get less money than me. Wow! Come on, there's a problem there.
2: Yeah.
1: Come on, guy gets his leg blown off in a, in a war. I wasn't even in war. Thank God. In the when I was in the military from eighty end of eighty five to eighty nine, there was no war, so I was blessed. We right. were practicing. If there was a war, we were ready. Sure. Because I was on an attack tanker that carried ten point five million gallons of JP five jet fuel. Wow. We refueled the. Fl- we were like the Exxon or Mobil on the water the aircraft carriers. We used to go out with the USS Nimitz battle group. That was our battle group from San Diego. The USS uh, uh, Nimitz, serious ships, big three carriers, destroyers, we had a nuclear sub underneath us at all times. Because if there's a war or there's a, a, yeah, a terrorist go, hack, who do you think they're going after? Take the oil out. They do these, allow them blow all the ships. 10.5 yeah. million gallons of JP4. They hit our ship. Every ship around us is gone.
0: Yeah, every plane. Ten square miles,
1: I think they said. Planes are like done. That. Like everything. Whatever. Well, I don't know if they're way up, they won't bet. But, but, but if
0: they can't fuel up. Oh, no, but, yeah. no. If, they, if,
1: if we're refueling the USS Nimitz, uh, well, Nimitz, they run, I think they were running on uh, nuclear. But we used to refuel. We did do some aircraft carriers. I don't know what they needed it for. Maybe for their jets. Wow. Because the jets run off JB5, too.
0: And you, and you enjoyed your time there. You would have stuck that oh up. Oh, my
1: God. I went around the whole world. Wow. China, Korea, Hong Kong, Australia, Perth, Sydney, Melbourne, Malaysia.
0: Hanging with the boys. Bur- uh, yeah.
1: What's that crazy crazy? Philippines. Forget about that. I don't want to tell them stories. You have to be <laughs> 5X. Um, where's the other? Bangkok, Thailand.
0: Oh, don't tell me about that
1: Singapore. Story. Come on. The weird. Thailand story. You don't even know. Uh-oh. I ain't going to tell the story because it ain't good for the air. But let's just say nothing to do with me. <laughs> But just let's say them hillbilly guys from out west that were in the Navy, there was a lot of donkeys, some and I'm not gonna get into it, but there was some crazy some surprises? Sh- oh, boy, <laughs> God. Wow. But, so, I, yeah, I had a crazy little life, you know, I guess.
0: And I noticed, it's, it's, it's actually very faint. You can't really see it, but there's like a little scar here. Yeah, that, no,
1: it's big, actually, it's right here. From here, it starts here, it goes up here, and it goes all the way down the back of my head. It was a car accident in 2008, I almost died. That's another thing. I almost died, I lived, but it was bad. Yeah, I oh, cracked wow. my head. My whole head was hanging. This here, I can't hear. That good. Maybe like 30% hearing. And it missed my eye by a quarter of an inch. It would have took this eye right out. Whoa. And I, I went right through the windshield. And I, I'm surprised to be alive, so that, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm done with the bullshit. I'm just blessed to be here. Like I said, great daughters, incredible son-in-laws. They work great, beautiful houses in Connecticut. They live, and I see them all the time. I go see my grandkids. They call me no-no chicky. It's funny. And uh, beautiful kids, and uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, uh, you know. I got small circle around me now, but positive, a lot of movie guys, a lot of different things. They, they got other movies coming out. Chickie, we need you to come do it. I'm like, bro, whatever you need. I mean, I'm not an I, I tell them still, they laugh. You, I go, I'm not an actor. And they go, Chicky, you can say what you want, but you did a lot better than the real actor, <laughs> some of them. And I laugh, I say, okay, thank you. uh,
0: Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for
1: having me. You're a gentleman, and I love what you guys are doing. Thank you, man. And again, you got a beautiful studio. Outside's incredible once you get it going. And uh, no, it was a pleasure. And I want to thank all the people that are going to watch for taking the time to watch it. And uh, don't torture me too much on the comments, please. I'm trying.
0: (laughs) They come up with some good ones. Unless it's funny. If it's funny, (laughs) we'll look the other way. But uh, you got to come with heat. The
1: other show had a little water this big. You know the waters? You yeah, have yeah, yeah. one sip and they're done. Yeah. It was this big. This you got the good ones. Yeah. They had a little water at the other show. So I pick up the water during an interview. It's this big and it just fits in my hand like a little, like I'm a it's a a midget. And I go like this. It was a little water. And somebody said in the comments, Look at he's holding a two and a half liter bottle of water. <laughs>
0: <laughs> People are ruthless. <laughs> yeah, but be nice to Chicky. This listen, is a good guy. It's,
1: listen, it's okay. It doesn't bother me. I listen. It's gotta be they, funny. It's gotta be funny. I laugh with him. <laughs> I laugh, but I also laugh at them because they're the same ones in their mother's cellar typing, chicky, 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 chicky. <laughs> and their mother goes, Joe, Joe, Joey, come on up and have your peanut butter sandwich. And they're 45. We, I gotta laugh. Listen, I'm who I am. I've been this way my whole life. You know,
0: Chicky, chickatelly. Never change, brother. Thank you so Never. much for spending the time. Thank you for
1: having me. That's a pleasure. You're a gentleman. Thank you so much. Appreciate pleasure. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you.